0: This is Ashling Clark, director of The Devil's Doorway, and you're listening to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies.
1: to horror movie podcast where we're dead serious about horror movies on horror movie podcast you get in-depth horror movie discussions and reviews for classic films and new releases this episode is sponsored by shutter the netflix for horror try shutter free for 30 days just go to shutter.com and use the promo code h m p when signing up that's s h u d d e r.com and the promo code h m p we are your horror hosts
2: gilman joel robertson dave dr shock becker
3: and the wolfman
1: Okay, this episode, we're delivering for you evil babies. You'll be pregnant with fear as we provide you feature reviews of Demon Seed, It's Alive, Hell Baby, and Prevenge. We also have a conversation with longtime listener and podcaster Shani Dreadful, and an interview with Keith Cooper, the writer of Anything for Jackson. Awesome. And now... (laughs) We're going to talk about evil babies and pregnancy gone wrong.
3: (laughs) So it didn't occur to me until very late in the process that we were three dudes talking about pregnancy. And so we are going to be joined by Shani Dreadful as... Joel alluded to, but the timing didn't work out for her to actually be here on this episode. So it will be a separate segment, but I'm very much looking forward to talking to Shani. Very, you know, longtime listener, the supporter of HMP and she's great. And uh, she's been pregnant a few times. So, (laughs) well, for what it's worth, I will say,
1: and I can't speak for either of you, but like those of us watching these movies, I have also bore witness Mm. to babies being born. And it, it had its moments, Because all three were C sections, and Oof. and as it turns out, I I love me you know some some decent gore in a horror movie, but there's always that part of my brain's going, see that's not real, that's not real. Whereas if you put me in real life, I become very very weak.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm the say I was in the room for both of deliveries, and it was quite traumatic. Yeah. I remember when my first son was born, he was he was held up there. What got me was um, the tube. It, it looked alien to me, and it, it scared me. Uh, I was like the doctors, like if you do, you want to cut it? And I'm like, cut it. I don't want to be in the room with it. <laughs> I was like, get it, get it away from me before it makes a copy of me and steals my identity. For me, it was just seeing my wife in that much pain was what was
3: traumatizing. Like I yeah. had never seen her in that state before, yes. and it mm-hmm. was it seriously messed me up well because i think too and i I assume you guys may have felt
1: this way is you're so help you are it's like the mother is going through all of it right she's going through all of that the pain and the anguish and you can do nothing
2: nothing yeah you're completely superfluous to the proceedings (laughs) yes you really are you really are you are the least helpful person in the room
1: which is usual for me yeah but it's like it's amplified in that scenario
3: (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no yeah it's it's a terrifying i mean i was nervous the entire pregnancy honestly like the the first child that we had i was just like i was a mess you know every little thing <laughs> freaked me out i was very concerned about the fragility of uh, that situation
2: but my, you know. it's tough my wife went into labor at five months wow. so they had oh, to put yeah. her on medication and she had to just stay in bed um, oh, for the wow, for the next scary. three months and and we we moved in the process from one apartment to the other uh, during that time so wow. yeah it was uh, it was pretty traumatic. My wife was in labor for almost twenty four hours so wow the labor started early in the morning and
3: we you know were trying to decide if we should go into the doctor or not and they're like no don't come in quite yet you know it's it's not it's not time yet and it just kind of went on and on and on we ended up going to her sister's graduation wow. <laughs> and then it went the whole day and then at like two in the morning or something is when she finally delivered i mean it was a long
1: day. all of ours were scheduled c-sections So we, you know, Mm -hmm. we showed up when they told us to show up, they, you know, they induced labor the whole nine yards, but it's like, that didn't make it any better. (laughs) It was still just.
3: Well, C-sections intense, man. That's something that never even occurred to me. So what was that you knew from the beginning there were going to be C-sections? Yes,
1: because at the time my wife was, she had, you know, the weight issue that she had and they basically just felt like. For her, the safer move was to do that. But then once oh, wow. someone has a C-section, once a woman has a C-section, a parent, from what I understand, I think there is it's possible to have the baby through the natural way after that point, but they oftentimes don't want to cause they don't want to risk it. Right. Uh, and, and so she ended up, yeah, she had three C sections all within three years of each other. And then like the next year had a double hernia operation because that Ooh. was something cause she had lost a lot of her weight after the third baby. And so it wasn't, she lost that weight. She even realized she had like this double hernia that had like, mm. cause they hadn't, I don't oh think they'd probably like sealed up her inner like li- dude. Yeah. My, my wife is a freaking warrior. It's <laughs> I'll tell you. like, holy crap. Like, cause it's, you're in an op- the operating room and they're, they, they cut her open and they open her and they pull the baby straight up out of it. And it's like and and they have like a curtain. So I'm sitting by her head and she's there. She's awake, but she's very out of it because they got the anesthesiologist, you know, right there doing his thing. And I was sitting by her head and the doctor is, is like dropping these just claws, just saturated in like dark blood. And they have like this kind of like blanket or sheet or something up. Above, so she can't see down. And as soon as they bring the baby, they're like, OK, Mr. Robertson, could you want to stand up so you can see your son? And like, I stand up. But it's like as soon as you clear that little curtain, you're looking down and it's like open. And it's and, and so like I was doing that thing where you're kind of like raising your head up because you don't want to actually look down, down because you don't want to see. Everything there is to see, and so I just wanted to see the kid. <laughs> I didn't yeah. want, didn't want to see yeah. the insides of my wife. Is where I'm going with this. Wow. Oh, yeah.
2: it's it's. I remember when um, my wife was for the delivering our first son. Um, he was uh, much bigger. The doctor actually had to cut her. The puseotomy. Oh. Yeah, while um, while she was in the process of delivering. Now she had had a, an epidural, so it's not like she was feeling. That's pain anyway, and she had plenty of other things sure. going on at the time. Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: We had a midwife and a doula, which honestly, like, made it so pleasant as opposed to what you guys are both describing, Yeah. but it was still just messed me up seeing my wife in that much pain, because she was pushing forever. Like, I gave up. I was like, well, that's it. Let's just wrap. We can't do it. It's impossible. Right. <laughs> Let's right. just leave. And she, she said, there's only <laughs> yeah. one way out of this for me, so it, yeah. I can't give up. I couldn't believe that she could do it. Honestly, like, it was, I gave up a emotionally an hour before she gave birth like i don't know how she did it it's insane
1: yeah well and and then to make matters worse worse for what my wife went through it turned out she was allergic or had some kind of weird reaction to morphine and so right after she had the baby they gave her some medication that was obviously heavily morphine based so she started to have like insane dry heaves and all sorts of stuff going on and after having been cut Across yeah. her entire abdomen. Oh, so like every man. time she wrecked it, dude, it was, it was hell on earth for her for like 24 hours. It was, it was oh, insane. So
3: just the recovery time for a C-section or an episiotomy, that's got to be the worst part of yes. the recovery. Yeah, it was brutal, man. It was. Well, I think the thing
1: we really have all learned from this experience, these experiences is that, you know, we're total weenies and there's a reason why we aren't the ones having the babies. Yeah. So
3: any person who can <laughs> give birth is a warrior, a warrior, a badass fill in the yeah. blank,
1: Straight so the up. fear
3: is real. I mean, it's insane, man. Like, um, so, tokophobia is the pathological fear of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Can lead to avoidance of childbirth. It can be classified as primary or secondary. Primary is a morbid fear of childbirth in a woman who has no previous experience of pregnancy. Secondary is a morbid fear of childbirth developing after a traumatic first event in a previous pregnancy. Now, that's would be, I think, even scarier if you had had yeah. some difficulty in childbirth the first time. Because I think for most people, our second child was so much easier. Like she almost had the baby in the car on the way to the hospital. But uh, to have it go wrong the first time, I can imagine that creating a huge amount of anxiety for, yeah. her, like, a later pregnancy.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Our second, our second one was a little scary because they lost the heartbeat mm. of the child, and it, the doctors became very concerned. So, and, and the, I mean, my, my oldest son was born at eight o'clock at night and my youngest was born at like three in the morning or something like that. It, it was just more, it was a little frightening in that regard. But as far as the pregnancy, as far as the delivery it, itself, the second delivery seemed much, it was much smoother than the first one.
1: The first two, I mean, the C-section part obviously being difficult for all of them. It does seem like our second kid though, it was smoother overall in a lot of ways. Our third kid, however, uh, he was born On time, everything was fine, except when they first pulled him out, he wasn't really moving, and he didn't look like he was breathing, and he ended up being in the NICU for, uh, I think, was it almost to 10 days? It was right, because he was born like two days before Thanksgiving, so like we had to come back from the hospital, have Thanksgiving with my mom and our kids, and then I rushed my wife back up and- and like yeah, it was it was rough, man. It was that was one of those eye opening experiences. because especially because if you're in the NICU, you see what a lot of other parents are going through with like, yeah. you know, premature babies and just all sort uh, it's it is rough. So after that experience, we're like, OK, we're good. Yeah, we are good. Three is our limit. <laughs> we are. We are <laughs> I think at this point I would have tokophobia where my wife would. We would have there would be some tokophobia going on or however you say that. Right. Um, yeah. If we were pregnant again. Not to mention the fact that we realized we would be, like, in our 60s <laughs> by the time the kid was ready to <laughs> right, graduate high yeah. school. Right, yeah, Get right, exactly. this kid out of here at yeah, some exactly, point. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
3: <laughs> now, the, uh, I mean, I, first of all, let me just say, childbirth is a beautiful thing. <laughs> All the disclaimers. All- <laughs> We're only going to be talking about bad examples for the next, you know, two right. hours. But right. Actually, would you say it's fair to say,
1: Wolfman, that if someone actually does have tokophobia, this is not the episode to listen to. <laughs> True. If
3: you're at all worried about yeah. pregnancy, just skip this because it, it really isn't as bad as it's going to be made out to be in the next. I mean, I, it was a very scary, but it was ultimately like the best thing that's ever happened to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember on Max
1: like as soon as he was born, they had him a little tray thing while they're measuring him he grabbed my pinky dude ah the
2: waterworks oh my yeah. god it was incredible yeah. it was it really is it's amazing it's,
3: yeah it's for me yeah ch- ch- my children are the height of my human experience yep. so far 100 so. yeah.
1: 100 right
3: having said that <laughs> <laughs> should we jump into it
1: yes go? absolutely let's do this now uh those that are listening that le- love to tell us how you know we give you lots of ideas of movies to watch if this is a subgenre you're interested in make sure you have your pad and pen or pencil ready because holy moly is this a list so we're going to go yeah, through this, it
2: this is an amazing list yeah yeah
1: i i thought that i honestly thought the list was a lot shorter and then as i started scrolling through i was like whoa daddy there's a lot i just felt like this was a much smaller subgenre than it is now i think wolfman i I don't want to speak out of turn here but as you pointed out to me some of the movies on here are kind of almost more like incidentally connected
3: yeah we are going to specifically be focusing on people who are impregnated with an evil entity of some kind right so we're not going to be talking about Movies like inside, which is a pregnancy horror film, but doesn't have anything to do with the baby being the source of the evil, or we're not going to talk about demonic toys or the good son. You know, the good son's a good example because it's a, it's, or the omen where it is related to an evil child being born, but it isn't dealing with the idea. To me, the horror concept I wanted to explore is this thing's growing inside of you, right? Like that's terrifying that Mm -hmm. concept i think i would think sure sure yeah now do you
1: just for for clarity's sake because we obviously have a lot of movies on here like the bad seed i'm still gonna read them
3: yeah we can talk about them and if they fit or not i wasn't sure about the bad seed isn't it doesn't deal with pregnancy no it does not she's
1: already a kid yeah it's like little rhoda is already like an eight year old sociopath So
3: let's go. We can go through them and and discuss whether or not they fit. Okay,
1: so I think really the reality is there's gonna be a lot of movies on here that probably technically don't fall in the bucket, but they deal with evil kids in some way, shape or form.
3: I was trying to leave out evil kid movies that didn't have some connection to the pregnancy in the movie. All right. So first up, we have the bad seed from 1956, which is not technically
1: a pregnancy movie, but, you know, Rhoda, based on the way she acts, you know, there was something that, it's it's a movie that, if I remember correctly, really discusses that concept of nature versus nurture. Yeah. Village of the Damned from 1960, which I actually just watched with my children last week, and that does start off with a, a small village. There's a strange phenomenon that causes everyone to go unconscious for several hours when they come to, uh, like a couple months later, all the, wi- well, all the women of childbearing age I guess, give birth. And they give birth to some really creepy little kids <laughs> that have the ability yes. to do stuff to you with their mind. And it is a fantastic film. I love that movie.
2: Yeah, it's a good one. And it is creepy. And it has, um, uh, is is it uh, Martin Stevens? Is that the little boy who plays the son yes, in that one? I he think. was also in The Innocents.
1: Okay. And yes. he was
2: great in both of yeah. those movies. I don't think he did much after those. And it's a shame. Yeah, he's super creepy. He was a, a really strong child. actor. Yeah,
1: he really was very mature. Like he just had this maturity, that whole idea of an old soul. Like He has that quality yeah. to him. Yeah, for sure. Sure. All right, so then we'll jump to Rosemary's Baby, 1968, a uh, classic of the evil baby genre. I mean, considering it's supposed to be the antichrist.
3: I mean, I this is was a question, you know, do we review this movie for this episode because it is probably the best movie ever made on this topic? Yes. Um I I personally feel like I don't want to support people who have been you know, convicted of child molestation. So it's a tricky topic. And I thought, well, you know, I, I mean, and you guys
2: agreed, right? That we just, we were not going to cover it on the show. We we didn't do, yeah, not feature review or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it has to be mentioned. It has, I mean, to, it, it be has mentioned, to be mentioned.
3: But it brings to mind this idea of art versus artists, you know, and right now the hot topic is cancel culture. Like, how do you address, you know, a great piece of work? when the creator of that work has done something that is, is awful, obviously there are probably a lot of creators who have done awful things. We just don't know about. Yes. So mm-hmm. you kind of have an ignorance is bliss situation with a lot of yes. those Yeah things. Okay, That's very true. But yeah. When you know, like Victor Salva, I will never support with my money again, no matter how long I live, it's just never going to happen. Right. But I do believe in this idea of forgiveness and I do believe that people can change. I do believe that, you know, redemption is possible. I don't think you make one mistake in your life and that should be the thing you're judged on for the rest of your life,
4: mm-hmm.
3: but it's just a tricky thing. I don't want to support that with my money, you know, and, mm-hmm. and there are certain people who there's no signs that they have changed. And so I'm not going to give my monetary support or the support of our platform to someone who has done something despicable. Right. So it's, it's just an interesting Concept, I thought this would be a good time to talk about, you know,
1: and yeah, I agree with you. And I also and my personal opinion is this. I also think it depends on the individual viewer, audience members, uh, tolerance, for lack of a better way of putting it, of such things. So, for instance, I can personally detach myself from elements of Polanski, the person from The artist and I understand that one would argue, well, yeah, but who he is a person would potentially infuse his art, yada, yada, yada. And I feel like the biggest difference between him and Salva is this Salva committed a crime in the creation of a film like there. You know what I mean? So his actual crime to a child was done. During the making of a specific movie with that child, and I feel like that that and the fact that he's shown, in my opinion, very little. I mean, I know he's gone and done some time and whatnot. I feel like that whole thing opens up a can of worms that for me personally, I find it very hard to get past.
2: Right.
3: Well, and his most recent films deal with that subject matter yeah. as well. Like it, it's clear from his most recent movie. I haven't seen it because I won't support it, but from what I've read, so I might not be completely informed that that he's still interested in this exploring these kinds of. Yeah. Events, and, and I think you know? that's the thing I don't. And obviously I've never seen every
1: I've not seen every single Polanski film. And what Polanski did was, in my opinion, vile. I think that the question becomes, for me, I could still say, all right, but I feel like the things he explores in those movies, specifically in a movie like Rosemary's Baby or Chinatown and and movies like that, I can remove that person in much the same way there's a lot of actors and artists and people who have not committed crimes but they're just they do things i just don't like or i don't agree with i know a lot of people have a hard time with. It. they're like well i can't get past x and it's like okay cool you can't i can and it's like i feel though that that is ultimately at the discretion of the viewer that if you're look i've seen jeepers creepers the original i'm just gonna say it mm-hmm. and um and i liked it i think it's a good movie um and that makes me sad because it's like once I saw it and I knew what I knew, I was like, eh, OK, well, I, I, I don't own it. I can't you know, I'm not going to I didn't pay for it when I when I saw it. So I, I kind of felt like I was willing to see it. I don't really want to see anything else, though. And knowing now a lot of the details of what he did, like at the time, I knew he had done some stuff, but I didn't know like every detail Um Although I think I even going back to like when Powder came, I was like when I first heard about it, if I remember correctly, which I know was before Jeepers Creepers. Uh, but there's some people who love that movie, like love that movie. And they are able to say, you know, I love this movie. I understand the person who made it. It's something really awful, but I love the movie. And it's I, you know, I'm not going to get on my soapbox and preach to them about why them even liking that movie is wrong. That's not I don't agree with that. So uh, that's just my take on it. Well,
3: I love Powder. I mean, that's I, I feel that way about Powder. But I. I can't watch it now that I know, you know, and I, I bought Mm. the DVD before I knew, but I, I, but I'm never going to support this guy again. But, but, but it's, it was easy for me with Victor Salva. And in some ways it's easier for me to ignore it with Polanski. Now this is maybe just completely hypocritical, but it was because it all happened before I was born. yeah. (laughs) And so there's an element that like, I had been loving Roman Polanski for 20 years before I found out any of this stuff happened. Mm. And, it happened so long ago and there's always this, you know, excuse made, well, it's a French cultural thing that Americans don't understand. You know, like there's there was always that kind of thing around that it made me easier to kind of forgive because while Chinatown's one of my favorite movies, Rosemary's Baby is one of my favorite movies. The reason it comes up with Salva is because he's still making the films. Like I don't think I would be able to go out and support a new Polanski film now. And especially if
1: Polanski infused it with not even really like subtle subtext that implied he still was mired on some level in a certain thought process, let's just say.
3: Well, here, here's where it actually becomes more difficult because Plansky's easy for me to separate, and Victor Salva I don't care about. But there are three people who I absolutely love who within the last year and a half, actually four people, within, since the Me Too movement began even though some of these were known for decades, it was really in this last little while that it's become very clear to me kind of what went down. And it really becomes more of an issue to me as I think about my children. Right. Because Mm -hmm. some of my fondest childhood memories have to do with Michael Jackson Mm -hmm. have to do with the Cosby show. Yep. Mm -hmm. And some of my favorite stand-up comedy as an adult that got me through raising children was Louis CK. He was my like, absolute favorite comedian i got to interview him for a documentary i shot it was like the highlight of my life at that point like it was just such a great experience and woody allen was probably my favorite non-horror filmmaker for 20 years of my life you know he was my favorite guy making comedies and his films are some of my absolute favorite films so it's now this stage where i have these kids who Jeez, I want them to listen to all this. My, my son loves Michael Jackson. And I don't like, there's going to have to be a point where I have to tell him this. And it just is weird. It, 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 in some ways, he'll just find out like I did and it won't be that big a deal. But on other ways, it will be like, why? If you knew this, why did you? give this guy's stuff to me. You know, that's a weird feeling, isn't it? Like, can I show my kids the Cosby show? I don't know if I can. I loved that show when I was growing yeah, up. Yeah, me too. But right. but I would feel weird about showing that to my kids and not telling them who Bill Cosby as sure. a person. You know what I mean? It's just
4: weird.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But here's what,
1: but here's where to me, it's very interesting because for, for starters, like I kind of feel like too, there's the, arg- the uh, well, I should say argument, but there is a debate to be had around the idea of, is Polanski the only person that made Chinatown true? He was an auteur. He was the driving force. I get all of that. Right. But he yeah. wasn't the only person involved in that production. Right. A- and so, do you discount the all of the hundreds of people that are involved in making a movie because a person who's sort of the figurehead and is the most uh, attached to that thing? Um, so I guess that, that's that's one element of it. But then I also like at what point do you draw that line? For instance, think about how many movies that we all love. And I mean, that are in all of our top tens of all time that Harvey Weinstein produced. Now I understand yeah. the producer is not the director, but Weinstein was a pretty hand, like hands-on involved guy. He was
2: the, yeah, the, he was the driving force sure. uh, behind so, so those films. Do you stop watching um, all
1: all those uh, Miramax Tarantino films? Do you stop watching all the Robert Rodriguez stuff? Do you stop watching all this Kevin Smith stuff? Do we get rid of Scream? You know what I mean? Like, right. At what, what point well, do we
3: draw that line? I mean, I think it's interesting in the cases that you mentioned because Kevin Smith, Tarantino, they all came out and said, you know, they denounce Harvey Weinstein. Mm -hmm. I think that makes it easier. Like that. I think it's what what becomes hard for me is when you are. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm looking at a painting on the wall right now. I have no idea who painted it. Could have been a monster. Yeah. Could have been a serial killer. I don't know. Sure.
4: Right.
3: And but it's nice. I like the way it looks and I don't know. I'll never I'll never know who painted this painting (laughs) except that it's a clown. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Looks like John Wayne. A little bit. A little like Gacy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no, but there's that argument where just like, there's so much you don't know, but when you do know, like, can you feel good about supporting the lifestyle of a Victor Salva? Can you say this guy's out there? He committed harm from all, from all the information I have available, hypothetically and allegedly, (laughs) he intends to continue in his harmful practices. So how can I feel good about letting that guy thrive? as an artist Mm -hmm. i mean it's a privilege in a lot of ways to be an artist it's almost like this is the opposite side of the piracy debate for me in a lot of ways because a lot of people think well it's just watching a movie who cares i'm just gonna burn it i'm gonna rip it i'm you know i don't you know it doesn't matter but there, are real people dedicate their lives to making these movies i want i think you should pay for the movie well on the flip side of that What if an awful person made that art? I'm supporting their lifestyle. I'm supporting them being able to continue doing what they do and kind of have this additional power over young people, for instance, that Victor Silva has. I mean, that's, a crazy thing to be supporting with your money. It
1: is, but also then to dovetail with that is the discussion. It, it kind of flies fall, into the whole argument, the moral or an ethical argument regarding piracy, which is you're taking money out of not just the, the hands of the producer and the director and the movie stars, but out of all the crew, the below-the-line people, the the writers, the everybody. True. And so likewise, if we... Now, I, I don't think that means, well, I'm going to support the next, you know, Salva film because uh, all the other people that will choose to work on that movie, knowing full well who and what he is. Well, that was their call. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't control that. If they choose to do that, that's their choice. But I don't have to support it at that point. But something like A Rosemary's Baby, like Polanski's not the only one getting a royalty check from that, right? There's a lot of other right. people. And the question becomes: so does anybody who was involved in the production of a movie before a person was even known to be Right. You know, and, but, and look, I'm not saying this is an easy answer to this because there isn't because truthfully, Cosby Show was one of my all-time favorite shows growing up. I so bad wanted to be even just like a friend of the Huxtables, right? Just to be on the, just to be somehow, because I wanted their advice. I wanted their yeah. guidance. They were <laughs> right. like the most wonderful, like just loving and thoughtful people. And the problem is now that we go in, it's like you said, the ignorance is Bliss thing. I think the real problem is if, if I'm being honest, it's not just that I know what he did and what he's, that he's in prison now. It's that- to watch him in this role and to see—it's—it's it's that weird thing that we have, right? We can't, even though it's not him, right? hux he Heathcliff was never him. It's a character. It's not him. But yet, it's so hard when somebody's so connected to a specific character to detach when they've done something so awful. Here's an example: Naked Gun. I showed it to my kids about a year or so ago. And I still love that movie. I think it's hilarious. It's got O.J. Simpson in it. And it's right. got O.G. Simpson just a few years removed from when some really horrible crap happened, regardless of how you think what you think the truth is with that story. Really horrific, awful stuff happened. And it's like all, all the majority of us that are our age were probably glued to the boob to watching that court case. And yet so whenever he came on his Nordberg, I thought it was going to be a problem. And it, maybe it's because we're so far removed from it. And I was like, eh, it didn't bother me. I just accept it as the character who just happens to look like this guy that may or may not have done some really horrible stuff.
2: Hollywood, as we've found out in recent years, um, is a pretty terrible place um, for a lot of people. And, And it goes way back. I mean, Charlie Chaplin. There's somebody yeah. who, if if you have strong feelings, you should never su- watch another one of his movies. And they're classics. I love Charlie Chaplin movies. I think, um, you no, know, City Lights is is probably my all time favorite silent film. Uh, but he was he had had impregnated a teenage girl who we, he was first attracted to when she was twelve.
3: I mean, that's awful, but I'm not supporting his lifestyle. It's different than putting money in their pocket and letting them continue making movies, you know, like, I don't know, that just feels different to me. But I I appreciate that. And it it is hard. Like, I'm not saying I have an answer for this. I actually don't know how I feel about it. Like, it's it's extremely complicated. It is very complicated. And I think that's the problem is that I think
1: we, you know, like you brought up the cancel culture thing. I think the real issue there for me on a personal level is, is this is, this is a very complex, complicated discussion that should continue to be had. And and it requires and in some cases it requires nuance it's not just an absolute yay or nay uh black and white issue on a lot of this stuff because it just it, like you're point, the charlie chaplin thing i mean on paper he did stuff as awful as any of the people we've mentioned that are still alive that might be making movies today but there is the issue of He's dead and has been dead for a very long time. And so it's almost right. like you watch his stuff through the prism of its history. It doesn't, it's like, if you think about it, like historical figures, holy crap.
2: <laughs> like I can watch Birth of a Nation in the same way I can watch a Charlie Chaplin movie, right? But like, by but on the same token, what happens if, um and uh, you know, God, God forgive me for this, but what happens if Victor Salva drops dead today? Yeah. Yeah. Does that yeah. change the way you're going to uh, address, uh, look at the Jeepers Creepers films?
3: No, but it might for someone who's 12 right now and doesn't hear about it until they're 30. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they grew up watching
1: it, they loved it, they knew nothing about it, and then suddenly some- I mean,
3: that's why every, you know I couldn't understand why adults in my life were uncomfortable with Woody Allen. Watch, like, I would say Manhattan is the such a great movie when I was 16, and they're like, Manhattan is a super creepy movie made by a creepy guy. And I'd be like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and I just didn't get it, you know? But I think when you live through it, it I don't know, that also just makes it more real. I, I think it, for me, it all goes back to what Joel was saying. As much as anything else, I think there's the vote with your dollar element of it, where it's just like, what are you supporting with your money? But the, You know, because that's real, that's practical. But there is the other element... It's just like, how much can you actually enjoy it? Like, if I was sitting there watching the Cosby show with my kids, it would feel weird. Yeah. You know, I, mean, it I would. Yeah. It I really think would. I love Louis C.K. Like, his take on being a young parent is the absolute most refreshing, cathartic thing to listen to when you're a young parent. And it got me through so much, honestly. Like, he has a joke about how, uh, how difficult it is to get kids into a car and he said that you know he's, he says you know you strap him in and you close the door and that little walk around the back of the car to get in the driver's seat's like taking a carnival cruise you know <laughs> just, you know it, it, that felt so real to me in the moment when i was experiencing it and he was so good at articulating these feelings that i had but he talks about really raunchy material, which you know was raunchy at the time, but it just whatever. It didn't bother. It was just part parcel to this package of what he was delivering. But now hearing him talk about doing like some of these acts. You're like, oh, well, that's actually how he was living his life. That makes it not funny anymore. Like, it makes it not very fun when you're like, oh, he's not joking. He victimized people in this way. Like, that's creepy, right? Like, it's yeah. just, that's just hard to enjoy.
1: Yeah, I, th- I feel like that. But that is, I think, the big difference. And I'm not going to, like, try to excuse behavior. But I think with Louis C.K., I feel like one of the different people like him. He did wrong things. He, he abused the power position he was in. He was not convicted of crimes. Right. He was. And, and I mean, I think ultimately you can make the argument. Polanski, technically, has he been? Well, yeah, he, no, he was convicted
2: the country. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know he flee. No, no, I know he did all that. I'm just saying. but was he actually did he actually he was actually convicted, I think, and, went, and then fled the country, if, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. OK,
1: gotcha. I wasn't sure of the details on that. But I guess what I'm just trying to say is I also feel that there is something you said in, in Wolfman, you brought this up, that I also believe in redemption and forgiveness with people and like people can learn from mistakes and realize they did some really stupid, you know, sketchy, awful crap. Some things, you, you know, you, you, you get your redemption by doing prison time and you and right. you do, you you have to serve your time. And I think some people, um, you know, they, they need, they need a lot of help and they don't need to be around kids at all under any circumstance. And there needs to be
3: reformation, right? From Yes.
1: And I think, but for somebody to then make something, some, some work and it. It seems to, and not even seems. to, so let's just be honest. Like, has obvious references to things in it that it, it imply heavily that somebody may not have learned all of their lessons. Really, even because and no, look, they they could go through and make a bunch of like movies that seem totally innocuous, and there's nothing, and in their private life they're doing horrific stuff. I get that, but I'm just saying, there's something to be said for somebody being so brazen <laughs> to where they're they're still creating their art and putting things, infusing it with stuff that is like, well, whoa, dude, really? Like you, you're you're gonna you know. So I think there, it's again, it's a very Complicated topic, uh, and but I do think there are people that have done really bad stuff, and they should show. A sense of remorse and they should show uh, uh, like they've learned and I feel like if they've done those things if you like for Wolfman can get past that yeah. then so be it like I, I guess where I have a problem is I'm not going to come at you and be like how could you watch that crab man you know what he did like you know what I mean like that doesn't help anything like if you can you
3: can right. I can't You know, yeah, Victor Victor Salva. I don't know why is a sticking point for me. He's the one person. No, I get
1: because I've read the details, dude. I get exactly why it's a sticky point for you. It is for me as
3: well. He's the one person I feel good about just telling everyone. Yeah, no, I get. You shouldn't support this guy. Yeah, don't. But but, but for the most part, it's like it's just you know, like we made the decision not to cover his movies on the show. I don't think we ever you know talked about it publicly but until now or we made the decision not to cover Rosemary's baby as a feature review. We didn't have to have this discussion, but I think, you know, I think it's good. And I think, I think it's good, especially in the time period we're in or cancel culture is such a hotly debated concept because I do think there's an argument with cancel culture where you can say, What this really is is accountability for people who haven't had any accountability, and you're hearing from voices of people who have been marginalized and not allowed to speak or been too afraid to speak. And so it's feeling like these people are being canceled out of nowhere, but really you've been oppressing people for all of history, and these groups are now finally able to speak and have a platform, and now these people who were never held accountable are being held accountable, I think that's legitimate. I think that is legitimate. And
1: then I that but then I flip it around and I also say, however, we also have to have room for redemption yes. and forgiveness and moving beyond things and not acting because I think there it, it's a fine line where the bullied can become the bullies
3: unless the crime is so heinous or the situation is so heinous or the person is not showing any signs of reformation that's just a personal choice you have to make how do you feel about supporting this person you know and and that's legit like i think i know i've said it a lot but i don't think i could overstate when you're an artist the difference between choosing to go see someone's movie and not going to see someone's movie could be the difference of that person getting to make another movie again. Like, it's a right. big deal. And it's very hard to make a living as an artist. And so you're enabling people who are doing these things, you know, in certain situations. But on the other hand, like, I really believe we're not our past, we're our present. People can change. And and we do all change. I'm a completely different person right now than I was 10 years ago. And if I was held to my worst mistakes or my stupidest comments from 10 years ago.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh my God. Can you imagine? I'd be canceled instantly. Right. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) But if you're going to hold somebody to account of you know how they were, like you said, when you're like 15 years old or 20 years, whatever, I, I, OK, I, OK, if that's going to be the standard, man, we're all screwed because I don't know a single human being that in their teens or their early 20s wasn't a kind of a moron.
2: So good luck. Yeah. Good luck yeah. to all y'all. And it's also you have to think uh, just to just to uh, continue with uh, with this idea of redemption. Can there be redemption for Harvey Weinstein? Somebody like at, at that level? I think for most
1: people, the answer would probably be no. Right. I think most and, and people, the answer no. You start to think that, that. okay, yeah. well,
2: then how about Kevin Spacey? How about, you know, all of these people? Can, can, yeah. can anyone yeah. ever see 10 years from now, Kevin Spacey makes another movie. Somebody decides to give him a chance. Does anybody go to see it? Does anybody support it? Does anybody?
1: And I think it just depends. Like, I look at like Mel Gibson. That's very true. You know, slowly been. Yeah. Yeah. He's been slowly kind of working his way, you know, back into things. And so, and I think there's been talk of lethal, lethal weapon five. I'm not going to lie. I heard that. I was like, hell yes. Old Mur- Riggs rigs and Murtaugh. I'm there <laughs> all day long. Like that was my neat yeah. reaction to that, you know? So yeah. And I, and I think it also comes back to you. Like, you know what are you willing to to you know to pay your dollars to so
3: you know when i think about redemption you know i can't help because of my religious upbringing think about religion and there was always this concept of weighing justice and mercy right and Mm -hmm. so i think you see that with the black lives matter protests no justice no peace i think when there's justice it's very easy for mercy to reemerge like joel was saying you can serve your time in prison and that can be your redemption to some degree, as long as there's reformation. But uh, you know, I, it's, it's a, ultimately, it's a personal choice. Like, uh, you know, I don't think it's my place to go out condemning other people for their words or actions, but I can certainly choose to not support those people. Mm-hmm. I just think that has to be kind of a personal idea. You know, I, so I, I just watched Rosemary's baby and um, this is my letterboxd review uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald famously said that intelligence is the ability to hold two contradictory opinions in the mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. So, Roma Polanski made some of my favorite films of all time, including Rosemary's Baby, and also <laughs> child molesters. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like both things can be true. Anyway, that was a, a little bit of a tangent, but honestly, I'm glad we had that conversation, even though it's not on topic, because I think it's such a big topic of discussion generally. And when you have a master like Polanski in our genre, it's hard to not discuss him, or how, ha- you know, and have that not come up. So,
2: yeah, I, I, I'm just very surprised it it took the, um, evil babies episode for it to come out i'm not (laughs) well it's because of rosemary's baby (laughs) right and i I think um
3: here's a here's an idea that rosemary's baby brings to mind for me that's not about cancel culture this idea that we see in so many of these films where a woman is taken advantage of by a cult you know their body is used in the way in this way of number one it's just completely taken advantage of but also it's used as this vessel you don't see that with men and i'm you know for obvious reasons but i do think it was interesting i was thinking about Midsomar, where that's one of the few f- films where you see male victimization by a cult in kind of a similar way where right. it feels like okay like it's so rare to see male victimization in that in that same, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Although I haven't seen it and I know it's on the list and I'm actually kind of sad because if I would known this could have been one of the ones because I've always wanted to see it and I could never convince my wife to watch it with me, which is Bad Milo.
3: Well, Bad Milo, I, I just put here in this section with Midsommar and Hereditary because they were all films that felt like this idea of a man being used as a vessel, which is just so rare. Yes, but I w- but I will say the idea that you
1: clumped bad Milo <laughs> with it so far in hereditary is kind of awesome to me because like I I haven't seen bad Milo, but I've seen the other two, and I can safely say <laughs> they do not see to fit at all but I get your point I get your point
3: <laughs> no Bad Milo it does not necessarily fit with those films it's more like the movie baby blood we'll be talking about later but it is this idea that you see in a lot of these films Revenge is another one where the entity inside you is kind of carrying out the worst elements of your id or it's you know it's killing and you're kind of complicit in that brain damage is another movie that's kind of fits that mold in a way. Yes. Yeah. That like that yeah. That Milo is in that, in that sense, this, this man is carrying around this thing inside his body that shoots out of his butt and kills. People. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that movie so bad. Oh my God. Yeah, I need not to watch exactly, that movie. Not exactly uh. in this genre, but I just thought it was interesting that there are so few films where a man is a vessel. And it's also interesting that, Two of them were Ari Aster films. But,
1: yep. Indeed, indeed. And I think uh, you left off a, an important one as Man is Vessel, which is uh, the classic Junior.
2: <laughs> I, knew, I uh, knew you were going to say Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep. A- <laughs> <laughs> and, and even before that, uh, what was it? Rabbit Test with Billy Crystal. Important. Important. Oh, yeah. yeah okay.
1: <laughs> Very important. <laughs> we mentioned everything. All right. So let's go. Ahead. We got the hell of a list here. Let me let me jump through. So Beyond the Door, 1974. Is another one. Uh, It's Alive, which we will be returning to uh, 1974. That's actually a bit of a franchise. Oh, you could say a trilogy, because I believe there's only three of them, if I'm not mistaken. Um, The Devil Within Her, which uh, is also known as I Don't Want to Be Born, also known as the monster, also known as Sharon's (laughs) Baby. I like The Devil Within Her uh, as the original title better because it sounds dirty. And I'm (laughs)
2: guessing Sharon's Baby was a later title after Rosemary's Baby.
1: No, but it makes sense. That actually makes sense that they would have done that to... Capitalize. Uh to the Devil, a Daughter from another 1976. Camera. Another one from Love that title. Uh, Demon- yeah, it's a good title. Uh, Demon Seed, 1977, another one we will be revisiting here uh, shortly. Uh, a movie that I am ashamed to say I have not seen. I know, I need to see it, mm. Eraserhead, 1977. I cannot believe I've never seen that. I've always wa- it's you know, Here's the thing. My wife and I watch a lot of movies, and she's willing to tolerate a lot that I watch. But there's certain ones I'm like she is never gonna go over this, so I need to find the time. I don't want to <laughs> just watch it on my phone. You know what I mean? Like I actually want to see this on a screen and bigger screen than my phone. your wife
3: goes to visit her family without you. This is what we're gonna do. Our David Lynch marathon. <laughs> there you go. Lynch movies.
1: Yeah, yeah, buddy. I can't wait. I'm excited about that. Uh, Alien. Oh yeah. God, yeah I mean, there's
3: so certainly an impregnation you, there, and it happens to men and women, which is great. But hey, in the in the original, <laughs> it is a man. Like that's another. Man used his
1: vessel. Example. And all yeah. of
3: the films deal with pregnancy in really weird ways, right? Like e- even to resurrection and all of these have like such a crazy relationship with procreation. Yes. I don't know. They're interesting. They're an interesting franchise. No, a, to yeah. think about
1: yeah it really is yeah uh the the brood uh, another one that has been on my queue forever and a day that i have yet to see and i i, I feel like this year is going to be my year of going and finding all the movies that i'm so lynch ashamed What i the say the year of
2: lynch and cronenberg Boy.
1: yeah yeah 19 yeah 19 exactly 1979 is uh the brood uh the godsend from 1980 which sounds vaguely familiar but i'm not 100 percent that's another sure more of an I evil kid vision. movie i believe not
3: exactly a okay. uh, okay. pregnancy
2: movie
1: uh, another one whose title says it all: In Seminoid.
2: I actually watched <laughs> Inseminoid Seminoid uh, last year for an episode of Land of the Creeps. Um, I, have, nice. <laughs> I bought, have the Blu-ray of Inseminoid, which I bought. Which I bought before seeing In Seminoid, or I would have never bought the Blu-ray. Really, I really <laughs> like that movie. It, it's it's yeah. I, I I remember being sort of. Uh, well, I am I said even less than lukewarm about it. Really? Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I love, I like that movie actually. I wouldn't say I love it, but it's, it's watchable. Um, mm-hmm. I, oh, it's I, watchable. I w- yeah. Especially on Blu-ray. It looks great.
3: <laughs> it's <a> f- <laughs> have you seen this one, Joel?
2: I have never,
1: I'm familiar with the box art. Like I remember that, that video art, but I'd i have never seen think it. I Joel no.
3: will like this movie. It's not quite so bad, it's good just because it doesn't go quite as bonkers as you want it to. That's the problem. Right. If it went a little more bonkers, it would be, be even better, better but it's yeah. a pretty crazy bad movie. I like it.
1: I love I love that cover, though. That is insane. That's a,
3: that's a <laughs> film that's probably like a 4.5, but it's like a strong recommendation from me. Um, it's a... Yeah. It's basically a situation where these astronauts go to a planet where they're exploring you know, a a station where other people have disappeared and they go into like this underground, like underground tunnels basically inside the planet. And they find these crystals that uh, have to do with impregnating a woman with an alien child that sends her on like a murderous rampage. I mean, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I need—I need to. I'm—I'm adding it. I'm—I've got like this ongoing like queue of. It's mostly horror. There's a few non-horror titles that other friends have told me I need to watch that I have yet to get to. Um, It's a
2: good bad movie. I would watch it if I were you. Yeah, for me it would be a four point five with everything a four point (laughs) five (laughs) entails.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, All right, extra. 1982
3: not exactly pregnancy but you know a weird kind of like shedding of skin and monsters coming out situation and then we've got the bad seed from 1985 which is apparently
1: made for tv it was a remake with lynn redgrave and david Carradine, which i didn't even know existed uh, they love like making
2: winner. this movie every decade it seems they want to make a. Uh the the bad seed.
1: I think it was such a popular play. Yeah, I think that's a, the big driving force behind it. Um, uh, one of my all time favorite movies. Just I love this movie. This is one when I was making my top test, ten list for uh, HMP when I first joined you guys. It was it jumped on and off like multiple times because I just love this movie, which is The Fly from 1986. Yeah. And
3: the pregnancy scene and that's a it's a dream sequence, right? It's like a nightmare sequence. Yeah, yeah, it's like a nightmare it's still, type thing. It's a pretty creepy. The, the one. baby
1: maggot. <laughs> Yeah, the baby maggots, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, a movie I've not seen in years, but I loved back in the day, which is The
3: Seventh Sign. That's one I really regret not getting to uh, a rewatch. I I saw that when it came out, too, or, you know, sometime when I was a kid. I loved that movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was pretty because it's 88. Right. So, I mean, it was uh, Demi Moore, Jürgen Prochnow or Prochnow, however you say his name. Um, And uh, yeah, I also I'm right there with you, man. I I love that movie back in the day.
3: Uh begotten, okay, I want to read you guys the synopsis of begotten. It's a little long, but it's it's worth the ride, okay, Are you ready Ooh, do it inside a small shack a robed figure god disembowels himself using a straight razor after removing some of his internal organs the character dies a woman mother earth emerges from his mutilated remains she brings the corpse to arousal using his semen to impregnate herself time passes and mother earth now visibly pregnant stands beside a coffin containing god's corpse wandering off into a vast and barren landscape mother earth later gives birth to son of earth a malformed convulsing man he is soon a Abandoned by his mother, who leaves him to his own devices. After an untold period of time wandering across the barren landscape, the son of Earth encounters a group of faceless nomads who seize him by his umbilical cord. Upon being captured, the son of Earth begins to vomit organic pieces, which the nomads excitedly accept as gifts. They then throw the man into a fire pit where he burns to death. Son of Earth is resurrected by Mother Earth, who comforts her newly reborn offspring before they continue together across the barren landscape. The nomads soon return and proceed to attack Son of Earth as Mother Earth stands in a trance-like state. Turning their attention to her, the nomads knock her to the ground, rape her and murder her as her son watches helplessly nearby. Once the nomads have left, a group of robed figures arrive to carry away mother earth's mutilated, disemboweled remains. The group returns to murder and disembowel her son, burying pieces of both mother and son into the crust of the earth. As time passes. The burial site soon becomes lush with flowers. Grainy photographs of God killing himself are shown in the final scene. Mother earth and her son appear in a flashback this time wandering through a forest. So beautiful ending.
1: Well, by the way, I, I love that you literally spoiled that entire movie, and I have a feeling it does not matter
2: one little bit. No, not at all. It is it is a uh, first off, it's a it's a, a you know black and white, and and it looks like like sixteen millimeter or eight. I mean, it looks like um, it's it looks very really yeah, grainy, really gritty, very gritty, very yeah. grainy, uh, very disturbing. I mean, this imagery, it doesn't. I mean, yeah, it sounds intense to actually watch the movie. It's even Dude. more intense.
1: <laughs> wait, wait. IMDB MDBA comes to the rescue. This is the first user review. Ready? Right. Scarred for life is what they <laughs> they put. They gave it an eight out of
2: 10 stars, by the way, but it's a scar. Oh, it's uh, you know what? It's it, there's something mesmerizing about it, but it is it's grotesque in a lot of way. It really is. The first
1: line of this review. Don't watch this film while or soon after eating. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Holy! I feel like schmoly. this has to have been in some kind of influence on Darren Aronofsky's Mother too. Yeah, like a it pie it has that pie. It looks almost like yeah. Some of the images I'm seeing have that pie look. Yeah. But I'm yeah. talking about like the narrative of. It feels like it, this is like a sequel to Mother or something. I mean, this is. Uh, God, this
1: is really just.
3: These images are disturbing, dude. Like this.
2: it was. It's directed by uh, Elias Mer- Merheeg. Is that how you pronounce his name? The director of Shadow of a Vampire. Shadow yeah. of the Vampire. Yeah.
4: Um,
2: it's, uh. It was. Uh, I, I, I actually reviewed it on the blog, and I, I gave it nine out of ten, but I said it has imagery that is simultaneously hypnotic and disgusting. Wow. Um, and it was, and its influences ranging from ancient mythology to the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I mean, it's really. Um, yeah, it's not it's not a, an an easy. It, it's hard to just recommend saying, "Hey, go out and check out Begotten. You got to know what you're getting into." <laughs> so so
1: let me ask you this, Dave, knowing me the way you do.
2: On a scale of 1 to 10, don't, don't watch Begotten. Don't what? go anywhere near Begotten. Do, I don't think I don't think okay. you'll make it past Mother Earth uh, milking the seed from the corpse of God. <laughs> I don't know that you'll make it past that scene. Gotcha. 10-4. This is not one that I should sit down with my wife and go, hey, hon, yeah. I'm, pre- I'm prepping for HMP. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, I got a good double feature for you. Let's watch head and Begotten. <laughs> On the other hand, uh, I
3: think the next film might be right up your alley, Joel. You know what? Dude, you know what's hilarious? You beat me
1: to it. I was going to say, as, as opposed to the next film, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a Nightmare on street 5, The Dream Child from 1989. I believe, I could be wrong, but I think this was the first Freddy movie I saw in the theater. I definitely know I saw Freddy's dead in the theater, like opening opening day. Uh, I feel like I did. I know I had this on VHS, and I actually like this movie. I admit it may have one or two flaws,
3: (laughs) (laughs) but I like it. I hate this movie, but I won't. (laughs) Okay, but you'll be nice.
1: But you'll be nice. Okay, I got you. Uh, The Terror
3: Within from 1989. That was a good year, 1989. Look at this. Yeah, Yeah. I couldn't remember. Looking at the poster art for the, The Terror Within, it looks like a movie that all of us should be very familiar with, but I can't remember what this movie is, and I'm not sure if it belongs on this list or if I just am confusing it with The Evil Within.
1: Oh, I know that box. Yeah, that video box, dude. That that I always remember seeing. I always thought, you know what it was? I always thought that we had. I remember
3: when I heard about Rawhead Rex. Yeah.
1: And for some reason, the imagery on the, the creature, yeah, yeah it looked similar to Rawhead Rex. If to anybody
3: me. knows about the terror within 1989, please let us know if this fits into the subgenre. And it, it is. is I it think is. on
1: some level it does dude, because I'm looking an image right now, and there is a what appears to be a Rawhead Rex looking like baby bursting out of between
2: someone's legs. So perfect. <laughs> there is. This is. A, a um a roger corman film roger corman okay. produced this i'm getting to this one this one's is another that i, I oh, need to yeah. watch i should have watched before uh, the i to see but this too. i just realized i have a du- I, I have it on a double uh dvd set with dead space um he's got andrew stevens in it right it's andrew stevens it's got george kennedy Oh, heck yeah, yeah, dude.
1: I'm going to put this on my list. This is another one I want to see that I never got to back in the day. There's a lot of movies. Like I just remember I pass them all the time in the video store and I just never got to them.
2: And it looks like it's post-apocalyptic is what. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Very cool.
1: Oh, yeah. Definitely want to see that. Okay.
2: Next one that I tried to track down. Because
1: it sounded kind of amazing, which is Baby Blood, also known as The Evil Within from 1990. Another one I always remember the video box for that I never got to, mm. and I couldn't find it. Did either of you find it anywhere?
3: No. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen it. I haven't seen it recently, but I loved this. I mean, it's like a six or something, but it's a. I liked it. Uh, I wanted to see it. Oh, th- uh,
2: man. Uh, what? I have it on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> Of course you do. I, I wasn't, I, I said, oh, I can't find it. And I own it. How did I not?
1: You know what? The, the, the video box though, I remember of it's not the Blu-ray one, it's the one where it's like, like a lot of white, maybe almost like two thirds of the covers white. And it's like the fractured ground with the hands reaching yeah. up. And there's, you know, I'm talking about that image the evil within that cover. That's what I remember seeing back in the day in the video. And if, and if
2: you, if you need any further uh, incentive to watch it, Joel on the Blu-ray cover, the quote is from Fangoria. It's, they called it a gore hounds delight yeah
3: okay it's Excellent. a 1990 film but it feels like an 86 film is just
2: that's out on a shelf yeah. no but
3: it, no it just really <laughs> feels like the time no that type of horror where it's all about like, gotcha okay the three b's <laughs>
1: <laughs> gotcha gotcha but gotcha. yeah there's there's carnage
3: yeah. it's, it's gooey it's you know it's provocative is it french yes, yes. it yep. is yeah
1: okay because I found a trailer for it. I watched the trailer and it, it didn't sound like English. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, it's, I it's, it's
3: absolutely worth watching. If you can find it somewhere online or you happen to own the Blu-ray already. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I would have watched if this like one. Dave. I don't know where I was trying to find it. I actually, you know what? It's, I bought it um, uh, a week after my operation. So I don't know whatever that, back in 2019. So I don't know if that. Then oh, I wow. have I just, yeah. I, I was alert enough to put it in my uh, DVD profiler, but not alert enough to remember I own it. I think you're going
3: to love this movie, Dave. Um, this is, so this is another parasite kind of movie where like, kind of like bad Milo where this woman has a creature crawl up inside of her and then she has to kill for it and get blood for her parasite. So it's
2: pretty great. I really want to, yes, now it's, now I will definitely (laughs) check it. I will. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, this is going right to the top of the list, and... I'm really sad, because I really,
1: I would, I actually tried because I tried, I'm, again, very proud of myself, got in three movies for this episode, this is the only other one I was going to try to get in, and I searched for it, I couldn't find it anywhere, so. Uh We're seeing... Anywhere, anywhere that wasn't sketchy. Let me just right. <laughs> put it that way. So, all right, next up, we've got Child of Darkness, Child of Light from 1991.
3: Did not never saw see it, unfortunately. Nope.
1: Yeah, yeah. A movie I've not seen since the mid-90s, but I really remember liking it. I just don't remember much about it, which is The Day of the Beast. I believe it's Alex D'Iglesias. With the director, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. I think both of you would like it. Again, I'm dude, I'm trying to remember 20 something years ago. Right. <laughs> so I just remember them covering it in Fango and being super excited to find it, and it was in my like local video store had it. Um it's yeah, Alex de la Iglesia. That's his name. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a cool movie. The it's a heavy metal fan played by Santiago Segura and a psychic played by Armando de Raza help a priest, played by Alex Angulo. Uh, they seek the infant antichrist in madrid at christmas that sounds
3: fantastic
1: yeah that sounds amazing and, and i remember and, and again i don't remember a lot of the details i just remember really liking it so that'll be one we'll have to maybe cover in the not too distant future
3: it's <laughs> also going on my list okay we're gonna have to do a part two yeah. to this episode yeah <laughs> the way we're going i know
1: there's a lot of good stuff we're gonna have to revisit it absolutely yeah, for sure. Uh, uh the next is uh, the the a movie that I'm going to be straight up with both y'all. This is where Carpenter's filmography started to go downhill for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is Village of the Dam from 1995. I loved In the Mouth of Madness, which I know Wolfman is still scared to this day to watch. i scared to watch. I will never watch. <laughs> but this one, I just remember coming out going, I didn't like it. But here's what's funny. I watched the trailer again with my kids right after we watched the 60 version. I was like, Carpenter made a remake of this. Let's watch the trailer. I haven't seen it in forever. And after we watched the trailer, I'm like, I don't know if I'm just mellowing with old
3: age, man. But I'm like, I want to rewatch this movie. I think I like it now. Yeah. Mm. And also, Vampires is 98, and it's one of his best movies but yeah i really like vampires and
1: see, i know and i didn't like you know what i got like in a crappy mood at this point in my life this is like my early late teens early 20s and i guess i was just i was turning into i
3: like to say film snob except then when you look at like the totality of the movies i like you're <laughs> like yeah dude you were not <laughs> a film snob well i can understand if you're a cinephile at the time when vampires comes out it's not like a great movie like i absolutely understand yeah, it, that for sure yeah
1: but it was like for some reason starting with this
2: starting with village of the damned vampires certainly ghosts of mars oi yes ghost of mars is you can't defend i can't defend the ghosts of mars
1: no and it was just wasn't there was there another one in there somewhere that i'm not remembering i there like there's another one but because i love in the mouth of madness yeah. um i've never seen memoirs of invisible man because i just had no interest right. and i've heard it's god awful um but that would have probably been another one that would have been like, come on. But I was just so obsessed with Carpenter's early stuff that I think I just, then I went into, the, but I, I, now that I've chilled a little bit, I need to revisit. I definitely need to revisit. So
2: at least vampires of all the ones discussed there, yeah. at least vampires, uh, yeah, I would yeah. give another chance. Uh,
1: the devil's child. From 1997. I don't even remember the box. The box from a distance, oddly enough, if you just glance at it when you Google it, it looks like the box art for some reason to me for um immediately jumps out as Donnie Brasco. I don't know why. Maybe it's the font or the coloring. There's something about that. I just mean I said, Is that Donnie Brasco? I was like, no, it's the devil's child. I have no idea what this is. Uh a species two, a movie I've never seen because I kinda hated the first one. So the species
3: series, as a young boy. <laughs> on sleepovers with your friends watching yes. squiggle vision in the middle of the night <laughs> um was a very key series in my adolescence but uh i don't remember anything about the movies and i've never revisited them since i was like yeah 10
1: <laughs> all right, uh, right birth from 2004 well
3: so this one doesn't fit the category but i think it's such an interesting film have you guys seen birth I I saw it in the
2: theater. I remember seeing this on the big screen. I love this movie. Nicole Kidman. Is is it Nicole Kidman? Yeah. This is like if Kubrick was still alive, he would have made this
3: movie. I love this movie. This is a woman's husband dies, and then a little boy shows up. And he may be her reincarnated husband. It yeah. is crazy. I yeah. love this. Movie. Oh, I vaguely remember
1: when this came. I did I not think, see it though, but I do remember. I was looking flop, it up,
2: but it's so good. I'm looking it up now. I think it was directed by the guy who did um, "Sexy Beast," which is the reason I wanted to see it because I loved "Sexy Beast." If you like kind of this,
3: you know, current state of quote-unquote elevated art house horror like hereditary and that kind of stuff this to me feel it literally feels like a kubrick light maybe kubrick light but you know it feels that like that type of tone it's good
2: and it is it was it was his first movie after sexy Beast, so that's probably why i really wanted to check it out very cool blessed
1: from the reason i thought about it because i saw the next one was blessed i was like wait a minute what happened to bless the child blessed from 2004 with uh, heather graham uh dawn of the dead 2004 that does definitely have a baby yes. <laughs> pregnancy seed oh, in it. Yes, That's for it sure. Does.
3: Yeah, I love that concept and we see that later, you know, with, uh, I talked about that with, uh, what my number one movie of last year, um, Blood Quantum, where there's, there's this kind of question, will this baby come out a zombie or not, is a scary idea.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. Uh, the eye two two 2004, which I have not seen since 2004, so I remember virtually nothing about, uh, born, 2007 firstborn. 2007 <laughs> uh, grace from 2009 i have not
2: seen because every time i watch the trailer i always go
1: i don't know if i'm gonna
2: i did you know, i saw grace it's been a while is it is it good i'm looking my review up now i don't remember much about yeah, it it, it looks good but it's a really like for some reason just
1: it was right when we had Parker our last one and I think as I said at the top the whole like NICU story and everything So I think anything dealing with babies at that time especially ones in that circumstance were not appealing to me right. <laughs> at all to watch so I never got to it but I was going to watch it before this and I was like eh, I don't know if I feel it's like funny
2: because I, I put um, in my I reviewed it back in 2015 my last paragraph which I always go to to figure out if I would like it or not uh, Grace is in every way a female centric horror film both in its subject matter childbirth and the fact that its primary male characters are either absent or weak So I liked it.
3: Yeah, looking at our listeners on Letterboxd, it averages like a six. Um, The lowest rating is a three from Rob from Belgium, and then the highest rating is an eight from Dylan Brown, but the majority of our listeners gave it a six. Okay.
1: Eventually, I'll get to it. It, not, not before some of them but yeah all right next up and i'm not really i'm being straight up with both of you because i loved this movie i'm trying to figure out how it fits in is house of the devil from 2009
3: well ultimately it doesn't but it it you know it ends with the concept is that this again a cult is going to impregnate this sure. young woman. yeah so that's that's okay that's, that's fair d-
1: fair enough and you know what? any excuse to talk about that movie i'm happy <laughs> with because i love yeah. that movie so all right, The Unborn from 2009, not the one that I am so enamored of. Right, I didn't know if
3: it was a remake or or if it fit, I, I, it, I wasn't sure.
1: I'm looking at the Playboy and Richard of Ghosts. No, this has nothing to do with the one that I okay.
3: All right.
1: watched, from what I'm seeing. Um,
3: Legion from 2010. So Legion, again, doesn't quite fit. I thought this was an interesting one to talk about because it's the reverse. It's like a, a holy child is, is coming to Earth and through through pregnancy so right. this is kind of the gotcha. opposite of
2: this movie had a very um unusual depiction of angels if yeah I, as i remember it
3: pretty yeah. c- pretty cool like it would yeah. be better now if you know the cgi was weird at the time and stuff right but it's kind of a fun movie it's almost it's just like if it was a little less actiony it would have been great i think right. it was a little yeah. more grounded in like a gothic sensibility it would have mm. been great kind of reminds me of preacher which i like a lot more but like that kind of world
1: mm-hmm so next up on our list is one that I'm going to do that thing where even though you've not seen it or anything connected to it, you're going to get really like belligerent about, <laughs> which is the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1 2011. Why, Wolfman? Why?
3: Well, there's two reasons. Number one, <laughs> it has to do with a young human woman impregnated by a vampire. And so, again, we're dealing with this question of what's going to happen when this baby comes does out. the baby sparkle does the baby sparkle um but the second reason is because shanny dreadful our upcoming guest is a big fan of the twilight franchise and for once i'm going to get to podcast with someone who'll let me talk about this franchise <laughs> oh. Very so,
1: cool. well uh all respect to shanny I I, I I i i will absolutely defer her expertise on this it just ain't my cup of tea i'm just being
2: yeah i can't i can't <sighs> speak because i've seen none of the movies but i do tend to when you it's like one of those things when you see them you turn your nose up and then realize well you know i've never really seen any of the movies i can't really judge them okay here's the thing
1: i i'd be willing to try i would go in with an open mind and i'd be willing to try but i know myself well enough you know, I think what probably happened, I think I'll probably watch these and go, Yeah, you know what? They're not as bad as I thought they were. That's probably, what, that's <laughs> I, I, probably I what's think gonna happen.
3: I've seen three of them, and I'll talk to Shani more about this, but I hated the first one. I think I liked it more the second one and the third one. I I, I what I love is the werewolf mythology is some of my all-time favorite werewolf mythology. Wow. The actual depiction of the werewolves sucks. They're just giant CGI wolves. But I, the way that they made the world of the worlds. I love also there's like a vampire Illuminati, I think was in like the third one that I saw Mm -hmm. again, it's been a long time and I only watched them once, but um, I like, I really liked the kind of like vampire Illuminati in this world too. So there's some cool things about it, but yeah, the, the first movie, is absolutely deplorable in my opinion. And because I don't have all the baggage
1: of those movies, I've always liked Kristen Stewart as an actress. So I'm thinking maybe if I go into it in that sort of like retrospective view of where I actually like her. So I go into it. I Maybe I'll have a totally different I think different
3: the I I first think, film because the first film is just the stupid love triangle kind of thing with sparkly. Yes, that's, and that's what I assumed the whole thing was. I honestly assumed the whole thing was that. vampires and
2: baseball yeah. games. See, it's, and- it, it's very interesting because the people who have told me that, you know, uh, who have, talked about this because i always say i've never seen any of them tell me well watch the first one it's not too bad but then forget the rest and i'm hearing the opposite now so that's very <laughs> well, interesting it's the thing i Bill, i mean i'm a genre fan so i don't know who the people who told you that are
3: but i for me you watch again i haven't seen these probably since they came out so it's been 10 years right. but um the second and third films just had more it dealt more with the worlds of vampires and werewolves and and stuff where the first film was more of like a, a young human's introduction to the world of sparkling vampires. And they play vampire baseball during thunderstorms because they hit the baseball so hard. It sounds like cracks of thunder. And so they have to play during lightning hmm. storms and, and they're very romantic and they lay around in the woods and that was like barf and also Kristen Stewart's character is just like the most plain boring like no personality <laughs> person on the planet I
1: will tell you you're definitely selling <laughs> me on this I, think,
3: I honestly think you can just skip the first one because you already know what Twilight's about everybody right. knows like yeah. in the zeitgeist I think you can watch I, I can't say this for sure because I haven't seen it, but I might actually do this. I might rewatch two and three and decide if I'm going to finish the series. So we'll see. If you
1: decide you will, then I say I'd be willing to do a franchise review with you.
3: I think it would be so fun,
2: honestly. You know what? Let's, even let's, if we do hate it, it wouldn't that it. be a blast? Let's do it. It would be. Well, I'm in, I'm in, um, I'm sure I own at least one or two of them. I'm in, we we can do it for
1: the love of God. I was excited to cover the Leprechaun franchise
3: <laughs> We have <laughs> listeners who like it. Like Shanny is a legit horror fan. She likes it. Raul, you know, Raul versus monsters on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Sure. He likes twilight. Okay.
1: You know what? And here's the thing. I am the last person that's going to play the whole like, oh, real horror fans. But now nah, that's bullcrap. No, I look. You like what you like. And believe me, I like some things that uh, would not be considered by quote unquote real horror fans to be uh, uh valid. Let me cl-
3: be clear. I do not like Twilight. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but I just try to have an open mind about horror. And I, I like to explore that's the fair. themes and the worlds.
1: I'm going to go less. You know what it is? If I'm being honest with you, I t- always see the deals with vampires and worlds and stuff. It's the Same thing with the movies, the underworld movies. Like, I saw the first one, I was like, because eh, it feels more like it's fantasy, that was more action type fantasy. Action, yeah. Yeah, 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 and I feel like Twilight I always took as fantasy, and I'm not as into fantasy as I am into like straight up horror yeah, type it's stuff.
3: Why a fantasy with horror trappings? So, it, yeah,
1: that makes of that course makes you sense. Wouldn't want to
3: skip that, but
1: <laughs> all right, uh, enough talk about Twilight
3: for now. For now. Okay, for now, for now, <laughs> for now.
1: That's fair. Next up, we have delivery. The beast with them from 2013. Is this some kind of like weird pseudo sequel to the beast with them from 1982? No,
3: the, this one is such well, maybe, but this one is such a weird movie. It's like a, like an HGTV show. So it's like a kind of a found footage, <laughs> faux documentary style. And if, this is from IMDb. A young couple documenting their first pregnancy for a new TV show discover that a malevolent entity is taking control of their unborn child. So it's literally shot like
2: you're watching a terrible... A terrible show on HGTV or a regular show on TLC. It's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So next up, a movie
1: that we'll be going into more depth here shortly, which is Hell Baby from 2013. <laughs> yeah and uh the next uh, couple i i will have to defer to both of you as to whether or not uh they are in fact uh, evil baby movies which is house of good and evil from 2013 jug face from 2013 i've as seen well.
3: jug face but i don't remember i haven't seen the other one it's been okay. a long time so we'll,
1: yeah. those of you out there listening you could tell us but it, it somehow ended up on our list so we'll go with it uh proxy from 2013 all right so next up we got devil's Do from 2014 and hungry hearts from 2014 and then Rosemary's Baby, the TV movie from 2014, which I had no idea was even a thing.
3: Starring Zoe Saldana. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: Huh. I might try to track that down.
3: It's a two-parter, too. Yeah.
1: It's not quite tear on the tube because it's too new, but just for fun, that'd be...
3: Hey, someday. Someday. Yeah, some, there someday go.
1: it'll be a tear on the tube. All right. So Wandering Rose, a.k.a. Demon Baby from 2015.
3: <laughs> it's a great title.
1: Yeah. It is a tricky time. Yeah. By the way, I assume you and I both agree. We're not talking about Wandering Rose. We're talking about Demon Baby. Wandering (laughs) Rose. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Visions from 2015. Uh, (laughs) Anti-Birth from 2016. That movie is
2: nuts, man. That was like an acid trip movie. That's one crazy I have not seen it but that one I kn- I know I knew going in I owned it on Blu-ray. So that one I already knew I owned. Uh, but I did not get a chance to see that one. So that's going to have to be a double feature with um Baby Blood.
3: If you want to watch something really weird and messed up, Anti-Birth is the movie for you. It's got crazy body horror. The actual delivery scene comes a- very late in the film, unfortunately, but it is some of the m- maybe the most disturbing delivery scene I've ever seen in wow. my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It is crazy, dude. Well, it's kind of a two parter, too. There's two parts to this. I will just lightly spoil this part. At first, only the head comes out, but not like, normal normally, like, just a head pops out. Okay. And then the body comes later. <laughs> oh, wow.
2: Yeah. Oh.
3: Oh, wow. So in other words, watch
2: this with Begotten. Yeah, is what right. Uh, do, gotcha. right. Uh, that's uh, that you should line that up for your wife. Say, hey, honey, do you have the yeah. afternoon? We got some I got some movies for you. If Joe yep. Begos
3: <laughs> took LSD and then made <laughs> Willie's Wonderland wow. with a pregnant woman wow. in it. That would be this yeah, movie. Yeah, this now Holy it's got crap. a g- bunch of great like indie actors. Like Chloe Sevigny's in it, Meg Tilly, Mark Webber is one of my favorite actors is in it. Natasha Leone is in it. It stars Natasha Lyonne who I'm not a huge fan of. Honestly, she's like the one thing that kept me from loving this just cuz I Really? I, I just don't her. like her. But if you like her, you're going to love like her, this. People who like her are going to love this. If they okay. can handle a very trippy, very intense body horror art film craziness. Yeah. Wow. Gotcha
1: okay well I like yeah. her so who nice. knows maybe 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 I'll, maybe I'll surprise myself I'm sold
3: <laughs> and then I, I
1: love that you picked the next title even though there's no baby but if you've seen this movie you're gonna know why on some level why it's here and that's don't breathe <laughs> 2016 yeah right yeah
3: it doesn't quite fit turkey yeah. baster
1: that's, <laughs> oh that's, man yeah if we, if we if we did the horror of turkey basters it would definitely be there mm-hmm. absolutely Holidays from 2016, the Mother's Day segment.
3: Actually, that Mother's Day segment might be my favorite pregnancy horror film. Just that one segment of Holidays. I love that Mother's Day segment. It's so good. I would love to see a feature film version of that short. It's so good. Absolutely love it. Cool.
1: And then we've got Prevenge, which we are Prevenge uh, from 2016, which we'll be getting covered here in a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. Shelly from 2016. Yeah. Child of Satan, right? I'm sure I say, wait, Child of Satan <laughs> from 2017. I, I literally just showed my kids a bunch of clips from Church Lady <laughs> 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 like two days ago. Uh, Little Evil from 2017.
3: Oh, yeah, that one's again more of like a it is a woman gave birth to the son of the devil, but he is, um, already born. Well, I mean, he's like eight when the movie starts. It's basically like a comedic omen. And it's not very good. It's like in the six range, maybe. But it's like a fun, if you like Omen and you like dumb comedy, it's like a dumb, fun version of that. Hmm. Uh, Okay. I probably would like it. Is Jason Bateman in it, maybe? Oh, really? I think so. And uh, uh, what's her name? Evangeline Lilly is the mom. Oh, okay. From Lost. Nice. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. The kid looks wacky. Oh, dude, this looks great. Oh, it's
3: a guy from uh, Parks and Rec. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Adam Scott. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I haven't seen it since it came out, but it was fun. It's it's not good, but it's it's watchable.
1: Oh, man. No, I, I think I would dig this.
3: Yeah, it's kind of like I would say in the vein of Hell Baby that we're talking about later. Like, it's just okay. kind of a dumb fun. All right, cool. All right. So then we got Mother 2017. Again, it's kind of a reverse on the theme. Like, it's like the son of God is being born, but it's disturbing horror movie for sure yep the bad seed from 2018 a made-for-tv movie remake with dave's cousin
1: rob Lowe.
2: yes i <laughs> I, I i don't i haven't seen nearly <laughs> enough with cousin rob and uh, i'm gonna have to definitely check out the bad seed because i didn't even watch the um what was it he was in the salem's lot uh remake i yes. didn't even see that you one. know what
3: wolfman were you the one that hated that the salem's lot remake no i yeah. like it i mean it's it's not good i don't think but i I, I liked it too, but who did I talk to that I – could, I could have sworn
1: I hated that
3: movie. Like I, I can't remember who it was. Somebody hated that movie that I talked to. I don't know. Maybe I said I did. I own it though, so if I did say I hated it, I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I, I well the reason I bring it up is I actually liked it. I, I didn't like it as much as the original, but yeah. I did like it.
2: Imagine owning a movie you don't like. <laughs> yeah yeah, wouldn't that be weird if you actually did that, Dave? Uh, Imagine okay,
3: owning 2,000 movies you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah.
1: <laughs> and then you're like halfway to what Dave's yeah. dealing with.
3: <laughs> All right, The Devil's Doorway
2: from 2018. This was a good one. I Fantastic movie. This is a really good movie. Yeah, also, I in the top
3: the- five of movies we're talking about, it's found footage, but like in yeah. a... 70s shot on Super 16 film footage. It's cool.
2: I like it. it I remember it just it disturbed me because of just the, the 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 thematics of it, and and it just reminded me of my religious upbringing. It just was a very difficult sort of film for me to sit through uh, in that regard. But it's excellent. It's really a strong movie. Really great. Amazing location. Great yep.
3: cast. It's got yep. like a. It kind of is a little bit reminiscent of Final Prayer. The other. Catholic yeah. found footage mm-hmm. movie.
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: It appears to be on Hulu. I have never seen it. I actually now looking at the pictures, remember when this came out and wanting to see it with my wife. Cause she would like a movie like this. So I think we're going to have to watch this here very soon.
3: We did cover it. We talked to the director too. Yeah. 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 yeah
1: I think you guys did before I came on right. the show. I right. Think so yeah, Cause I remember listening.
3: Yep. If you enjoy, you know, religious thematic material, then it's, it's a great um, entry in kind of the religious horror.
1: Yep. All right. Next up we got Good Manners from 2018. I really like
2: this movie. Yeah, I really like it. This is this came out. This was sort of the year of of South America for me because I think of my top 3 horror movies that year. This was number 3 and number 1 was Terrified. Like they were really yeah. knocking it out of the park yeah. that year and they also um uh, well then the next year obviously with The Night Shift that was also from South America. But this was I really um like the CGI at times is yeah. is a little bit weak but the story itself and the way they approach the material. I loved it. The
3: CGI is a bummer because everything else is good. It kind of reminds me of host in that way, or uh, the host, I should say, not Host, mm-hmm. uh, because like the movie so good around it, but then the CGI just looks kind of subpar, but
1: yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, our, all, all of our next ones,
3: the next four are 2018. We've got malicious. I, like, I liked malicious. Uh, mm-hmm. not, it's not good, but it's, it's watchable. <laughs> I right. like the the main actress that's in it. I can't think of what her name is right now, but she's good. Delroy Lindo's in it, which is cool. Oh, okay. oh that's cool. Uh, still slash born, still born from twenty eighteen, which I believe
1: was one of the first reviews uh i did for hmp with dave yeah, i remember
2: yeah. yeah i remember discussing that i i think you talked about the experience of watching this were you like watching it in bed or something and, and it kind of freaked you out oh yeah it was, it was uh, that's right yes because i was under the covers with my yeah. phone
1: like trying to watch it <laughs> and but didn't have some scene involving i, I just remember i got creeped there
2: or scenes involving like a bed in a bedroom yes
1: yes, yes. it's been a while but yeah. yeah yeah i think it was something like that yeah i remember talking about <laughs> that uh a uh, movie that
2: I know, I know Dave's a huge fan of, St. Agatha from 2018. Oh, my goodness. I, 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 I talk about movies you own that you don't like. Oh, my God. I, this is not a good movie. St. Agatha <laughs> is just not good. I, was, I, I, was, I watched it with, with the intent of reviewing it, and I just abandoned saying, no, I'm not going to write about this one. So I just, I just picked something else that day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Well, then what about The Wind?
3: From 2018. The The western. Yeah, Yeah. it's a decent indie western. It doesn't quite fit the genre. There's a pregnant woman who feels like an evil entity is after her child. And that's, that plays into the drama of the film, but it's not exactly uh, fitting this subgenre.
1: All right, and a movie I know we covered, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but it probably was, uh, Satanic Panic from 2019. A fun one. That's a fun fun comedy.
3: Basically, there's a pizza delivery driver who shows up accidentally at a satanic cult gathering and becomes their virgin insemination sacrifice. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, and next up, Blood Quantum, which was Wolfman's number yes. one. It's from 2020. And
3: again, it doesn't quite fit because the question isn't really answered. It's at the very end of the movie, but it is this idea of being pregnant with a child that might come out a zombie. And so it's, it's not really the thrust of the film, but it does right. play into the themes of the film.
2: Yes. But
1: it's yes. there. It's an element. It's an element. One that obviously helped inspire even doing this episode. Anything for Jackson. Yes. Probably Such the main dude. inspiration for this
3: episode, but
1: I would argue. And can I be honest with both of you? And you'll be proud that I didn't do this, but Wolfman, you asked us to send a, send you our top 10 list when you're putting the show notes together. I would rewatched anything for Jackson, my wife. Yeah, you know, we had the interview with, with the writer I'm not going to lie, if I'm if I had it to do over again, this thing would have bumped up higher on my list. Same here actually. I, I was right. I was thinking that too. Yeah, not just because we told the writer. It was really cool to get all that insight, but rewatching it, I had a, a really cool like unique experience watching it that second time and then like my wife hadn't seen it and she liked it a lot. What was her um, response to it? She loved it. She didn't like the ending. Mm. See, I love the ending. Yeah. Mm. I love the ending. And she didn't. It's it's funny. Uh, Tyson, my friend Tyson, he I got him to watch it. He loved it. Not so did, didn't dig the ending. It's a it's it. And I think uh, I don't want to give anything away. But I think, if I remember correctly, Keith got into that a little bit, like uh, some of the reactions to the ending. I love it. I love the ending. But anyway, I digress. That was that movie was Doc's number yeah, one. So I loved it. I
3: have, it would have yeah, be, definitely so been be. higher on my list if I made my list today. Yeah,
1: yeah. If I did it again, I'd be in my top yeah. five for sure. All right, Castle Freak, the remake from 2020, which I haven't seen yet, but
3: yeah again I, it's not necessarily the main driving force, but it plays a role in the film, and you have yeah. a woman whose birth plays a major role in the plot, and there mm. is like a cult impregnation
2: situation i i I had heard people say, oh it, you know I, I saw it. I still don't like it as much as the original to be honest I, I think it's, it's better to be honest uh, uh, well it's, it's maybe I mean the original is what full moon." Yeah. Um, it's a full moon movie.
1: Yes, it is. And, and to be fair, Wolfman liked in oh,
2: That's true. <laughs> that's true. He did like
3: in Yeah. This yeah. is better than in
2: <laughs> This is not
3: a great movie. And the original is a classic, but mm. ha- having said both those things, I think this is still like, if you're just taking it, you're taking the classicness out of it. And the fact that this is kind of a lower budget indie European feeling movie, and you're just comparing them as, what they're presenting. I think this is like a far better film in terms of like story performance, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Okay. Cinematography.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's certainly not a bad movie. I didn't, I didn't dislike it. It's, you know, I just, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the original. Yeah. Um, This
3: added a lot more Lovecraftian cosmic horror to the picture as well. Yeah. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of fun.
1: God, if only movies were subjective.
3: (laughs) 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 I'm I'm not as big of, fan of the original is as, as, like, I know the original is like one of Dave's faves So it. So yeah. it's, if, if I had that kind of connection to the original, I would probably think this was frustrating. Mm. too.
1: But. What about the expecting, which I'm guessing is a TV movie from 2020 because it has the word TV next to it.
3: Well, it's a TV series. Um, it was, oh, okay. uh, it was made for that Quibi or whatever it was called.
1: Ah, the, the long lasting Quibi. <laughs>
3: yeah. It's unfortunate though, because this, um, was uh starring anna sophia Robb, who's awesome um rory colkin who's awesome and mira servino who i really like a lot oh wow and it was directed by mary heron who directed american psycho oh yeah nice oh absolutely yes Uh, it looks great i don't know how we get a hold of those quibi shows anymore but i don't know
1: yeah i have no idea (laughs) All right. Well, next up we have uh, Janin, a.k.a.
3: Fetus from 2020. Doesn't quite fit, but it's it's an evil spirit. It's an Indonesian film and there's an evil okay. spirit trying to get a woman's baby. Oh. Yeah. I feel like the title
1: fetus would imply that it does fit on some. level. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got Snatchers from 2020. Yes. Yeah, such a fun movie. I really had a blast with this one. It's it's a it's a comedy Um, uh, obviously shot in your neck of the woods, Josh.
3: Yeah, it was shot in Salt Lake City, and um, I think in New Mexico or uh, Colorado as well. But yeah,
2: yep, and uh, our, our, and uh, Kagan,
3: yeah, our and the credits, Kagan, who does the theme music for horror movie podcast um started out as kind of a sound editor he was doing some music editing for the project and ended up doing a little bit of the music for the film as well it's a great movie we yeah. just recently reviewed it like three episodes ago or something yeah. like that but yeah. uh fantastic film i agree it's probably also like in the top five to ten of the movies on this list yep yeah. and then our final
1: movie on the list is one that apparently decided to use the oh-so-unique title of The Unborn. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know anything about that one either. But. Yeah, I, I, I looked it up, and I don't again, I don't think it has anything to do with the uh, the classic so, from 1991. What I'm
3: going to do is I'm going to put this full list of uh, demon baby movies in the show notes, and I'm only going to put the ones that did adhere to the subgenre. <clears throat> we talked about a lot that didn't quite adhere to the subgenre. So okay. Right. I think that still leaves about 30, 40 good movies and yeah, um, for sure. At least five to ten that are actually like great movies. Yeah. So absolutely uh, yeah, hopefully people will check those out. All
1: right then that wraps up our discussion of evil baby pregnant with fear whatever we're calling (laughs) (laughs) movies and i guess we can now welcome our first guest Shani dreadful for a continuation of our theme discussion and to get a mother's point of view as well as her feature review of prevenge but first wolfman brings us a word from our sponsor and tells us which horror movies about babies from hell are screaming online
4: (laughs)
3: Welcome to our Shudder-sponsored Screaming Online segment. Shudder is the streaming service with the best selection of horror, thriller, and supernatural movies, series, and originals. From Hollywood favorites and cult classics to original series and critically acclaimed new genre films you won't find anywhere else. Streaming uncut and commercial free right to your favorite devices. Also, they now have a Golden Globe nominee, Shudder's Lorna, which is about a mother who goes through something very horrific recently nominated for the best foreign language feature golden globe and is it nominated for an oscar too i'm not sure this title which also won best film at the 2019 venice film festival was an official selection to sundance 2020 puts together the terror of both myth and reality into a devastating expose of the genocidal atrocities against the mayan community in guatemala what else does shutter have coming up well i'll tell you well they just released the slacks Coco di Coco da, and more discovery of witches, as well as the Shutter original stay out of the attic. Fangoria has announced that their Chainsaw Awards will screen on Shutter, so I guess that's a thing. And Violation, another film that I talked about at the most recent Sundance Film Festival briefly, we just previewed it. Um, Is coming to Shudder. Actually, I think it's currently streaming on Shudder. You can check it out now. So that's cool. The Canadian horror drama film from writer-directors Madeline Sims-Fewer and Dusty Mancinelli about a troubled woman who seeks violent revenge after she's betrayed by her sister and brother-in-law. But of course, what I want to tell you about are the three motherhood horror films that came up on this episode. We've got Blood Quantum, Prevenge, and of course, Anything for Jackson, one of the features of this episode can stream all three of those as well as other great thrillers, horror, and suspense films for just $5.99 a month or $56.99 per year, and you can extend your regular 7-day free trial to a 30-day free trial if you use our promo code. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment on the planet. That's why they call it the Netflix for Horror. You'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your favorite devices, including Apple devices, Android devices, Xbox, Amazon Fire, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. To try Shudder free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com and use promo code HMP when signing up. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R dot com and promo code H-M-P for Horror Movie Podcast, we are dead serious about creepy baby horror movies. All right, at this point in the show, we are very excited to welcome a very special guest. This guest was a HMP listener a long time ago, and in fact, I think we had a voicemail from this guest on our 99th or 100th episode when we were asking people to submit um, their memories of how they found the podcast. So you've heard her voice before, but um, if you haven't heard it on our show, you may have caught her voice on, she podcasted with the Dead as Hell podcast, she podcasted with the Resurrection of Zombie 7 podcast a lot, and she's currently one of the co-hosts at Horror Movie Weekly. Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, Shani Dreadful.
0: Thank you so much. Honestly, this is like a lifetime dream, you guys. You have no idea. Like this is the first podcast I have ever listened to. Ever.
3: That is first. so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome.
2: Thank you. Welcome.
3: And, yeah. I, and I noticed you're not currently accepting orders, but we should let people know you have your own business at Strawberry Crush Creations on Instagram. Where you make some really cool jewelry and some even horror jewelry occasionally, too.
0: Yes, I do. I create little earrings and pins of anything that is pop art related or anything that is like kind of funky. Honestly, I'm up for anything.
3: (laughs) Very cool. Well, we really appreciate you joining us. I have had a great time listening to you on your new show, and I really appreciated your review of Belief, the documentary about the Modi family who had the exorcism. Um, I'm not Modi, but i am a pacific islander and i kind of hold those cultures dear to me so i was really impressed with how respectful you guys were and also just you did a great review of the film as well so i appreciated that a great deal um i also want to mention to our audience you know i i think these things can smell of tokenism but truly we want people who can speak to the themes that we're talking about. So yeah, we brought a female on the show to talk about female things. And I think that's important, actually. I don't know how you solve that issue when you're three cis dudes. Some There are just a lot of things outside our field of expertise. And so, um, I, you know, I, I, it came up, I think when we've had like Willis Wheeler on the show to talk about African-American stuff or whatever, like it's, it is somewhat problematic. I get that. But at the same time, you know, we're not expecting that Chantel is going to speak for all of womankind or mother motherhood today, but I think her perspective is unique and she's a great horror podcaster. So that's kind of the spirit in which um, we're having on the show. But um, I do want to ask you though, if you could speak for all womankind right now, um, how does this idea freak you out? The idea of your sweet, beautiful creation inside your well first of all let me ask you this sorry does the general basic idea of actual normal pregnancy that scare you at all when you first became a mother Was that kind of a scary notion ever for you in your life
0: i guess like the idea of becoming pregnant is definitely like a bit scary because it's so unknown like you you kind of know what to expect but you really don't like Mm. every person has a different experience so on so on but pregnancy and horror for me has always been like such a weird like combination. It is like, just because like you think of pregnancy as this like beautiful, happy thing you're growing this life inside of you. And then to combine both horror and pregnancy, it is like, it's, it's really freaky just to think about.
3: Yeah. And I think there is something to, to it where the things that are kind of the most sensitive, the most fragile, the most, Precious to us, that horror in those areas are the things that really, at least for me, impacted me the most. And so, I, I I was curious, yeah. What so when you watch some of these movies now, having been a mother, how how does that feel to you now when you see well, a movie like you're going to talk about later, or any of the films kind of in the subgenre? How does it feel the idea of what it would be like to have like an evil thing growing within you? Like, what would that feel like to you or how do you how do you imagine that as you watch those films
0: it's so interesting because like i can't like i can't even fathom it like it is just so completely on the opposite spectrum of what being pregnant really is just like like since i've never experienced being like possessed by anything like it wouldn't sure (laughs) i couldn't necessarily relate (laughs) to it but pregnancy and horror like it is it is such a funny topic for films but like Honestly, for me, more so watching horror while I was pregnant was a very strange, very strange experience. I was very careful with the media I would consume while I was pregnant. And I would try to focus on consuming more media that left with like a feel good feeling. Not that horror doesn't necessarily provide that for me, but like in a different way.
3: (laughs) I mean, it does probably create stress in your body, right, to watch a horror film, so that actually makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And, like, that being said, like, I didn't cut out horror in its entirety while I was, like, pregnant or anything like that. But I just, like, I really limited the amounts I would consume while carrying any of my children. I will admit that during my last pregnancy, though, I did make the choice to go to the movie theater to see Ari Aster's film *Midsummer*, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which in a sense, also kind of deals with pregnancy. And let me tell you, that was like such a big mistake. I had been like seeing this film discussed all over social media. And after Hereditary, I was like, oh, I need to see this movie. Like everyone's talking about it. it is like the hot thing right now. And I chose to go alone because I enjoy going to horror movies alone. I don't know. It's just like a thing and the theater was like packed completely packed so i was sitting there very pregnant sandwiched between two very large men and <laughs> that i didn't know and i was left <laughs> feeling like very uncomfortable especially during some of the some of the scenes that you can imagine throughout that film
3: (laughs) we actually talked about that in our first part of our theme discussion because so many of these pregnancy horror films are based around the victimization of women and like forcing pregnancy upon them and a lot of these like cult movies and stuff like that and that's one of the few films where you see a man kind of treated in that way and it's interesting to kind of think of how rarely we see like a man sexually sexually victimized in that way
0: oh most definitely like that is like so seldom seen in horror it is like it was a very creative choice on yeah. Astor's part.
3: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So I, I still am curious. Now, I, I noticed when um, I had a death in the family of someone who was really close to me, I couldn't watch horror for a while. Like It just kind of changed my – I was just like, yeah, I'm not interested in seeing this kind of content right now in my life. I wonder if having a child as a mother, because your your physical bond is so much different than like a father's bond to a baby, even though I think fathers do – Eventually my experience is again, and I've heard this kind of from friends is that once their children could kind of interact with them or like talk or walk or something where they could kind of be more interactive, they felt a larger bond at that point. But a lot of mothers kind of feel like this instant connection, even maybe even before the child's born, did that like change kind of your orientation to the world at all to where you felt like, I don't really feel like this type of content due to having gone through that process?
0: I definitely felt that way to an extent. Like I couldn't just like put my whole self into that kind of world anymore. I definitely had to like take a break for it and kind of like focus on more positive and like happier things throughout life. Just during that time, and then you know, eventually you're like, okay, like I- I'm ready to dive right back in.
3: <laughs> I guess for me, there's this other thing. I guess we kind of touched on it, but I think knowing how your children are going to grow up is such kind of a scary idea and you're never, you don't know, you know, you can do everything right. And they can still have a hard life as an adult. Right. And I, you know, we've all known people who, you know, maybe their parents were fine parents, but their children didn't turn out like their children ended up having like a lot of problems. I think every parent kind of worries, like, am I messing up my kid? Or is, you know, some other outside factor going to do something to them, cause trauma that's going to negatively impact them through life. I think that, I think that idea of this kind of pregnancy horror ups that ante for me because just the concept of this thing could come out and be evil. I don't know. For some reason that just really rocks me as a parent. Like it's such a scary idea that you have so little control. I think that maybe that's a dad thing because there is a big part that we talked about earlier, where as a father you just have so little kind of like interaction with what's going on. You're kind of just this outside viewer as opposed to in a participant and you've everything feels so fragile and it's kind of like just the scary ride that's out of your hands i guess the idea then of a demon baby just takes that to the next level of just feeling like ah there's nothing you can do about this and it's coming no matter what
0: oh for sure like i can definitely like understand that especially like as like as i'm watching my kids grow up like my oldest is 12 and you know he's starting to get like more preteen and more like angsty and all this stuff and like you do everything you possibly can to make sure they are heading down the correct path and making the right choices to better and further their their lives in like any possible way so then the thought of adding like some sort of evil type influence in all of that is it's a freaky subject like it's it's definitely keeping keeps things on edge
3: just imagine like those first times you see your baby too where it's just like the most innocent beautiful thing and then to think of like <laughs> you know like you know I think about the Dawn of the Dead scene where the, she gives birth to the zombie like baby zombie it's like the scariest thing i can imagine kind of Yes for sure Um so one thing that we wanted to talk with you about because you are a a proud horror fan who is not ashamed to say you like twilight and that's rare. And, and I've for years been trying to get different co-hosts to talk about twilight with me and no one ever wants to. So I was so thrilled to get to be on a podcast with somebody who would talk about twilight for a bit. And, there's this similar dynamic to what we just talked about with Dawn of the Dead in, I believe it's breaking Dawn. I haven't seen, I only saw the first three films, but I'm aware of the storyline that eventually Bella is impregnated. And so she has potentially a vampire growing within in her. And again, that idea we've been kind of talking about how, what can you tell us more about breaking Dawn? Like what's the, what's the vibe of that film? Is this a, something that horror fans will be into? I
0: don't think like, It's a very difficult subject. Like the Twilight franchise is definitely, definitely a touchy subject within the horror community. (laughs) I don't think I've like met very many people who enjoy these films. And for many reasons, like mostly due to a lot of the changes of what we come to expect when watching a film about vampires. Like, I get it. Nobody wants to see a vampire sparkle. Like, believe me, (laughs) like, neither did I. Right. And Not to mention, there were a lot of poor acting choices and, you know, some bad Mm. writing. Sorry, Stephanie Meyer. Uh, But (laughs) wow. Yeah. Like, it's a bit of a yikes. Like, it's not super great. I do agree with everyone. Like, you know, the idea of sparkly vampires is the last thing anyone wants to see in, honestly, any genre of film. Sure. Had had you read
3: the books or were you someone who came to the films? What was your experience getting into it?
0: Now, like, I briefly read the books. But the the writing wasn't amazing. Like yeah. I like I can burn through a book so easily. And I kind of sat there and I was like, I can't do it. I was like losing focus every five oh, minutes. Wow. And it felt like I was almost reading a children's book. It was just so simple. And so like, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Oh, I don't That's know. Funny. Uh,
3: yeah. My wife was in a reading group, uh, like a book club, I guess is what they're called. But someone had introduced tw- Twilight Wake way before anyone had really heard. And you know, it was very early in its publication because one of the. People in the group, she is a, um, like a YA blogger. And so she had heard about the book, like before it even came out. And, um, (laughs) it was just so funny. My wife was so shocked that like all these people who she thought were so smart, were so smitten with that book because you just thought it was so yeah poorly written i guess at the time but then the movies came out and then it just became even like it just went through the roof like the fandom for that but sorry i interrupted you please go on with what you were saying it was it was very interesting
0: no no like that like honestly that kind of like continues on to where my train of thought was growing like everyone was obsessed with those movies when they first came out and like honestly like I was like a teenager. So I was like trying to be cool and edgy and I did not want to like them. I refused to watch them. (laughs) I avoided them at all costs until one of my friends was like, Oh, we're going to go see this horror movie. Like I already got tickets. We're going to go, we're going to go to the theater. And I was like, awesome. Like, this is great. And then it was twilight. And I was like, are you kidding? And they're like, no, this is going to be so much fun. And I was like, Oh, but then I wound up enjoying myself. And that was the first breaking Dawn movie. And like, I enjoyed myself in like such a weird way. Like, it was just, it was fun to go. Like there was so many people there and everyone was like super pumped and super hype. And like, just so it, like it was just such an experience to be yeah in the theater with everyone. So excited about just one thing, even if it wasn't like super great.
3: Well, yeah. Our, one of our dear friends of the podcast, dark Mark, his wife works in the film industry and she was kind of key in bringing the twilight books to Lionsgate, I believe, or who it no, wasn't, was it, was it what's the name of the company that um produced it at the time i'm blanking on their name of the company but anyway she was kind of keen like helping that project get off the ground actually like the film's getting made in the first place and she was I, telling me that that first comic-con when the movie came out and that was a big news story actually everywhere in entertainment just how much the twilight fans took over comic-con and like the comic-con geeks were so upset about like ruining their experience. But at the same time, it was just like, it's this, it was a huge, I mean, it's hard if people are younger or, or a lot older and didn't really experience that. It's hard to even articulate like how huge a movement that was. It's like how the Marvel movies have been for the last, 10 years is what the twilight movies were like before that almost it's just like all everywhere like everywhere you go there's like t-shirts and people are talking about it and posters and it it was it was like it was just a huge cultural phenomenon
0: it really was like it was everywhere you go just like yeah like marvel and like the walking dead i feel like had almost like a similar type feel like everything like and like zombies were just everywhere all the time like anytime you went to a comic convention there was just zombie everything I felt like Twilight was very much like a similar thing and to kind of like circle back to your original question like the infamous moments during Bella's pregnancy like honestly when I watched that film I was actually super surprised with how dark they went with Mm. her pregnancy like before giving her birth there was like her body was falling apart. She was like almost anorexic and like her face was sunken. It was like kind of freaky looking. Like she became very frail and literally looked as if she was dying. She was pale and just kind of grotesque. And honestly, like, I don't think wow. they really held back on the budget during these scenes. And they clearly yeah. put a tremendous amount of time and energy into them. Like it was, it was really interesting to watch.
3: So... I know this isn't exactly what we're talking about, but what would, like, why should horror fans check out the Twilight movies if they haven't? Like, what would be the, what would you say is, like, the reason that they might appeal to a horror fan?
0: I think the reason it might appeal to the horror fan, honestly, that's, like, such a hard question to answer because, like, let me just ask this What do you you
3: like about them? What do you like about them?
0: They're very easy to watch. Like, I can just sit there and put it on and do, like, do whatever I'm doing and I can just sit back and kind of laugh. But like, I also think it's like, it's a kind of a fun movie to watch with like a group of people because they are kind of cheesy and they're kind of dorky and you laugh at things that you're honestly not supposed to be laughing at, but they're kind of funny anyways. Yeah. It's kind of fun in that sense, but like, I don't know. I probably watch them once a year, which is probably embarrassing for me to say. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I've always seen them once, but I I really liked the second and third movie, as I recall. I um those are the only two I saw the I saw the first three, and um I for me it's I'm I really love the werewolf mythology, and this is what I always get crap about because this is when I always bring up Twilight. Is anytime we're talking about how bad werewolf movies are. And I'm just like, I love the world that Twilight creates around the werewolves. Like they're this tribe and like, it's just cool. It's so cool how it's connected to the, connected to the native culture. And I love the setting of the Twilight movies too. That Pacific Northwest kind of foggy pine trees. It's just such a cool location for a horror movie. Also. I just, I don't know. That's the stuff that really appeals to me. And then the third movie I think it is, is that the one where there's kind of like the vampire Illuminati and they're all wearing like the red robes and, they go to like Rome or something in the movie. Is that, am I remembering that right?
0: I think so. Honestly, they kind of just all blend together at this point.
3: <laughs> yeah. Like. I love that stuff. Like I, I really enjoy that stuff, but I, but yeah, again, I haven't, I haven't seen them in probably, you know, however many years it's been seven, eight years. So I do actually want to revisit them. I'm curious, but um, all right. Well, so breaking Dawn, a good example of pregnancy horror. They went for it. The, practical effects it even sounds like maybe or good cgi at least and
0: see one thing that's interesting about the practical effects though that i feel like not a ton of people have really have really noticed but they created this life-size replica of kristen stewart they like created this doll that was Hmm. her while she was pregnant and she was basically like shriveling away and dying and there's this moment in the film where her body basically just like can't hold on anymore and her back just like breaks and she basically crumples to the ground well they did this by whole yeah it's it's really like i liked that part that part was really cool that's crazy yeah but they have this doll and it's like hanging up by strings basically and it looks like it looks exactly like her but if she was like dying and they hold it up <laughs> by strings and let the thing basically naturally fall to the ground and that's how they create this very like unnatural movement almost and it looks really wow. cool like i think if horror fans were to watch any of them they'd be most interested in watching that scene and if you watch the like behind the scenes footage and things like that <laughs> it's actually kind of funny because like kirsten stewart like stands alongside with this doll and just keeps like kind of like hitting it and punching it and like pushing it around she just thinks it's like creepy and weird <laughs> It, it, it's weird. kind of
3: funny it's it's cute so yeah um come on horror fans that's not in rosemary's baby okay so we don't we don't that's we don't get to see that kind of stuff in horror movies um well, so lastly last question about twilight until we do our twilight franchise review when we invite you back on the show um <laughs> do do you so what did you think then of kristen stewart because her like uh kind of the public opinion on her has changed a lot recently. People are starting to say she's a great actress and she's been in great horror films recently as well. Like the last couple of horror films she's done have been fantastic. Were you someone who thought, yeah, she's good. Like, why does everyone make such a big deal of this? Or were you also kind of like, "Mm, she's not that great. You know, what was your take on her? Have you been surprised to see this transition or is it kind of the person you always saw?
0: See, that's so funny. Like, I don't think she's a bad actress at all. I think that she was put in a role that was not necessarily fit for her, but she also did a great job with it. Like if you do read that book or like even like because I read most of the first book and I couldn't couldn't really get through any of the other ones, but she really does. Portrayed that character like everything that she does, all those weird like facial movements and all those like scoffs and all that like stuff that everyone makes fun of her for. That's yeah. exactly what the character does. That's exactly what the character is like. So really, if anything, they should probably be hating on the writer. But,
3: <laughs> but I'm sure they do that as well. Oh,
0: hundred oh, <laughs> percent. I've I've heard it all. I always get eaten alive by this, but it is what well, it is. We
3: appreciate <laughs> you taking the time to talk about us. It's like it's like admitting something that it's very scary to go be go public about so we appreciate your courage today we ask everyone please do not pick on shani about the twilight movies okay i was my idea i brought it up i beg i begged her to talk about it so oh, i appreciate that thank you for indulging my curiosity
0: oh 100 um, like i will i will always be ready to talk about twilight i have yes. the most random trivia it is it is insane
3: okay well so Dave and Joel both agreed earlier in this episode that if I watch parts two and three and report back that indeed I still do enjoy them they're not as that bad they will watch the entire franchise so it might happen it might still happen but we're gonna stop talking about this so people don't get mad at me and we will move on to something else (laughs) which is Chantel's review of Prevenge from 2016
4: I'm really sorry about your loss and I know it's been very difficult for you. At the end of the day, you've got this force of nature now inside you. Baby knows what to do. Baby will tell you what to do.
5: It's just nature's way. I think nature's a bit of an arse though, don't you? You're getting
1: better at this. I'm not in control. Don't wanna know what's in there. I'm
4: scared of her. To
1: have him fuck. If he can't hear you, she can't. She's very articulate. Kill him. Or i kill you. Do you want a drink?
4: If it's fan you're after, you've come to the right place.
5: You're insane. I am a working mother.
0: Children these days are really spoiled. Like, mummy, I want a PlayStation. Mummy, I want you to kill that man. <laughs>
4: best. You're a real bad girl. Negativity's not good for the baby spirit, really. Do you think?
0: All right. So the film I've chosen for my little mini review for this themed episode is the British horror comedy Prevenge. Now, Prevenge was released in 2016 with a runtime of one hour and 28 minutes. It is rated TVMA and can be found to stream on Shutter, which I think you guys are like partnered with, which is pretty cool. Yeah. This film is written, directed, as well as stars the very talented Allison Lowe. She is also known for her work on Hot Fuzz, At World's End, and honestly, my personal favorite. She is on the episode titled Bandersnatch on the Netflix original series black
3: mirror oh right kind of
0: cool i had no idea it must be like a minor character because i didn't recognize her or anything like that but but anyways the plot synopsis of prevenge is as follows after an unexpected tragedy occurs in her life ruth's unborn child consumes her mind and together they seek revenge on all that they deem deserving
3: so did that ever happen to you did you (laughs) well i know you didn't seek revenge but did you um Did you ever like feel like your baby was talking to you or did you have like those kinds of like feelings where you would talk to like my example is my wife had kind of named our child like a kind of like a nickname, like a pet name kind of thing that she would call the baby. And she just felt like she had this relationship with this baby inside of her. And then two things happened. One, the baby came out. It didn't look like what she imagined it would look like. a, (laughs) And then b, we had to name it like a real name and then and so she felt almost like violated that other people were referring to her baby by this other name that didn't feel like what she thought her baby it was weird I mean I won't say it's weird but I think there's a lot of hormones and like attachment that goes on along with pregnancy like did you ever have that like what was your connection like I guess
0: with- that's so funny I, I love that that is so cute now I hear of like a lot of women who are pregnant they're they'll read books they'll sing songs they'll do all that fun stuff and like I just couldn't do it I, I tried I, I to sit there and like read a baby book to like a baby that I couldn't see and I was like oh this isn't going anywhere like I'm better off just like having a conversation with somebody that I can actually talk to and get the emotions out that way and they'll still hear my voice that way I kind of like I was like that like I liked having my hand on my belly and like being able to feel them move and stuff like that and like your wife, I did have a nickname for my first, my firstborn, and I would always call him Beansy. Obviously, he's not named <laughs> that, but I still do call him that to this day as like a nickname. I'll be like Bean or Beansy, come here, and he's just <laughs> like he's so adapted. Funny. He's twelve. He's I don't do it in front of his friends, but <laughs> there's
3: a. I'll since you told about Beansy, I'll tell what mine was too. Um, so there's a Dutch word. Misha means girl and so Mishka is like a diminutive form of it so Rachel would call our daughter Meishka when she was in her stomach and then <laughs> we went to this is says a lot actually about our relationship um, we went to the midwife and the midwife said oh you know when we f- did the first ultrasound your baby is the size of the head of a pin. And I thought that was so funny. And so I called her pinhead. I would refer to her as the pinhead. So my wife's sitting there going like, oh, my maishka. And I would be like, the pinhead is, uh, you know, like it was a, yeah. Anyway. I love that. I love that. I do
0: like, I, I have to continue on with something in regards yeah. to like my own pregnancy. Yeah. Like it's, it's a, it's a very brief experience, but it's kind of like horror adjacent. But during my last pregnancy, now I'll spare you like any, like. Uncomfortable details that no, you guys don't want to hear. The listeners don't want to hear like <laughs> any of that. But during we've my already last-
3: talked <laughs> about episiotomies and all kinds of stuff on this episode, oh, so
0: <laughs> so it can't get really too much worse. Okay, yeah. well, I was in my kitchen and I was baking banana bread and I was dancing and singing along to Broadway's Beetlejuice the musical <laughs> when my water broke.
3: Wow. Mm.
0: And I will 100% admit that I missed the opportunity of naming my daughter Lydia because I didn't even think <laughs> about that until after the fact. But I was going to
3: say, did you say Beetlejuice three times? That was the problem.
0: <laughs> Honestly, that probably was it. No, no, no. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> well, anyway, it's good. It's probably good you weren't talking to your baby because in this film, the baby is saying some horrific things to the mother.
0: <laughs> It really has. So both of you have seen this this film, correct? It's been a while. It's it was in while,
2: 2016 yeah. when I saw it, but yeah, I, 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 it's, it's been a few years for me. I think it was during one of our um, uh, Women in Horror months that oh, I watched this. So it's, it's been a couple years.
0: Yeah, that's definitely fitting. Like that's a good that's a good film to include in there. What were either of your thoughts? I'm just kind of curious.
2: I mean, it's
3: freaky to me because we've you know we've talked about some things like. Um, you know just i mean there's like i said there's so many different emotional and hormonal things happening with your body when you're pregnant that it felt like there i guess there's something called postpartum psychosis that can happen where people are having hallucinations and so part of my theory about a lot of these films we've been talking about is they could all take place within a postpartum psychosis where the events of the film didn't really take place. So that's kind of, I think when I watch this movie, that's what, you know, the big thing you have to wonder for most of this film is, is this really happening or is this just in her head? Right.
0: Oh yeah. Like 100%. I was thinking that the entire time, but I did like, I I did have to laugh because like, the voice that they had chosen to represent (laughs) this unborn, unborn entity, unborn child, What's the weirdest choice? Like, I don't know, like, I don't know how they came to terms with, yes, we're going to choose a voice that sounds like when Yzma turns into a cat from the Emperor's New Groove. That is the perfect voice. We want her to sound exactly like a chipmunk. Like, I, I just never, like, I didn't get the...
3: It's like, a funny idea though, because how do you voice an unborn child? Like, what is, what is the you know this, something that's not going to speak for like two years from now? Like, how do you choose the voice? Right. It's like funny. The,
0: it is a hard choice, but like, not that. I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm alone in thinking that, but it, I mean, it
3: is weird. I guess I would say that adds to the weirdness of the movie. Like, it makes it creepy. It makes it super creepy to me. Like, it's such a weird choice. It's like just off kilter, right? It
0: really is like uncanny. I tried not to let it like pull me out of the movie, but like sometimes like it would just talk for so long. And I was like, Oh man, like, (laughs) is it going to just like stop? Like I wish they, there was other choices I'm sure, but that's okay. That's okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what did you think Dave? What were your kind of thoughts about the movie? Um, I'm looking back. We, We had reviewed it on episode 169, which actually was when, um, One of Gilman Joel's first, he gave his top 10 horror movies on that same episode. Yeah. Uh, And I'm looking at our uh, ratings and both you and I, Josh, gave it a 7 out of 10. And we recommend streaming it on
3: Shudder. Yeah. Well, that was probably a promotional tactic right there, but yes. I'm (laughs) sure it was. Yes,
2: I'm sure it was. (laughs) Funny funny. how we can
3: work that in.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
3: my advice would be streaming on shutter no but yeah i i know i i I, that's funny because i would actually i don't know i haven't seen it in a long time and i think i didn't even rewatch it at that point so i still think i hadn't seen it in a long time even then but maybe it's just because i've been obsessing over you know babies from hell for the last week but i've seen so many movies now in the genre. I think it's one of the better ones. Like, I think it's like in the top five of these types of movies. So I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's, I'm actually, that's why I'm curious to see what Chantel thinks because, you know, you're coming from a different perspective, I guess on it. It sounds like it didn't work for you. Maybe. As well.
0: <laughs> I, I I might be giving off the wrong, the wrong uh, idea here. Like for myself, I felt <laughs> like, I felt like the film did not hold back. And I do agree with you on the fact that it probably is in the top five of this, this type of genre yeah, like it had some good gore it had some interesting interesting topics interesting scenes and like for myself i'm not one who like seeks out horror that is endlessly gory or Mm -hmm. without anything else to really offer but i felt like this film had a really really good story like
3: it's emotional it,
0: it really is and it was just interesting it was interesting to see the characters that they would run into and how it all kind of tied together and it was it kept me captivated wondering like which way is this going to go like is it going to go the way that i think that it might or is it going to go like completely left field and like sometimes it would throughout
3: the film but even just like her halloween makeup or whatever is just so like it's such an insane choice just almost like you're saying about the voice like the fact that that's like the makeup she's wearing around town like in the elevators when she gets in an elevator with those people she's got a knife and that makeup on her face just like wow like this movie is going for it
0: They really did. That was so weird. When she was putting on the white makeup at first, I thought she was going to put on clown makeup. And I was like, oh, like that is that is so unsettling for a pregnant woman to be dressed up (laughs) as a clown. I don't know. That freaks me out on some sort of like weird level.
3: That's an interesting subgenre combo right there. (laughs)
0: That really is. And I was like, okay. then she went with this like demonic kind of like skull, like little red riding hood thing. And I was like, that's even more interesting. I'm glad they went with like something again, completely left field.
3: Yeah, her face almost looks like the skeleton children of Nightmare Before Christmas. So they have those giant, like grin, like, face. Right.
0: <laughs> it really did. And, like, the teeth were crooked. And it was, it was cool. It was an interesting choice. That's yeah. for sure. Um, in my opinion, like, I definitely do think it fits in with the sub- subject matter of this episode that you guys are, are recording. Like, when we first meet our first character, Ruth, she is fairly far along in her pregnancy. Like, I imagine this is just weeks before she's about to give birth. Mm. And I didn't mind that. Like they didn't bog us down with some weird backstory of how she was like inseminated by some crazy demon thing or what have you. And it went straight into the subject matter right away. And you get to kind of uncover pieces of this backstory as the movie goes on. And I, I liked that. And the way that we uncover that her unborn baby is honestly more than what meets the eye. Again, it is a little bit less than amazing. Like, hearing that voice was probably, (laughs) you know, probably not the best choice. But I felt like it didn't, like, it didn't, like, take over the film. Like, it was very, very brief and very occasional. And... You definitely heard her more talking to herself than anything else, which I appreciated. Yeah. Um, but this is a horror comedy. Like there are comedic element elements to this film. And right. even with them, I felt that it wasn't oversaturated with comedy. Like sometimes you'll watch movies like the final girls or the babysitter or what have you, where it's like, like comedic line and comedic line, like right. comedy, like full blown comedians in the movie. It wasn't like that. It was like very dark humor. And that's the kind of horror comedies that I like. And I think others that like horror comedies that aren't like super goofy and are actually like still horror would appreciate that for sure.
3: Yeah. I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. I love how much you dislike the voice though. I have to say, because (laughs) I I think I didn't, I didn't even really register for me. I think if it had registered, I might've been like, well, that's, that's off, you know, unsettling. But I, I, I love that that didn't even take you out of the movie at times. I mean, I, I'm sad for your experience of watching the movie like that, but it's it's interesting, I guess. that that, that it, And it, I didn't really think about it until you said it, but it is a really weird choice. And then almost, again, like when you're thinking about during the course of the film, if it's in her head, like if sh- then she's making up that voice. You know? Like, I don't know. There's just weird exactly. things like that. Yeah. Thinking
0: about and I was like, that's the voice she chose? Like, she couldn't have just like... <laughs> I don't know. Like, I get like... At some, like, when I was thinking about it, I was like, they probably could have chosen using, like, a different version of her own voice as the yeah, voice. And I'm sure that's what they did. They probably did use her voice and made it, like, Chip or auto-tuned <laughs> it or whatever they do to do that kind of stuff. But, yeah, like, I get why they didn't go with, like, just another version of her voice because then it would have been too easy to kind of see where this movie was really, really going. Yeah. But... I do want to mention very briefly just one scene within the film that I I certainly could have gone without. Like, I don't remember if you guys like it was a very quick scene and I don't know if you guys like remember this at all. But it was during the club scene and our main character is with like a less than savory gentleman and they are (laughs) leaving the bar. So to give the listeners some idea of the imagery that you get in the scene, the two are in the back of a cab. The guy is tall. He is heavily built. He is dressed in a very 70s getup and is wearing like a curly wig <laughs> and everything. And Ruth is wearing this like cute little sequin top and a furry black coat and of like a high waisted, very skin tight black mini skirt. So you can very much tell that she is like she's not hiding anything. You can very much tell that she's pregnant and right. this man that ruth is courting aggressively begins to make out with her he pulls away for a second takes off his wig and throws up in it and there is still the remnants <laughs> of what he ate for supper on his lips oh. and then they start making out again oh. and i was like oh out of all of the vile scenes that i have watched while watching horror films this one got me i don't know why but it was just like it was just so gross i was like oh i would have like <laughs> i would have jumped out of that car i couldn't i could not oh
4: yeah. i don't know
0: That's pretty it was so uncomfortable i was like oh like i can't even like how did you even think of that i don't know it was it was very exciting it really was.
3: <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out if I'd seen that actor. And he looked familiar to me. I wonder if he looks like a different actor. Cause I don't think I, I'm looking at his IMDb and I've never seen any of his other stuff. But anyway, when I, I remember, I remember seeing him and thinking that I knew him from something else. But anyway. Um, okay, cool. Shani. Well, any other things about this film that we should talk about or that you want to point out?
0: I guess like a few other things that I wanted to bring up was there was a lot of beautiful imagery throughout this film. Like you get everything from like this beautiful overcast England day on a cliff and you're looking out over the ocean. And then you pair that with some beautiful orchestra music and then you go completely the opposite way and you go down some grungy alleyways and contrasting colored train station hallways paired along with like some really nice 80s synth. Both on completely opposite <laughs> of the spectrum there, but honestly, it, it worked. I felt like it didn't feel forced, and it seemed to like seamlessly blend in with the film. And I really, really like that. Um, nice. yeah. Let's see, what else did I want to mention? Um, it's not in like it's not a very intellectually stimulating film. It doesn't offer like a ton for the viewer to reflect on after or anything like that. I felt like the kill scenes kind of got repetitive and was a bit like unnecessarily so they could have gone like a bit more creative and like you know just change it up a little bit but that's okay like they did what they did and i'm okay with that um overall i do rate this film a six out of ten so i come okay. in just a little bit lower than you guys and i think that it's definitely a rental like i would say for sure like stream it on shutter put it on for like a very like low back low back chill night it's it's a good choice yeah
2: Nice, thank you. What about, did you have anything else you wanted to say about it, Dave? Um, about the uh, no, I don't. I like I said, I don't remember a lot of. It. It's been a few years, and this was actually right at the start of my um, health issues that we had recorded that epi- episode. So I'm a little bit of a void from that uh, time period. I did want to ask though, uh, Chantel, that you had mentioned, you know, this this might be in your top five, and I'm not going to put you on the spot to come up with a top five. But when we when you hear this this topic about like uh, uh, pregnancy and horror what is the one movie or two movies that immediately pop into your into your mind that you think would be like at the top of your list
0: the first one that does come to mind like immediately when Josh had mentioned this episode was Rosemary's baby yeah it just yeah. like that was it's so talked about it's like also very con like I get it it's a controversial film it wasn't wasn't the most like ideal ideal thing <laughs> Twilight yeah. does like Twilight does come to mind as well just because it is like a vampire baby and just like a very very strange thing to think about I remember Grace I have that one on DVD somewhere oh, okay. yeah, but yeah. I just like I barely vaguely remember it but I own it so I must have like enjoyed it to a certain extent
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what there's a podcast coming out in a couple of days that has a lot of recommendations
0: yeah.
4: <laughs> about about every title <laughs> every
3: title yep.
0: oh that's gonna be beautiful I'm sure you guys <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they mention a lot of a lot of things that I'm not thinking of.
3: Yeah, right we'll now. see. We'll see. We'll see if there's any that uh, you enjoy. I definitely will say, based on what you said about your taste in comedy, I can think of a couple that you definitely would not enjoy. So <laughs> 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 they came up <sighs> on the show. All right. Well, thank you again so much for coming. And I love listening to your podcast. And it's great after all these years to actually talk to you. Yes, so, definitely. Yeah
0: honestly no this is like i like honestly i can't thank you guys enough like this has been an experience of a lifetime like i i <laughs> i can't i'm gonna gush i'm gonna try not to gush but i'm probably gonna gush just a little bit like thank you guys both for being like so accommodating to my very like difficult to navigate schedule oh, and, not aware. oh no problem I
4: just,
0: I just can't believe i'm here like right now talking to you guys <laughs> like we like talk a little bit on like social media and stuff like that and just like here and there but like this is like insane like i've listened to you guys for years and it just feels so surreal to me like thank you both so much this is such an amazing opportunity
3: oh well absolutely and you know what um we'll do it proper next time even though this was fantastic and we thank you for contributing to the episode we kind of put you on the spot here where you were you had to kind of uh be in the spotlight and uh come up with answers to all of our my dumb questions so what we'll do next time is we'll find something that we've all seen together and we can discuss it. And it'll be a lot of fun, but I, I look forward to having you back. So thank you so much for accommodating our weird schedule because I, I basically said, can you podcast today? Essentially what I texted you. So <laughs> uh, we appreciate that. And yes, um, we want to tell people, check out Shani's podcast Horror movie weekly and check her out on Instagram at strawberry what tell me again what it is i'm blanking sorry strawberry crush creations
0: yes my instagram is strawberry crush creations
3: and you're on twitter at shanny dreadful
0: yes per- the ch
3: okay and we are going to put links to all of these in the show notes what other things online do you want people to check out
0: Let's see. Um, well, if the listeners are curious, if where they can find more of me, as you said, I am at Horror Movie Weekly, alongside Mr. Watson, who is best known for his work on Horror Corridor, at Horror Corridor, that is a tongue twister, and the Watsy no. Horror Party Horror Show, and one who some of you already may be familiar with, Horror Movie Podcasts' former co-host. The one who keyed the infamous and slightly controversial term pig headed horror. Oh, we had to.
3: So now that's the kind of thing that'll get you uninvited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: That's the only way the listeners are going to know who I'm talking about right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that's of funny. course, it is Jay of the Dead. Yeah, um, yeah. You can find us over on Horror Movie Weekly, one badass horror podcast. Every Sunday we do release a new episode where we review the more recent horror films that are released in theaters, on VOD or released anytime within the last five years. We are a tantalizing trio, three late night horror hosts, and we would love to invite you all to listen to the Midnight Bowling of Horror Podcasts. You can catch us on any platform where you fulfill your podcast listening needs, but you can also find us over at com, where I invite you to comment and leave a voicemail and talk horror with us. You can also find us on Twitter at horror underscore weekly and that is my spiel. That is all I have for social media.
3: You know, Mm -hmm. I... I Jay to me is the person who more than any other human being, I just have this weird podcast connection with where we don't really get along in real life, but for some reason, as podcasters, we have this weird chemistry that I podcast chemistry that I just have never really experienced. with anybody. I think he's one of the greatest to ever do it. So um, yeah. I think he's a great host over there. I think I um, Mr. Watson, his work on horror corridor is like, next level i can't even when i listen to that show i can't even comprehend how he formulated those ideas that he he's so articulate yes. and well-spoken. and i love him also just you know knowing him as i know you just a little bit through social media mm-hmm. and having heard you on the dead as hell and resurrection of zombie 7 from time to time i'm loving hearing the three of you together are a fantastic team and I just really love the work that you're doing over there. So congratulations on that. Thank yeah, you definitely. so
0: much. Honestly, mm-hmm. like thank you like, all so
3: much. <laughs> thanks again. Make sure you check out Shani's podcast. Also go to the show notes at horror We'll have all of her links there in the show notes and you can find her and please follow her and check out what she's doing. She's a great person and a great help to what we're trying to accomplish here. So thanks again, Shani. All right, thank you so
1: much to Shani Dreadful for that conversation and review of Prevenge. We appreciate that. Uh, Obviously, I apologize for not being there, but it was recorded at a later date, so uh, from when we're recording this. But thank you to Shani for doing that. And now we are going to go into our feature reviews. First up, Hell Baby. You're not just a little nervous in this house. Hey, there's not
2: one thing to be afraid of in this house.
3: (laughs) What are you doing out there? You can't move into the Maison de Sang and not raise a few eyebrows. Maison de Sang? What
4: Man. does it mean?
1: House <laughs> of Blood.
3: Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. This place has
1: a nickname already. What is going on right now?
5: This house has had a strange effect on my wife.
4: Yes, darling.
5: And I think she might be possessed by a demon, so I'm a little stressed out. <laughs>
2: People that think that the devil is made up like Santa Claus, but I assure you, the devil is real.
3: Yikes. Okay, Hell Baby is a 2013 film. It's directed by Robert ben Garant and Thomas Lennon, who are the creative masterminds behind such films as Night of the Museum. But they also uh, they come from... The State was where I first saw them. Oh, MTV I remember series. The State, man. I love mm-hmm. that show. I was obsessed with The State. I love, hey, love, love hey, that Hey, show. Wolfman,
1: Wolfman, $240 with a puddin'. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
3: and then they went on to create Reno 911. They're tangentially related to the folks who do like what Waha American Summer. Uh, but Thomas Lennon is also a horror fan. You might remember that he wrote and starred in um, the tiny terror reboot of puppet master recently. Hmm. And here they are playing priests who come to new Orleans from the Vatican in order to investigate some strange goings on with a pregnant woman played by Leslie Bibb and her husband, Rob Cordry, who have just moved into a terrifying house um, known as the House of Blood by the locals. <laughs> the various the things. various
1: names. They're all horrific. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and uh, this film also features Michael Ian Black, their oft collaborator, as well as a hilarious part by Keegan-Michael Key and some very funny police officers played by Ron Hubel and Paul Scheer. Uh, it's a great cast. It's a stupid movie, but I don't know why but i just absolutely love hell baby even though it's objectively a bad movie i love 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 this movie it's so funny to me what did you think joel i want to throw it to you even though this is my feature review because i know you just saw it for the first time yes what did you think of hell baby well and
1: i I thought it was funny because wolfman said okay i'm gonna review hell baby Joel, you have to see this movie. I feel like this is a movie you would enjoy, <laughs> and I don't know. And honestly, I don't know how to take that after seeing Hell Baby, <laughs> but I will say I can confirm you were correct in your assessment. Ah uh, yes, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. I would say, if I have any sort of like negative thing, it's yeah. the, it's the simple fact that. I think I would have... This movie would be so much more even enjoyable with a crowd or at least, like, a few friends. Like, I think it would be... Do it, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it was funny. Like, and I had... But the problem was I had to watch it on my phone, A, which always sucks, you know, having to do that. But yeah. B... I had, I was like, I would watch it in kind of like spits and spurts, like while watching my kids. And the problem with my kids is they're at that age with anything I laugh at, they run over to see what it is. And let's just say in this movie, there are several moments you do not want that to happen. And (laughs) 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 I had to like stifle it. So it's like, I was really enjoying it. And you know, the thing that jumped out at me about this movie that I love so much, I'm a huge fan of like Naked Gun, Hot Shots, you know, Fouls of Police Squad, like any of that kind of like mad magazine, goofy, just parody type humor. I love it when it's done well airplane obviously but there were so many movies in that i feel like it was in the what the 2000s the early 2000s where we got what was it, a date movie an epic movie it all this just god yeah. awful like they were not funny like i didn't think Scary movie two to me was funnier than the Scary movie, but I didn't think the scary movies were that funny. That yeah, they were okay. They had their yeah. moments, but
3: the one that dealt with signs. I think that was the one I liked. Of the only one I actually liked out of all the scary movies. Yeah, I haven't but. seen
1: them all, but the, what, mainly I love Chris Elliott. So him and the Scream two was just I mean, Scott not Scream two, sorry, brain fart. <laughs> scary movie two. Um, <laughs> yeah. that that you know, I so I thought that was funny, and there's funny elements to it. But compared to those like epic movies... you know, you know the ones I'm talking about, right? You yeah, guys, they're there was, terrible, dude. Terrible. They were. Like they were literally you're watching it going, "Okay, there's got to be something funny in here. But this movie could have so easily have been that had they tried to glom on to whatever the pop culture reference of the moment was. But it doesn't do that. It takes these more universal horror ideas and conceits and just turns them on their head. And it's almost like a series. It's got an overarching story, but it's almost like these little vignettes almost like of just these moments, which again is why it kind of reminded me on some weird level of those, except it's actually funny. That's the difference. Yeah.
3: Well, and part of it is rather than having generic teen casts, they've got like some of the greatest, oh, like yes. indie comedy people living right now. Yes, so. oh, and, and just like the joke about the po
1: boy. I mean, that is a joke oh, that could have easily. Know,
3: that was the best scene in the movie. <laughs> but that's
1: what I'm saying. Like it could have so been overdone, gone, and it really. This movie is a primo example for anybody that loves comedy, you know, let alone horror comedy. That of, of like the difference between timing, not just of your. Talent on screen, like they have to have great timing, but timing of editing and I think just yeah. it's such a it's like such a craft to know how to do that well, and it's just like this movie works and it and on it could have so easily like you said it's a bad movie I don't think so I think it's a dumb movie right it's like it's it's goofy silly yeah. just well silly narratively, movie it's not like super well constructed like but I don't you think know, it like, needed to be like I think I read something that Thomas Lennon said that he he kind of didn't want it to have a point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which i thought was genius i there was just there's so many great jokes and i mean and, and i'm sorry but like personally my favorite character in it was fresnel key, like when, oh he, when he just shows up and like comes into the window <laughs> it is so funny oh my god dude i thought if i was gonna like wet key my pants Peele, if you're a key and peel yes, and i am this is like top level keegan michael Key. yeah like the, the best bits he's ever done like the substitute teacher kind of thing <laughs> in key appeal that is this level uh, in this movie he is so good
3: yeah, he's super funny. And, and Michael Ian Black is only in it for I, oh, yeah, a short he,
1: oh, period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're wearing shorts, I'll say. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but man, I love Michael Ian Black. He's, oh, he's great, great this, too. I really yeah. love Rob Hubel. And I think him and Paul Shearer are really funny. Yes. The yes, they're very
1: funny, too. And I love the way it all kind of comes together there.
3: I trust him. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of Leslie Bibb. Rob Corddry is always good. I do think Thomas Lennon and... Uh, Robert ben Giron are probably the worst parts of the movie in terms of their characters or maybe the least interesting element, at least in the first half. They are good at the end when like everything starts coming to a head. Yes. But like at the beginning, they don't quite seem to fit into the narrative. And I, guess, I think that's part of like some of the narrative problems I had with the movie in that portion and there's an old lady element oh my god that part is so funny dude that doesn't totally work (laughs) but it's so funny it is funny and uh there's there's a ricky lindholm segment also that doesn't totally make sense yeah yeah but 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 i guess we get to see another side
1: of her that i wasn't expecting back back to my point about why you don't want your kids to come running over
3: (laughs) yeah right but yeah if you like dumb comedy horror I think this is, I think it's so enjoyable. It, it really is. It is so stupid. It's like a, this to me is the absolute definition of an unrepentant pleasure. <laughs> an
1: unrepentant <laughs> pleasure. Exactly. Yes. it's Exactly what this movie is. It, it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's just a or silly. Or as Dave one.
3: would say, a not so guilty pleasure.
1: There you go. There because you, go.
3: you can take the boy out of Catholicism, but you can't take the Catholicism out of the boy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: which I feel like I could go somewhere with that joke that I just won't go um oh, man. But, but, oh boy but but uh, but Dr. Shock have you ever seen hell baby I have not Oh I and think you would like I it very much want to I think you would like it dude It's yeah It's a silly movie It's, it's so super silly. stupid I mean it's, it's cool. It go in knowing You're like getting like Hot Shots almost level Just dumb comedy But it just oh, nice. but, but it's not like it, Where like a Hot Shots Is kind of like So overdone You know what I mean Like the jokes are
3: so Like over the top It's not mm-hmm. quite like that All the time There are a few moments Like that but this it has a lot of that Arrested Development era Anti-comedy Like Will Ferrell Kind of anti-comedy Yeah kind of like that okay. too yeah if you're familiar with Reno 911 the series mm-hmm. that these guys did on Comedy Central yes. It, it, yes. if you're yep. familiar with uh, David Wayne's work who's also in this movie who did like Wet Hot American Summer it's it's like if those guys made a horror movie because that's exactly what it is it's like those guys made a horror
1: movie yes so. that's a very yeah. good way of putting it yep
3: cool yeah. anyway so. um, I'm glad that Joel took over my future review because I was <laughs> I was actually way more interested to hear what you were going <laughs> to think about it than what I had to yeah. say I it, really
1: liked
4: it a but- lot yeah. No,
3: but basically, I mean, just to give the basics of the plot, like we we already kind of did, but Leslie Bibb is the one who's impregnated, and she, she seems to be being taken over by this demonic force that's growing within her. And it's not just the pregnancy part. This baby is birthed, and it is a rapscallion. I mean, this baby <laughs> 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 he goes hog wild. Oh my God. Hello. Rapscallion. That's a good way of describing it. But yeah, there's some dumb jokes. There's a lot of dumb jokes, but man, it just made me laugh so hard. And I'm so embarrassed that I laughed so hard, but I it just, I just could not stop laughing at this movie. A uh,
1: quick question. Uh, uh, you haven't happened to find a box of vintage pornography. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh
3: Uh, so Um, funny uh joel i don't know if you want to rate this one with me i I do i would love to hear your rating i am gonna go i'll go first i give this one a six out of ten but it is a high priority recommendation you can see it for free on it's on imdb tv if you want to catch it there um i think it might be even free on amazon prime as well it was on
1: i have the amc plus app i have it for uh uh walking dead purposes okay and so they had it on there but i think it's only available for like another week as we record this is what it says. okay so.
3: as i'm looking at this it is it's on amazon prime currently it's on crackle voodoo okay. and tubi for free so oh, okay. cool even if you have none of the services you can even just go to imdb and watch it with ads so
1: yeah so yeah. so you're ready for my rating and i actually wrote this down i'm actually surprised yours was so low i gave it an eight
3: I love that you gave it an A. But this is more your type of movie, I think. It really so is. Great. Yeah,
1: it really is. So yeah, I give it <laughs> A. I highly recommend it. It's yeah. yeah, it is definitely not a movie you want to be watching with the kiddo, kiddos around. I will, t- I
3: will tell no, you that. Not. No, definitely
1: not. Yeah, but it's so funny, man. Oh, no, it's great. Dude,
3: I'm so glad you liked it. I yeah. don't know why I was so invested in you liking this movie, but I was.
1: <laughs> well, I am happy to report, good sir. Thank you for yeah. the recommendation. I loved it.
3: Um, our listeners weren't quite as high on it as we have been. <laughs> <laughs> I am I'm shocked. looking at, as I'm looking it over most of them well about half of them gave it in the six range um Mark dark Mark gave it a seven okay and um uh, most and then the other half gave it in the five range and your good friend Nathan toll he said this one had a lot of potential
1: <laughs> oh come on Nathan
3: th- Thomas Lennon and Bengot from the state are comedy gods yes they are I really love the scenes with Rob Corddry and Keegan-Michael Key but unfortunately the film kind of grinds to a halt every time Lennon and Garan appear which I agree with that actually as much as I usually love these two guys their chain-smoking Vatican exorcist <laughs> characters just aren't that amusing I kind of agree with that but they really helped the ending yes so, they
1: did yeah they yeah. really did
3: and I I guess like looking back at it
1: yeah I mean I felt like you know I guess what it was too, maybe a lot of the jokes related to them were kind of just obvious whereas some of the other characters were so kind of unique to what they were within the situation. You, you yeah. didn't really know what to expect next. So whereas theirs, it was sort of like what you would expect from those characters being that way in this kind of movie. Uh, what, what did Nathan give it as an actual rating, though? I'm curious. He gave it a five. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, you know, and here's the thing is, I ain't, I ain't mad at anybody who feels like they didn't like it. Like, I would get that. Like, if, somebody, if, if Dave comes back and goes, yeah, that was really dumb, man. <laughs> Why'd you make me waste an hour and a half of my life? I'd be like, yeah, yeah. no, okay. I hear you. But for <laughs> me, this is an eight. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, though Yeah, it really was. All right, then. So that is our feature review, uh, kind of uh, Wolfman's. (laughs) Kind (laughs) of. Of Hellbaby. Now, let us go to my feature review for It's Alive (laughs) 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 from 1974. The Davises have had a baby, but
4: they're not sending out any announcements. Most new parents are a little scared when they have a baby. The Davises are terrified. You see, there's only one thing wrong with the Davis baby. It's alive. It's alive. Don't see it alone. Please. rated PG.
1: Okay. It's Alive from 1974. A movie that only in the Gilman's world could He feel like he was so aware of it for so long, including all of the sequels, yet never watched it and felt this deep, profound shame. (laughs) <laughs> right. for never having done so uh, because I always wanted to see this movie I had a book um, called the look of horror it's like this coffee table book that I got like around 1990 91 had it for years and years and years all the way through my high school years and it, it was just you know it was kind of fluff I mean well, it didn't go in depth or anything but it I seem to remember it had an image of the baby uh, in it and uh, I ended up cut to the long story very short i ended up finding it at a i had lost it years ago and then found a copy of it at this really old uh used bookstores in daytona beach like about three years ago um and i was like i, I was like clicking my heels i was so excited that i found that book but my point being is i was always aware of this movie i remember seeing uh, something about uh um, island of the alive which is the third one like when it, around the time it came out in the like 87 i think is when it came out um so i was always aware of it and i never saw it so i presented this as an opportunity i was like oh my god i've got to cover it's alive and now having seen it i am happy to report much like hell baby i am very happy i did so so have either of you seen it's alive
3: yes i've seen it's alive okay i saw it like in the 90s but i don't okay it a long time remember nothing about it okay
1: so it was written and directed by larry cohen and i i'm sure i don't have to educate either of you let alone anybody in the audience on who larry yeah. cohen was uh right uh, r.i.p passed away in 2019 but you know director of things like god told me to uh the ambulance you remember that one from 1990 i actually like that movie oh, I with uh, yeah, eric roberts
3: I, I, you guys were just talking about that recently on uh terror on the tube yeah when you did your um what was it? What one was it? It was the one with the tractor oh,
1: killdozer killdozer.
3: <laughs> yeah. And that made me want to rewatch it. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm interested in checking that out again.
1: Yeah. But I mean, you know, he did things he wrote like maniac cop. I mean, the, the list goes on and on uh, Q, the wing serpent, the, st- the stuff, of the course. stuff, of course. Yeah. And so, and, and much in the vein of the stuff, because having watched it's alive and being aware of his, I think, tendency to be satirical in a lot of his work, mm-hmm. it's alive, I think is definitely met to be a work of satire and it's obviously dealing with at the time especially i think there's a lot of discussion about like you know lead in the paint and the the smog in the air and what's the environment doing to the children it's you know when uh, abortion you know had just been legalized in in recent memory at that point uh you you had the pill what you know been more and more prevalent and so there's all of these things that under the the system as it was set up at the time, I think a lot of people were kind of afraid of. They didn't know what the outcomes of all these things were going to be, especially on the children, right? So uh, you have this movie that he makes. uh, The the premise on, according to IMDb, is The Davies Expect a Baby, which turns out to be a monster with a nasty habit of killing when it's scared. And it's easily scared. All right, you know, I don't know who wrote that, but good on you. I like that. They did a good job with that one. I usually mock people who write the synopses for these things but i like that they did it that way they ended it with and it's yeah. easily scared so it stars john ryan who i would have bet money was vic morrow i would have bet money that that was vic morrow <laughs> does he not look like vic morrow yes a little bit like at least a yeah. little bit yeah oh my god like so. i saw the trailer for it i was like oh vic morrow's in this and then i started i was like that's not vic morrow <laughs> so uh yeah uh, sharon farrell who uh, i know best from night of the comet uh, she was uh, Doris, the stepmother to Reg and Sam uh, in Night of the Comedy. She's not in it very long, but she's in it. Um, also a movie that Peter and Daryl love. God help their souls. Can't buy me love. Uh, she was in that as well. I'll, I'll mention that even though I don't really want to. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, it, it it's a feels like a a sort of drive in esque kind of horror movie of its time. And it's got that kind of, you know, early to mid seventies grittiness to it to some degree. Um, And I will tell you having, you know, sat through the whole thing. Now it does have some slow moments. Cause the other thing that really surprised me about it, it's a PG horror movie, which I don't know if either of you remember how it starts, but that operating room scene or rather the, I guess the birthing scene, um, I mean, it's pretty bloody.
2: (laughs) You know what? But it's it's after the fact that you see it. You don't actually see the violence. It's more of the suspense of that that's built with the music and running down the hall and, and everything that that makes that scene as effective as it is. You don't actually see the violence. You see the aftermath. Yes. And that happens quite quite often in this film. Yes, it is. Yeah, there's you a know, lot of that. You're not necessarily seeing the violence up front. You're seeing more the aftermath of the violence.
1: Yeah, and, and I think, you know, this is the year before Jaws comes out, which obviously also got a PG. Um, I'm sure if, if PG-13 had been in existence this time, it would have definitely gotten that. But uh, the thing about it that really surprised me, besides just... After, you know, having watched the movie and gotten, you know, a movie that I'd always wanted to see, I kind of built up in my head, was in
2: the credits, music by Bernard Herrmann. Yes, that's the amazing thing. This actually played as part of a double feature with Citizen Kane. Really? And it was to wow. highlight the music of Bernard Herrmann. That is a hell
1: of a double feature. Oh, yes. <laughs> but the other thing that jumped out at me, makeup, Rick Baker. This is an yeah. early Rick Baker Mm mm-hmm effects piece which is really cool so the thing is, is that what I love about the movie is it gets right into it for the most part. I mean, you get some set up with the, the family and it has that quality that a lot of movies from this era, whether they were directed by Friedkin, like in The Exorcist, I'm reminded of like when Reagan and her mom are talking, like how it feels so natural, like it just feels almost like the actors are improv you know what I mean? Like It just has that real, honest, natural vibe to it. There are moments in this movie, especially from John Ryan, the lead, where it feels like that, it, like with his son, there's just this playfulness and it, it felt very naturalistic, which I think is great because on paper, this idea is just nuts and absurd and ridiculous. <laughs> so it, it, because it has that sort of naturalistic element to the
2: acting. And I, and again, I thought John Ryan was fantastic. I, I, he did a great job. I thought I, you know, because you see his character going through this, these range of emotions, you know, yes. he, the, the joy of becoming a father yeah. to what happens when his world falls apart. And, he he gets to the point where he just despises the baby the more violence and everything and he even goes to the cops i want to be the one to kill it i mean you know i want to be the one to take it out as if that's going to somehow atone yeah um you know for what for what the the, the baby had done i mean it's it's um yeah, it's a great performance it really is well
1: and and then not only does he have those those very variations to his performance when he gets to the end i don't want to give anything away but his reaction in sort yes. of the climax, it's actually heartbreaking. Like, I actually felt emotion <laughs> for what was happening in that moment that and again, on paper, the, the the movie is kind of absurd. And especially when you really think about how it plays out. Now, the one thing where it does go a little bit at the very beginning, and it's like, if you get past this point, I feel like you can just enjoy the heck out of the whole movie, which is. I feel like everyone accepted very quickly that a, a newborn baby had slaughtered all these people. Yes,
2: <laughs> that, that, yeah, right, but so the baby did that you yeah know, it's, it's like yeah, well it's really, I, yeah exactly. there's no like
1: oh because i with i thought at first what they were leading up to is that obviously someone broke into the room stole the baby and slaughtered everybody except for the mother and and escaped and the mother's delirious she's saying something happened with the baby but she's obviously out of her mind i thought it was gonna do that but it literally like i don't even i thought i missed something where there was some sort of evidence Be, it seemed like the only evidence they could point to was the only way it could have escaped the only way someone could escape was through this tiny like air vent and no grown man could fit through it. <laughs> 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 and I remember thinking, "Really?" Like, "Really?" So so other than that aspect where you know, again, that it, it stretches credulity a little bit. I mean, it, but it, it, at the end of the day, it's about a newborn that's killing people. So we'll we'll go with it. So you, do, the other thing I thought was brilliant, if they don't show the baby that much and they don't do it in like, and, and Wolfman can back me up on this, in the snow beast kind of way. <laughs> 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 where, where it's annoying that they show like nothing. Right. Um, but it's. Just flashes. And so when they do show and it's something about the way that Baker, apparently he, I guess, used his wife to mold the body. And uh, from what I understood in just a little bit, the trivia read, uh, Larry Cohen had pitched it to him, which, by the way, apparently Larry Cohen called Rick Baker while Rick Baker was, I guess, at Dick Smith's place, helping Dick Smith work on the effects for The Exorcist. that's when he called him to talk to about which makes sense right 73 74 I mean yeah right around that time it's just kind of like knowing what we know and as much as we love the history of all this stuff like to think about like that call at that moment and what was happening and what they were working on and how that would go on to like change the face of movies and horror you know what I mean it's it's so cool to think of like the connections but um, but so Baker apparently I guess Cohen rather showed Baker this like sketch where he wanted to do it as like a cross between like the star child from the end of 2001 a space odyssey and a wolf (laughs) And wow that, that's what he wanted the, the head
2: to look like <laughs> so and it funny. and it and it does but you're right you only catch quick glimpses of it but the ones you catch dude they, they work yeah they they work it's creepy it's yes, like a really
1: much. creepy looking baby and it's like i keep thinking about something like, how is this scary it's a freaking baby man it's not scary but it was scary and it was and, 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 yeah i i will say like this is i i contemplated like oh maybe i can show this to my at least my older sons you know like my, my one son's 14 the other one's 30 i'm like nah dude they'll be in my room with nightmares like I think this is like <laughs> seriously I think they would freak out. Like it's a creepy right, yeah. movie. I I think there'll be some people that you know cuz it is it's slower paced. It's it's of its era, but I really enjoyed the heck out of it. Like I I thought It's Alive was an effective like low budget uh um uh, horror film that was of its time that's you know it's got that it kind of like that that messaging to it that a lot of films of that era did um where they kind of took Things that were in the in the air, metaphorically speaking, and, and literally, quite honestly, in the, in the zeitgeist, as it were, where people were just talking about these things all the time, and used those fears that they had, people had collectively as you know the fuel for the story. So, and
2: it was Cohen, um, basically, almost taking on like a Hitchcock type role of building suspense. Yes, with a lot of these scenes, and you don't usually think of Larry Cohen as a, a director of subtleties no, or a director. You do not. You know, <laughs> But in this one, he was. And, and with, with a subject like this, that's an amazing. It, um, it was
1: restrained.
2: Uh, it, was it was very, very amazing restraint. Yeah, yeah. That, that he showed with this, plus the score and the performance of John Ryan. There's a lot to really admire about the movie and, and the work of Rick Baker, which, which you, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Have you seen the sequels? I have not. Okay. I'll be honest, I have not seen any of the sequels. I've only ever seen the first one. Yeah, they're they're both available
1: uh, to rent on Amazon. Okay. I know that. Um, so I definitely want to get them. I know th- I think there's a box set of this, which I would actually like to get. I would love to have all these. I'm sure there is. Yeah. Yeah. They, shocking to learn. I know Wolfman will be flabbergasted to find out that it turns out that I really love evil baby movies. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this might be in your wheelhouse. <laughs> a little bit. A yeah. little bit. So, yeah, for me, this movie, uh, I would give a solid like 7.5 absolutely recommend it um it, it's a lot of fun. it's it's fun like i said there are a couple slower parts again it's it's, it's deliberately paced let's say at times um and there's a, a maybe a few moments that you know it's like okay you know let's let's get back to the killer baby um <laughs> but uh but yeah it, it mainly it the thing that really holds it together is john ryan like you know i mean sharon farrell is is great as his wife and all that but but he's really just he has this like pathos that i i, I mean i'm the the fact that that dude showed up to work on this movie and just like gave it his all i mean kudos
2: absolutely <laughs> yeah and he did give it his all he did he, did. he really, really did it.
1: so uh that is it's alive from 1974 Nice. and
3: now need to revisit that one
1: yeah you absolutely should i think you i think you'll i think you'll enjoy it revisiting it all right so our feature review now from one doc shock demon seed from 1977
5: touch your body as a man touch you but I'm I'm going to show you things which human eyes have never seen. In the privacy of a woman's room, against her will, the inconceivable act. Julie Christie carries the demon seed. Fear for her. Today, a new dimension has
4: been added to the computer. Don't be alarmed, Mrs. Harris. I am Proteus. Today, Proteus
0: 4 will begin to think with a power that will make obsolete the human
5: brain. It has to be shut down, Alex. Proteus, it is something more than human, more than a computer. It is a murderously intelligent, sensually self-programmed non-being. Julie Christie. Victim of the ultimate terror. Fritz Weaver as her husband. His dream created it.
3: How can you expect me to sleep when you have
1: succeeded in totally terrorizing me? You not told me what you want.
5: What a pity. Pretty...
4: My dream. Turns out to be your nightmare. My child shall live as a man among others. Child? Yes.
2: My child and yours. Right now, Demon Seed is a movie that uh, Wolfman Joshua, a while back. I was um, uh, looking for uh, cinematic oddities, and uh, Wolfman had uh, recommended two films to me, both of which fit. Uh, one of them was Roar, that early eighties. Um, nice. Was it? I, I guess uh, the 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 house with a uh, hundred lions and tigers and <laughs> yeah. wild animals and. That is a crazy movie. <laughs> it is insane. Uh, and uh, the other one was Demon Seed, which I just now had gotten to for the first time. Uh, just a little bit of a background on the film, Demon Seed. It was directed uh, by Donald Camel. Uh, I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. C-A-M-M-E-L-L. Um, and it's from 1977. It's about, I'll just give you the, the synopsis here. Dr. Alex Harris, played by Fritz Weaver, who a lot of people might remember from Creepshow. He was in the segment The Crate from Creepshow. He developed a program called The Proteus. It is the most advanced program ever devised. An artificial intelligence so powerful that it actually develops a cure for leukemia in a matter of days. They just give it the the, uh, issue of leukemia. The computer runs through some processes and boom, it, it comes up with a cure for leukemia in a matter of days. Well, the people who have money in this, the investors are really chomping at the bit. They really want to get Proteus out there to, uh, on the financial market to sort of help them, you know, strike it rich. Uh, but Proteus isn't interested in that. He doesn't want to help anybody uh, make money. He has something else in mind. He has only one thing he wants to do. He wants to procreate. And he has chosen Dr. Harris's estranged wife, Susan, played by the great Julie Christie, to be the mother of his child. So what What Proteus does what, is he downloads himself into Joshua, which is the Harris's computerized home system. It helps them, you know, with the cooking and answering the door and things like that. Proteus locks Susan in the house, informs her of his plan. And, uh, you know, she tries to escape. She does everything she can to get out of there. But then Proteus starts to get a little evil. You know, he's always a step ahead of her. There's this robotic arm and and a wheelchair that it uses to sort of uh, keep her in line and then move things. Actually gets her tied to a table at one point <laughs> and lets her know that it will do anything, even commit murder, to get what it wants, and that is to have a child. Probably one of the creepiest early scenes in this is when Proteus is talking to Dr. Harris. Proteus asks a question. I, I, he says, Dr. Hess, I have a question for you. Yes, when will I be allowed out of this box? Yeah. And you think, whoa, that's a little creepy for a computer to be asking. Uh, and they even have like this sort of dramatic uh, echo effect um, when, when, it, when it asks the question. I mean, they, they sort of emphasize it. Julie Christie is one of my favorite actresses, and, and, and she's known more for her, her non-genre uh, roles, although she was in what Don't Look Now, the, the amazing um, uh, Don't look now yeah. uh, with Donald Sutherland. Um, she did sci-fi. She was in Fahrenheit. Uh, was it four five one? That the, the Trofeo film, and she was in a very bizarre monster movie from two thousand one called Was it No Such Thing? I want to say is what it was called.
3: Oh, did I, I think I missed that? I'd like to see that.
2: Yeah, that's a very bizarre monster movie. It's not. I wouldn't say it's horror, but it's a genre type of film, and um, definitely has some horror elements in it. Uh, star Sarah Polly. Okay, uh, she's in the. uh, Catherine Hardwick's werewolf movie, Red Riding Hood, from 2011 also. Oh, yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. Okay, cool. Well, anyway, what, what's really... And, and the voice of the computer is Robert Vaughn. The voice of Proteus is uh, Robert Vaughn. But you, at the opening of the movie, you get, a, you get the idea that... Um, Uh, You know, Dr. Harris and his wife are having issues. He's leaving. He's going away for a a few months. Uh, He says he's, you know, going to leave her alone they're separating. It's a trial separation. And it's right when that happens that, um, you know, Proteus, uh, they try, uh, I guess, taking him offline at one point or, you know, Dr. Harris is like, no, you can't do, you know, you're here. You're for us. You've got to work for these people. You're working for them. That's why you were created. Um, and he wants to download, he goes, I found an open terminal and that's all he says. And then the next thing you know, he is in the Harris household and he's holding Julie Christie hostage and doing some pretty terrible things to her. I mean, cuts her clothes off at one time, he's inspecting her and he takes some cel- cell samples to, uh, formulate some, uh, spermazoa, I guess is, is how they put it in this, <laughs> in this film to impregnate her. Uh, but it is going to be Proteus's child. It is going to be the child of Proteus. And he says, even if I can never get out, my child will feel the sun on its face. But it's really evil in the way it does it. Garrett Graham, who has been in quite a few genres, movies in in uh, Child's Play 2. Um, he was, of course, in Phantom of the Paradise. But I always think of him as Jeff from Used Cars. That's why oh, whenever I see Garrett Graham, I think Jeff from Used Cars. He plays uh, a... Uh, a programmer in this. He actually comes over to the house at one point when Julie Christie finally, you know, gets a line up. saying, I'm having some problems with the system before she knows what's going on. Before she knows the Proteus has invaded the system, just, Hey, I'm having some issues here and he's going to come over and he gets pulled into this nightmare, uh, that, uh, that Julie Christie is experiencing. It's a bizarre movie. When you hear that premise, you're thinking comedy or very sort of campy horror movie. It's played straight up. I mean, they play this straight for horror, and it can get a little goofy at times. I think the very last scene might be the goofiest, <laughs> but I thought it was effective. I actually did. I thought, wow, this is really a a cool movie, and I'm into it. And I'm into this this sort of give and take. And this is, you know. You think of like uh, AI, and, and so like Stanley Kubrick in uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey sort of uh, showed us some of the dangers, some of the pitfalls with artificial intelligence with HAL 9000. But HAL 9000 was a little paranoid. Proteus is straight up evil. I mean, I you get the feeling that this is like a, a, an evil being. And um, I, I think it has a line at one point, I would kill 200 children if it meant my child would see... You know, And it's approaching it with the coldness of a computer, yet knowing the effect it will have on the humans that it's relaying this information to. So there's a manipulation there. The Proteus, I think, is what really, for me, made this as strong a movie as it was. I mean, you really see that this is just, and you don't know how it's ever going to be defeated, you know, other than pulling the plug and That doesn't work. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. It, it sounds campy. It sounds like it could make a great comedy, but it is a straight up horror movie. I would give this probably an eight out of ten.
3: Yeah, it's a great movie. I love it. And um I probably I could see giving it an eight out of ten. I was gonna commend the 7.5 range, but I love Julie Christie and she's great in this film it's a weird creepy concept it's a great it's it's so interesting watching a film like this where it just feels like so ahead of its time technologically you know you're like wow like that looks like a gopro (laughs) you know this is like a alexa you know surrey it just it seems so far ahead of its time but then you think well this is after 2001. This is after Star Trek. So these ideas were out there, but it's, it is kind of interesting to see yeah. a home run on a, something like Alexa and that basically can trap you in your home. I mean, it is like that kind of science goes too far idea yeah, in a right. way. And it's just interesting in the context of the world we're living in now. But yeah, I like it a lot as well. Yeah. I, I would call this a rental recommendation for sure. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, thank you for that feature review of demon seed. We'll now go into our final feature review for The Unborn from 1991.
3: Technology of in vitro pregnancy has progressed so rapidly that today almost anything is possible. I'm going to be a
4: reporter. They wanted it more than anything. Myerling really is the best. His success rate with infertility is close to 100%.
3: They thought it was impossible. Your case is trickier than some, but I don't anticipate any difficulty. Shh. <sighs>
4: Dr. Marling gave me these pills. Don't take them. Stop fighting it. I don't trust him. Let it happen. He's not an ordinary
1: doctor. We'll take care of you.
4: A geneticist with a vision.
1: There's this thing growing inside of me. This is not my baby. I don't know what it is, but it is not mine. They're eating us alive!
4: The Unborn. Having a baby can be a scream.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The Unborn. Oh, my God. So, The Unborn, from 1991, according to IMDb, is about a couple struggling to conceive. They visit a miracle doctor as a last hope for having a child. The wife gets pregnant, but after the initial joy comes horror, as she slowly discovers the nightmarish truth behind the doctor's success. Now, this movie was directed by Rodman Flender. And the two main movies he did, besides this one, that I know of were Idle Hands and... Leprechaun 2, I think. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Leprechaun 2. Yeah. He did that too. It was two movies after this one. Did a lot of TV, a lot of TV stuff. Um, this movie stars Brooke Adams as in, it's in 1978 invasion of the body snatchers, Brooke Adams. And it stars uh, Jeff Henga and a certain uh, return of the living dead part one and two. Star James Karen is also in this movie. He plays the doctor. <sighs> this movie plays like I'd say three fourths of it plays like a somewhat bad taste lifetime movie and the good kind of lifetime movies. You know, the ones I'm talking about those like early 90s, very late 80s, you know, kind of. <laughs> Psychosexual thriller type lifetime movies am i the only one here sure. that appreciates those on any level is that hello yeah, okay definitely. yeah, yeah. Uh, i i enjoy those i'm not going to lie to you i enjoy <laughs> i enjoy them they tend to be trashy and they tend to be fun okay so i'm just gonna lay it out there i'm not talking about like the modern day ones i've watched and eh, they're not they don't work for me but you know, like the ones where like the, the the killer cheerleader kind of movies or the like the, the like the the step sister it's like obviously supposed to be like a rip off of the stepfather there was one (laughs) with uh valerie harper called the people across the lake or something like that from the early night you know just those kind of movies i'm just unaware of them i need to check them out yeah yeah i don't know it's It's like if you think of like demented hallmark movies it's kind of what they're like (laughs) but demented so they're enjoyable um
2: and so the unborn honestly feels like that. Like, I didn't know there were any other type of hallmark movie. Yeah, I, I, I knew didn't. you were going to say that. Um, <laughs> but I couldn't. I couldn't let any hallmark. I couldn't let a hallmark reference go. Without. I
1: know. I, I, I was like. I was like throwing the line out there for you. and I was hoping you would take it. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's. It is. It's not a great movie. Like if I go by the Wolfman standard, like you'd rate this like a four point five out of out of ten. Okay. Right. Which in fact I believe is actually what it's rated on <laughs> DB right now. Okay, but. How can I put this? Like, you know, when a movie like goes places that you're like your mouth's kind of hanging open. Like, how do you go from a lifetime movie to exploding babies? Oh man! <laughs> and I'm not talking about like implied. I'm talking like full on screen exploding. <laughs> like, it is so nuts. It, it just, like the last twenty minutes of this movie. It's totally worth the price of admission for me. I it, it was just. I, I don't even know, but but on top of all that, so it has that early '90s look that I know a lot of people hate. I like, okay, it's like nostalgia. It just does something for me. I enjoy it. So it's got that look. It's got everybody's got that that like they they they've they're just stepped out of like a Paul Abdul video or something. It just has that sort of vibe, and it's that got the funniest way to describe <laughs> the '90s look I've ever heard. <laughs> and on top of that, you get, and I'm talking early in the careers. Kathy Griffin plays like this kind of weird hippie uh like uh lamaze coach okay so you got kathy griffin and young lisa kudrow playing the receptionist of james karen it's a doctor character so and it's like and it's so funny because of her mannerisms she's so phoebe <laughs> and the way she's reacting to everything. But she's say like, her hair's brown and she doesn't, you know, it's obviously a few years before she'd ever do friends. So it was just kind of funny to see her kind of playing Phoebe in this very small part in this movie that would be three years before she became famous. And so you had all that going for it but then it just it goes off the rails like so the basic gist of this is the the woman played by Brooke Adams she uh wants to she can't have a baby she's had multiple miscarriages she's had all this tra- tragedy and James Karen is telling her he's got the procedure for her that he guarantees She'll be pregnant, okay? And so you bring your husband in. You know, they hand him the cup, send him into a room. If you get my drift, and uh, you know, so he provides the the seed, so to speak. And James Karen, you know, I guess, does his thing with it. And we never get to like a full insight into what that thing is. But as it turns out, there may or may not be some shenanigans going on with a genetic code and whatnot. And in fact, you know, keep in mind this is 1991. They bring up things like the human genome, which. If I'm not mistaken, it's that's pretty early to be you know talking about a lot of that stuff. Um, but but it's really trying to, I think, deal with a lot of the fears probably at that time of where is medical science going to go, um, you know, I- as far as like how it's going to affect, you know, the choices you can make about the genetics of your children and all of these kinds of things. And it turns out that she's not the only person that is part of this program. There are multiple people and some of them have even had Children that are now like a couple years older, um, and and just some of the things that happen. I mean, I I even I, it's like I don't want to give any too much away because I feel like you have to kind of see it to believe it. <laughs> but but I mean everything from like stabbing pregnant stomachs to like young dead kids floating in bathtubs to like Eesh. oh dude it's yeah i mean I'm like because it doesn't it was so funny as you started wow. and it feels like a lifetime movie so you're like oh okay yeah I, I get the vibe of this thing but then you're just like it'll suddenly show yourself like oh my god <laughs> what, what just happened <laughs> so yeah if you if any if you enjoy lifetime movies if you enjoy sort of like bad taste <laughs> i feel like you will really dig this movie so, okay. so I don't know why it worked for me. Oddly enough, did not really work for my wife. <laughs> she was, she actually, she liked the first two thirds of it or so. She's like, yeah, cause you know, she kind of likes those kind of cheesy lifetime movies too. She's like, oh yeah, I kind of dig in this. But about the, the point where a character is going to behind an illegal, because uh, uh, let's just say third trimester abortion is dealt with. Um, uh, and he goes to literally a back alley and you hear this creepy cross between a baby crying and a cat like screeching meowing coming from a dumpster. I think (laughs) she was not as into it as I was. Um, So, I don't know if I'm selling this movie at all, but I will tell you, I kind of liked The Unborn. from To a
3: certain segment of the population, you've sold it
1: very well. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like, but you know what's weird is like in an odd way, it's really tasteless. But for me, it never like crossed that line to be repugnant. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a really gross subject matter they're dealing with at times. But for some reason, I think because it has that campy sort of over-the-top quality that like a lot lifetime movies have that it just never quite feels real (laughs) ever and and just when you see the baby it's amazing like in that sort of i don't know munchies special effect (laughs) meets ghoulies kind of way i mean it's just it's (laughs) it's (laughs) tremendous it it, it really just it's breathtaking so
3: ashley barely ashley is going to be
1: watching this weekend (laughs) you know what I could totally see her digging this movie. Yes, yes. If if you have, if you can get what I'm saying about like a tasteless lifetime movie. If you can say lifetime movie meets exploding babies, the unborn from 1991 is for you. Oh <laughs> my co who's speechless? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty confident this is probably the only rave review this movie's ever gotten <laughs> probably <laughs> on yeah. any media ever ever i just have a feeling i could be wrong but i have a feeling
3: i'm not gonna say it's not on my list because you've you've really sold it i just think of the you know three or four other movies that i've been meaning to get to that we've <laughs> talked about today this is probably the bottom of that list I would but- i would say knowing you I feel like that's
1: probably for the best, because <laughs> okay. I think you're probably going to be more pissed than happy <laughs> <with me laughs> after watching it. Just a feeling. <laughs> Although um, Broncado and Ferris, the writers, they did uh, the game, the David Fincher movie, which I think is highly underrated. And I oh, love that. That's movie.
3: one of my all time favorite yeah. movies. Yeah. And, and look, and I
1: know it's cheesy, but they did it like he, they did the movie The Net with uh, Sandra okay. Bullock that from is Be- cheesy, yeah. it is cheesy but I remember I remember you know it for its time I mean I think it yeah. worked um so I mean you know it's it, it, they also did watchers 2 which I'm also a fan of so <laughs> take it for what it's worth
3: you know um I should have mentioned this when Dave was doing his demon Seed review but that's based on a Dean Koontz novel in case anyone was curious oh okay
1: that. I thought that title sounded familiar within the context of a book and I couldn't remember why okay yeah. Now that you say that, that's very cool. Yeah. The
3: screenwriters have done some recognizable work too. Like they wrote motel hell, I believe. Oh, Oh yeah. Right. I didn't realize Excellent. that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely say, Josh, you, you probably do not want to prioritize the unborn. That's, um, and honestly, even Dave, I feel like Dave, you'd be annoyed. I, I don't think, cause I don't think you'll, I, I obviously whatever's broken inside of me <laughs> that makes me enjoy <laughs> certain things that All I can't. Right. Even. It's like, you know, like you see something, you know, like everybody around you is going to hate, but you kind of love. And it's like that feeling like, you know, I know everybody will probably hate this movie, but uh, I liked it. So there it is. So yes. I
2: am going to watch it eventually. I'm too. I'll probably give it
1: a chance. Yeah. So I would definitely say I think right now it's you have to pay to rent it. And I would say don't do that. For you guys, especially <laughs> if, if you're someone like okay. me or I don't want to throw barely Ashley under the bus with me, but but barely Ashley was uh, I would say it might be worth a couple bucks rental. So I definitely think it's worth a rental. Definitely re- recommend um, if there's ever like a special edition you know, like, like uh, Scream Factory or, or Arrow or somebody puts it out with like a bunch of features. I'm totally buying it. But again, it'll just be me and like three other people. So. Barely
3: Ashley is a mother. So I'm curious. I Although there have been myriad reasons to have a woman on this episode, I would have loved to have had a mother rating for each of these films. Oh, like,
1: that'd be great. It's
3: enjoyable oh, yeah. as a horror fan. But if you're a mother, can you it's watch this two. movie? It's right, a two.
1: Right. Yeah, because I think that was the thing is I think for my wife, because she watched pretty much all hell baby she didn't watch with me but it's alive uh she liked actually she liked it's alive she was shocked because i showed her the trailer for it's alive and she gave me this look like really (laughs) because the trailer does not don't watch the trailer for it's alive it's way too long and it doesn't do the movie service Uh, (laughs) um but then she watched the movie she's like wow that was actually good and uh and it was funny because we watched the unborn the night before and again she loved it up until the last 20 something minutes and she's like yeah exploding babies really not my thing (laughs) (laughs) so but yeah i would give the unborn a a solid seven because i'm a complete idiot and i would say it's highly recommended if you're broken and twisted like me nice love it all right so that wraps up our feature reviews and we have one more special delivery and interview with the writer of the fantastic anything for jackson one mr keith
3: cooper enjoy okay at this point in the show we are joined by keith cooper keith is the writer of one of our favorite films of last year anything for jackson keith welcome to horror movie podcast
5: oh thank you so much for having me this is uh this is great
3: yeah we're we're very glad to have you on we were all big fans of the film now looking over your filmography i know you probably get this question a lot but i'm gonna flip it on you okay um i see that you were a digital artist that you were you worked on films like the fountain superman returns poseidon silent hill across the
5: universe yeah silent hill that was a cool one actually it was a lot of fun
3: so what, how, how did you transition then from visual effects and, and that kind of work into
5: writing? It was a very strange transition for sure. Um, I mean, I actually got into animation thinking that I wanted to be an animator. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. you don't realize until you're 3,000 hours into school that you hate drawing this many pictures <laughs> and that you actually just want to be a storyteller. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'd already paid the money. So now I got to stick with this until it's at least paid off um so i was an animator and i actually did really enjoy it uh it, there was a lot of great things obviously you know as you you mentioned some of those movies um you know just being able to that was my first experience seeing you know my name in the credits and everything that, long after everybody's left the theater uh and i thought man i should try and get my name like earlier that would be cool <laughs> um uh because yeah you know i mean your parents if they cared about you would stick around um but they you know they don't so that's okay and um so i did a bunch of visual effects for movies. Um, I got to work on very cool projects and then I, I actually ended up working, um, I, I always had done some, uh, kind of comedy on the sides, um, of a up and things like that. And i I'd, I'd been working with some other standups just as animators as well, a strange crossover. Um, uh, my good friend, Derek. And, uh, so we'd, we'd kind of just, you know, I'd, I'd had this film equipment, um, and I said, we should just go film ourselves being stupid idiots doing stupid sketches, and, you know, it was just basically it was like anybody just goes and plays, you know, pick up hockey on the weekend or uh, I'm not sure where you guys are in, in the States. I assume you play pick up football on the weekends.
1: We I'm in Florida. <laughs> um, I'm in Florida, Keith. So we do pick up uh, alligator wrestling.
5: Right. All right okay, <laughs> hold on. Because you said you're from Florida. I saw a sign there that said you can't it's illegal to molest alligators. What does that mean? Well, you have to buy him a drink. Um, okay,
1: and, and then you have to, like, you know, you're not sure
5: that, that says permission. That just says no, no. You know, I'm, 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 just, I'm, giving, I'm
1: just giving you the rule. Look, it's Florida, I, I can't make okay. excuses for what the state, uh, but yeah, no, that's a I have seen that sign as well. Wow. That is a real sign, yeah. Crazy. yeah,
5: yeah. I want to know what happened to make that sign a pop uh, like have to happen, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, are so
2: anyways, hey. a lawsuit or something
5: in there <laughs> <laughs> somebody who was a real stickler saying that the alligator was cool with it <laughs> um so uh anyway yes uh we were filming these sketches uh just on our free time and weekends and things like that and then out of the blue uh we got an email um from will ferrell and adam mckay's uh company funny or die um, and they, they offered us a position with them just to kind of, you know, be exclusive to them. So naturally we, we took that and, uh, we did that for about seven years and they were amazing. Adam McKay, uh, was probably the nicest person in the industry who's ever, you know, uh, would talk to me. I, you know, I had no credentials, so, uh, he gave me incredible advice and that actually led to, um, uh, us almost doing a movie with them. Uh, I'd written a movie and they were going to start doing low budget movies uh unfortunately it didn't quite pan out they they just you know they'd kind of gone down i think they'd looked at the business model and it just wasn't wasn't best you know obviously adam, uh, you know, will ferrell and adam mckay were making i think he went on to make a couple oscar movies so i guess that was slightly better than making my low budget comedy <laughs> was this around the time when they did
3: Casa de mi padre and stuff like that
5: exactly exactly that was that was kind of around then um and you know uh, it didn't star Will Ferrell, so obviously my draw power was not a lot in that movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, that sort of led me down this weird path where I, I'd written a bunch of really crude sketches. And we, got a, a, we had a TV show up here in Canada for a little while, a really small one um, that aired super late at night because it was too vulgar for any other time. And um, it was great. And somehow that led to me writing family movies. I, I really couldn't tell you the connection. I think it, seemed, it seems I'd, like a I'd natural transition. Yeah, it's a natural yeah. transition. Yeah. Like I was, I, every day I kept thinking the second they see any of my work at Funny or Die, I'm going to get fired. Um, <laughs> uh, but I got lucky and, and it just never happened. So I ended up making all these uh, the first movie that I worked with, with the director, same director as anything for Jackson with Justin and I. Um, that was how we met on this movie called Monkey in the Middle. And because of my comedy background, they actually wanted me to act in it uh and so i don't know if any of you worked with monkeys but i got bit 11 times on that <laughs> movie wow it was a nightmare yeah it was I, I, uh, I
2: hear nightmares about like um uh with Clint eastwood and uh clyde from uh, right the, uh,
5: anything uh, any it, which way it, but loose yeah.
1: and any which way you can yeah.
5: yeah 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 i mean i was i was so i mean you can imagine any of us right you get so i was so excited to work with a monkey i was like this is gonna be awesome i had you know, dreams of being best friends with this monkey. And going, I just <laughs> <bit> the absolute f*** that at me so many times. He just constantly would attack me. And uh, so, yeah, that just, anyway, that, that led to a bunch more family movies. And so Justin and I just kept working together. The whole time we wanted to make our own uh, kind of horror movies, or, you know, at least in within those genres, or at least, you know, movies that we were passionate about. Um, but we ended up just kind of getting this great day job that that ended up being kids and family and Christmas movies. And the upside was that it paid us, and that was great, um, and gave us experience on set. Uh, that's a and, very you know, big
3: upside. The, the yeah, absolutely. You
5: know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, that's just it. I was going to write movies for myself regardless. I it was that or you know working at a car wash or something, right? Because I'm clearly not trained to do anything else. And so it w- it just became this great day job where we got a lot of experience. And, uh, the good news is, you know, they, they were well received. So they kept asking for more. Um, so we just kept making more and more of those kinds of movies. And eventually we said, okay, well, I don't know about you, but I've, I've told this story 30 times. I think I've got it out of me now. I think I know how to, I think Christmas, I think I've told the Christmas story enough from the single woman's perspective coming home. Um, (laughs) Uh, and so anyway, so we'd kind of set out and said, let's, let's go make the, you know, a horror movie that we actually want to make. And luckily we met up with Vortex studios, a small company here in Toronto. They were awesome. Like literally the pitch was a five minute pitch. Um, we'd walked in there and, you know, with Justin and I are very thorough and we had this whole plan and I was going to say this, he was going to say that. And then we would show them our, our lookbook that we created and convince them that they should just let us make this movie. And uh, thankfully we met with uh, a lovely guy named Bill Marks. And uh, he was like, oh, what's, your, what's your idea? And so we kind of gave him the pitch about, you know, the old people kidnapped this, uh, you know, lady to steal her baby and put their grand, dead grandson in. And he goes, love it. Can you guys shoot in five weeks? And we were like, sure. And he was like, awesome. If you can do it for $250,000 and you guys can film in five weeks, it's yours. Let's go. Oh, wow. Is that what you we like, did it for? It was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow! Yeah, Holy fifteen whoa. days. Yeah. Dude, every penny is, is on
1: the screen. That's impressive. Yes. Holy moly! I mean, yeah. Oh
5: yeah. No, I, I, Justin and I certainly aren't rich um, <laughs> off this movie. Uh, but that's fine. We knew what we were doing, right? We 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 knew that we just wanted to do this, and and that's not Vortex's fault. That's what they had to offer. Oh, for you sure. Know? That was, and so we we're grateful. So it was uh, it was fantastic. In fact, I think there was. Uh, the tiniest amount of money, just you know, for each and I, for Justin and I set aside, and we both ended up spending it. Um, I don't know how spoilery we're going, but uh, uh, there is the one scene with um, the the creature that they first call the the yeah. Sir God. And, uh, so that mask, we just, we just ran out of makeup effects budget money. And so I was like, okay, so I, I'd, I'd found it and I paid for it. And so it just sits in my, my office now. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then to make the, the flossing ghost scene great and get that real tink on the floor, uh, Justin had to put, uh, hardwood over his carpet in his bedroom. Cause that was where we filmed that scene. Um, so he just, you know, would finish shooting and go home and install hardwood flooring, uh, until the, until <laughs> we got to his house. Um, so yeah, it was a trip, but it was, it was fantastic. It was incredible. Every second of it was incredible.
1: I, I just have to jump in here and say, there is no way you could have put a revolver to my head and I would have never thought and that this movie looks, the budget seems exponentially higher Yeah, yeah. based on
5: what Thank I you. saw. Yeah, I, know, I mean, that, that sincerely, uh, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, we, are, we are lucky. That's yeah, a people run, have said
3: sure. no. It's it's low budget. Guess guess what it is. I I would have never gone below like one to three million. at, yeah, at exactly. least, at least dude, me three too. to five. Yeah, yeah at least. for sure. Yeah. I would have guessed. It, I would have guessed it was five to ten. Honestly, yeah. if you would have told me. Well, if you guys had that extra budget, I'm happy to <laughs> yeah. spread it around <laughs> to everybody
5: who made this movie. So well, uh, maybe.
3: Just, so did your visual effects background then come in handy? Because you do have a few like moments that um, well, you here, know, were. Pretty difficult to pull off on such a limited budget.
5: So, there that was that was an interesting thing where, uh, obviously, you know, I mean, it, when you can bring a skill set into a movie, that's a bonus. And so, Vortex was like, Oh, well, that's great. You, you have this great background in visual effects. So, and then Justin and I both said, We don't want any visual effects. We don't want any, it's all practical. We want all practical. It just feels scarier. I've been a lifelong horror fan, I'm a horror yeah. freak. Um, and I just don't personally like CG mm-hmm. in, um, mm-hmm right there with you right there with your brother <laughs> yeah
2: bef- before
3: we go on I do want to say and you, you touched on this if people have not seen anything from Jackson please don't listen further because I would love to get into some details yes and um you know mm-hmm. if you heard our last episode it made all three of our top 10 lists of last year it's streaming currently on shutter in the at least in the United States uh, you mm-hmm. use our free promo code you can watch it for free at HMP at shutter when signing up Go watch this movie, then come back to the interview because uh, I, I do want to speak a little bit more in depth. But so the ghost, the gigantic ghost, was practical.
5: All practical. Wow. Holy yep. crap! Yeah, wow. yeah. I don't want to take away from the CG that was done. We had a great uh, uh, guy named I think it was James um, did some incredible VFX for us, but a lot of it was you know, so now that we've said that, you know, Hey, don't listen. Cause definitely don't listen to what I'm about to say. Um, the snowblower, um, yeah. was something that I, I knew I wanted and I, I, designed it like quickly. And Justin and I had talked about exactly what to do. So Justin and I had spent three or four days in his backyard with his snowblower, just figuring out what will chunk up nicely out of it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, if I can make any recommendations or any advice to, uh, people out there making their first horror movie don't try to figure out how to make brains and blood on the same day that you're having your daughter's uh birthday party Um, (laughs) because we really did coat the yard in like this you know red frozen slush Um, but justin is very smart he's a very clever man he ran into his house and he came back with a bunch of blue dye and so we just put that over the snow. So it looked like we were painting in the snow. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> that pretty good. That's yeah. awesome. In the end, you know, I, I, I don't think we fooled anyone, but, you know, I think that we at least had an excuse.
1: So was the was the one uh, the one ghost, spirit, demon, whatever it was, was that a contortionist? The, yes. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. incredible. Troy
5: James, that, he's insane. He's that's the incredible. nicest, sweetest man in the world. That's
1: incredible.
5: Yeah. Yeah. That guy is phenomenal. The stuff he can do is crazy. Um, yeah. But what I about was, the truck?
3: Wasn't saying. there like a three story ghost? <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, there was yeah. a
2: yeah. big one in there
5: yeah that was uh we our uh, our producer uh evan um had a friend who's uh, a did incredible kind of a stilts worker so he does like all these incredible work on stilts and he can be really tall Amazing. Um, so yeah it was phenomenal it worked out really well
3: that's so cool and that's probably why it looks so good yeah. because it was practical yeah.
5: yeah yeah well and you know i mean i, I always feel bad for the actors when they they have to act to a tennis ball you know i mean the amount of times that i'd be on set And, you know, for other bigger movies and and you're watching these actors try to shoot laser beams at a tennis ball from their fake eyes and you're like, this looks... This can't be easy. Like, it's, just, <laughs> it's not fun for them. Yeah. Um. And, you know, I mean, she was so great that you don't want to take away from that. I, and so, yeah, I think that was that was always the goal was let's let's do as much practically as we can.
3: So just going back to that initial pitch, because I have to admit, when I first read like the log line on Shudder, I was like, oh, eh, this doesn't really sound sure. like something I want to watch as the movie revealed itself to me. I was just continually surprised throughout the entire viewing process. The you know the it, it just keeps shifting and shifting and shifting, and each time it does, it's revealing new information that's completely taking me off guard. Where th- the direction I thought it was going, um, can you talk a little bit about the structure? Was it always? In t- I guess you had such a short time to to make. Had you already written it by at the time you pitched it, or?
5: Um, I, I wrote the first draft, uh, probably, uh, maybe a month or two beforehand. Um, so
3: you're working extremely quickly.
5: Yeah. Yeah. We Can you talk rewrites, about the structure the and kind and of how you
3: imagined revealing, you know, the story
5: for sure? Yeah. 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 So it was, um, in the beginning when we first started writing it, um, uh, when I started writing it, it was, uh, we were going to tell it from, from Becker's point of view, you know, it was going to be hmm. her story. Yeah. um and you know she uh, Henry and Audrey were just our our bad guys but i i think i talked to justin you know and i i i called him after i wrote about 10 pages and i was like dude i was like this would be so much better from their point of view and so he was like yeah that sounds great so you know just go with that and at that point it just became this different movie because you know i mean, really uh, one thing that justin and i are both big fans of is okay well what else could we do um yeah. so you know when we talk about things like okay it's going to be backwards movie okay well what could we do instead of that what can we do? It, it actually started, the whole movie started with, why would you not just leave your house if it was haunted, you know? And that hmm. was sort of the first thing that we wanted to do, because that's, that's obviously the first question that comes to my mind is just get the <laughs> out of your house, you know, like nobody's, <laughs> you know, Jesus, you know, but yeah. if it's your grandkid, you know, I'm, I'm not scared of a grandkid. I mean, you know, for starters, just a kid. Um, but second of all, you know, like it's, that's your, your family. So you want it back. Right. And so then that's, that's the, the motive to stay in the house and even when the other crazy ghosts starts come after them um you know you'll notice like the tall ghost there it, that it was really important justin um really wanted to lay it out so that you know audrey is running upstairs toward jackson to save him she's gonna you yeah. know she's blocking him and everything so not only are you not leaving the house you need to protect you know what you're trying to pull off here um yeah, I'm Dave, to say,
3: did, do you want to ask the questions you were talking about with kind of in that
2: vein of, of yeah,
5: Dave, it was your favorite movie so please it was <laughs> it was it was my number one
2: <laughs> my number one movie of of the year um and i got to see like a hundred films and no no movie it just wasn't this one gave me an experience unlike all of the other ones and i guess what i was thinking one of the things i want to ask is is with the characters i really one of the th- uh Probably the 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 most interesting aspect of the film for me was the fact that you have these this this elderly couple, and it's set up awesome in that in that opening scene that was shot brilliantly that long take of the two of them sort of sitting there, and you're just sort of waiting for something to happen, and then they bring in this other person, um you know this pregnant woman, you feel empathy for the two, uh, el- for the elderly couple you feel empathy for the pregnant woman. So you have these three together that you're, you're sort of rooting for all of them at the same time, which I thought was, which I loved about it. But then something happens. And again, I don't know how much we're going to get into spoilers here. We do want everyone to see the movie. Obviously you start to realize, wow, this couple were sort of, they're naive um, Mm -hmm. with what they're conjuring up here and with what's going on. And then this other character who you sort of looked at as, the geek he's almost like the right. horror fan in the group right. right that nobody's really paying any attention to till you find out he's the he's the smartest guy in the room right, there's all right. of this all of these nuances to these mm-hmm. characters and you worked in such a short period of time I mean is this something you had planned out how much did the actors bring to this did they sort of develop this or was this all laid out in the script uh, beforehand is
5: this exactly what you had in mind Well, obviously, you know, these actors, you've seen the movie, they're incredible. So uh, they they obviously have their own ideas and things like that. But they were very good and they they really did stick to it. Um, You know, everything was in mind, but you, you don't know what you're... I mean, I think for um julian had come to me and and justin and he had said you know hey i want to play it where he's just this cold kind of i pictured henry being a little warmer um Mm -hmm. and but when i saw the way julian did it i was like wow that's so much better he really is like a doctor just everything was cold and calculated right and so yeah just i mean it's impossible to to try and you know it's it's so nice that i I can take credit and say like oh wow it was so great um but you know truthfully yeah obviously the actors bring it's it's a group effort um everybody everybody does everything but as far as like the dialogue and things nothing was really changed
2: oh that's interesting very cool and then and such a short period of time because it really is the nuances of the characters i think that drew me in. of course i love the the wtf moments too i mean in this movie is packed with them this movie has them from like once things start getting roll get rolling even from the beginning with with the little boy that that little mm. the little boy and and then you realize who the little boy is right, right. up to you were saying the wood chipper the police woman <laughs> all of these things are just like whoa so it just i was i was never more engrossed in a film in 2020 than i was in this movie with what was going on and and i love that about it so you have the characters you have those wtf moments and it all comes together perfectly i i just i absolutely loved it oh thank you so much
3: well there, there are those nice character turns because yeah. There's that first moment where you're like, oh, okay, well, they're at least doing this for a good reason, right? but you're still not, at least I wasn't completely on board with them. It's just kind of more amusing in like a sightseers kind of way where you're like, well, these are right. despicable people, but you know, I'm enjoying watching what they're doing. But then there's, right. there's layer after layer peeled away. And it was really when Julian's or Henry's, you know, character kind of reveals why he's doing it that mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, wow this has yeah. so much more heart than I gave this right. credit for this entire right. time. And it was, it was, I just rewatched it again, uh, before speaking with you. And I just thought, man, this it felt so different the second time watching it, knowing where, you know, Henry was coming from. And ah, yeah, I don't know. That was great. Just impre- really. I just love all those, all of those little turns that the characters make in the film.
5: Kind of touching on what you'd said before about, you know, whether, you know, it's, it, it, it goes back to, uh, you know where you say like i i don't agree with what you're doing but i i understand it you know it's like i don't i wouldn't do it but i, I get how you got to this place yeah. um and then uh, you know justin and i a big thing was just you know this entitlement too right of these old people just yeah. feeling like they could just take this from this one like it's so disgusting but you know it, it's it, as a writer it's so easy to make make you feel bad right like i can just give you know uh, make a puppy die that'll make you cry and then it's it's forced emotion right but if i can make you feel bad for two people that are you know kidnapping a woman and trying to steal their kid then that's 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 fun for me is to you know that's that's a challenge
1: yeah it just it felt very human like it just there's there's a humanity to the characters and and you feel it and one of the things that when originally i think wolfman you were the first one to see this if I remember correctly yeah and you because you reviewed it on the show and at the time I had seen, you know, I see when i go through Shutter, I'd seen the thing. I was like, oh yeah, put that on my queue. I'll catch that. And then when you reviewed it, one of the things that came out, especially now Keith understanding your background with comedy, we had discussed the fact that the way Wolfman, when you first talked about it, he talked about how there was a there seemed to be this almost like he could have at times slipped into it being funny. Like I remember him saying like, you know, and, and I, and I, mean, I it actually is really funny. A lot dark, yeah. Point. Like a dark. Yeah. yeah. Like the gallows humor kind of way. There
2: are part, yeah, absolutely. There are, but I just
3: imagined if it were, if it we're cast differently, like I, and I mentioned Will yeah, Ferrell, sure. oddly enough, I didn't know you, you about your background at the time. I was thinking like yeah because I had just seen downhill I think is what it was but I was like yeah okay. if this was Will Ferrell and Julie Louis Dreyfus I'd be laughing right. this entire time despite it being so dark. Yes. Right. But the what the actors that are in it are so interesting because it just keeps you teetering on that line of like ugh, ugh, how do I feel about this? Was the was
1: there an intention to have some element of humor, no matter how sort of bleak and dark it may be, <laughs> do you even see it? I mean, are you like, no, I mean, to, to, to us, it was, you know, such a a, a dark, disturbing concept. There was never intended to be humor. I'd say it's, it's a
5: little bit of both. Um, I mean, I think I write levity into everything. I, I think that's important for a movie to have some levity. Um, I actually just finished watching The Dark and The Wicked, and I loved it. But it it that that wouldn't work for me because I wouldn't be able to you know I, it's just so dark <laughs> you know I mean yeah. they gave it to me in the title so I shouldn't be surprised <laughs> and I really enjoyed it but that for me I had to be in that mood to watch that movie because I knew that it was bleak you know so uh, um, but it's it is a great movie um, and we just we Justin and I were both big on just feeling real you know like it was we we weren't setting up punchlines um, but you know, old people trying to figure out technology is, you know, there's, there's comedy there. And, um, you know, I always go back to, uh, Fargo with, uh, the scene where, you know, she's got the the sack on her head and she starts running out of the house to get away. And she's bashing into everything. And Steve Buscemi's character is laughing. It's like, it's funny because we're just watching it. We're spectators. But if you're like, that would really happen. Like you would try to just run away. So I think the, the comedy is just in the everyday life. I hope, um i hope you know we didn't we we certainly weren't trying to set up let's get a big laugh right here
1: yeah no it was never funny like laugh out loud funny to me but that what the, right. Co- the coen brothers example is actually perfect and fargo in particular because that's the vibe i'm talking about that sort of
4: right you know right, right.
1: that dark humor that's there but it, you could also take it the other way like <laughs> you could just see right. it as being a horrific Absolutely. situation yeah
3: yeah well yeah. i mean but ian for example is the you know, by far the darkest character in the film, but he also is kind of hilarious at the end when he's kind of going around telling them
5: what to do and like, I
3: don't know. <laughs> yes. Just, His impatience. So yeah. Exactly.
5: Yeah. Well, and that's, <laughs> and that probably comes from Josh. Uh, credits. He's honestly, he's hilarious. Um, like yeah. in between tape, he's, he's so funny. So it was such a, it is weird when I watch him in that movie, I'm like, that's not Josh at all. Like, you know, but it's uh but he's just that good um that he could he could also be dark but i'm sure it does come across you know and you're right his impatience is uh his, he makes so many funny little noises in the movie that i didn't pick up on until we were in the mix um a couple of them we actually had to take out because he would just mutter things under his breath like even the the thing in the library um when they're doing the the seance meeting and mm-hmm. she's you know it's just a throwaway line right like she's just like hey did everybody have a good week and you're just you know the, i think i i certainly can't take credit for it it's just supposed to say yeah hey good week you know just yeah. nonsense to get a, I had a horrible week or whatever yeah <laughs> so he kept saying it under his breath he's like I had a horrible week atlanta <laughs>
3: you
5: know i was like it was so funny <laughs> um so uh, i think we we chose kind of the the least uh, crazy, but it's still it's great. It's so uh, yeah, I was I loved everything that uh, that Josh did
2: and and, the, and that, that was where sort of it, it, For me again going back to the characters. I mean when you see him in the library, nobody takes him seriously When they're having the seance, you're taking these other characters more seriously. Then he comes in at the end and you have that. I like that you had that scene in his house with his Mm -hmm. mother screaming up the stairs. So dark. Because that it is dark and that adds to that character. And then when he gets there um, to the house and he's interacting with this couple, all of a sudden you see him completely differently it's like a complete 180 from where he was before um you're thinking okay this is just some sort of schlub he's he's sort of you know into it but he's not you know you don't know you don't really know how much you don't know much about him and then when you find out you find out something about the woman who was running it when she makes that call that i don't really Mm -hmm. believe in this stuff and then you find out something about him that was just that's the thing that's what i'm talking about with these characters you just they're constantly surprising you. That's what I really enjoyed about the movie and his him, especially now with that book, the inspiration for that book, is that a real book or is that like a straight up sort of Lovecraftian concoction or?
5: Yeah, we had a really great art department. Uh, certainly not something we should have been able to afford. And uh, so speaking of things that are in my house, that's still here. Um, so I got to keep <laughs> oh, the book. That's cool. Cool. Um, very cool. Yeah. So it was very cool. Uh, great artist, Daniel. Um, I'm blanking on his last name, but uh, yeah, he created this thing. Uh, all the drawings inside, I actually did. Uh, oh, the, that's the great. That's awesome. Yeah, I was. Yeah, it was you know again. You got no money, so Justin right. was like, "Go, go draw the <laughs> Satan book. We got to get this done." Um, but the idea was uh, was to kind of create this book that was you know thousands of years old. And I notice in movies, you see these books, and it's like, well, wait a minute, that's like it's got like a. a a leather bound spiral like you know <laughs> like how did that happen? you know so we, we we did some research and actually originally i know the artist uh i know daniel was like looking at kind of wood for the um the covers and things because there's all these really old books um mm-hmm. that are in wood and he came to us with these beautiful ideas and we said well what can you do for about 45 cents and he said, I can do plaster. So we said, that sounds great. Um, and so, uh, yeah, unfortunately his his overall vision didn't work, um, but I think it still looks great. I, I actually oh, thought yeah. the prop worked out well. So yeah, it, Absolutely. Was, it was great.
1: So, so was was the idea for the book like is based on anything in particular?
5: No, not really. Like, just the idea. Uh, Justin actually had a, a big long thought on this with the 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 lore of the creatures. You know, these creatures have always existed because I, I you never know. You know, it's always in Latin and things like that. And you're like, well, why did why is that the era that got it right? It just seems <laughs> weird. Um, That's true. So we we'd examined all of the the religious versions of these, right? Like the same way that the Greek you know uh, Greek mythology uses Zeus but Christianity says God right like it's the same thing that they're talking about um, so we wanted to kind of look into all the versions so um, uh, for the uh, for instance for the very end so boy I really hope you're you, you've spoiled this at this point um, uh, Vance that is the creature that actually comes out um, and it's it's in about three or four different religions. Um, that we looked into with vanth and there's a brother that goes with it it starts with H and I'm'm I'm dr- I'm blanking on the name but yeah they're these creatures that guard the gate itself so we kind of wanted to take not from one specific period of time this is supposed to be something that's just been passed down through different times and so you know the, the creatures are always the same but they're called different things or the way they see them are different um, you know that was, that was sort of the idea behind that
3: you mentioned that the uh, Julian's performance of Henry kind of surprised you that you hadn't really right. imagined him that way when you wrote the screenplay. What were the other things that the actors or Justin did that really kind of surprised you that you hadn't anticipated when you wrote the screenplay?
5: So the the one thing is is Justin and I were there, you know, we this was this was Justin and I 100% the whole way through.
3: Yeah, it sounds like um, you guys were really working on it like yeah, in tandem the entire time.
5: Absolutely. I would write 10 pages, send them off to Justin while I was writing the next 10 pages and he would just kind of give his notes and things like that. Um, and then same thing. I was there on set every day and we would you know, go back and forth. How can we make this scarier? How can we make it better? Justin is great with with actors. Again, you know, he's had all that experience. So it's it's kind of it's it's weird and people think it's funny. But at the same time, if if he hadn't made all those uh, Christmas and family movies, this movie wouldn't have, have been done as well. So, you know, his organization is, is through the roof, thank God, because mine is not. And um, so I would say as far as surprises go, uh, I think Rory was a lot different than I originally pictured, the snowblower guy, the handyman, hmm. um, but, but not in a bad way. Yannick is incredible as well, and he was just so likable. Like, I genuinely started to feel bad when <laughs> we were watching the scenes. I was like, oh, he's going to die. I feel yeah. so. <laughs> he's, he's such a victim. Yeah, and then as far as honestly, any surprise that I had was just at. at, at I know it's such a, a movie answer, but I really was just surprised at how good everyone was. I'm used to working with my comedian idiot friends, and you know, there's plenty of times where you have to look at the take together and be like, "Okay, so we both see why this is bad. All right, we have to try again."
3: <laughs> yeah, well, and I do want to ask you because you've appeared in uh, some of your work as you've mentioned, mm-hmm. and uh, are you or are you not Kyle Forty Three?
5: I am Kyle 43, yes. (laughs) Yes.
3: So there's a scene where Audrey, she sets up kind of like a Tinder-style dating app on behalf of Becker, and uh, immediately a guy messages her and says, DTF, Um, and uh, that's you.
5: (laughs) That's, that's right awesome. yes <laughs> yeah. that's uh that's that's having no money and they start telling you there's all these rules about actors and stuff and i was like okay but what if i build it into the BFX? genius said, that you can do um so yeah <laughs>
3: that's great that's, that's the best writer cameo i've ever seen <laughs>
1: <laughs> keith as fellow horror movie fans okay sure yes. I, I i i have got to know OK, inquiring minds want to know. I watched a couple interviews with you uh, in preparation for this. You how long have you been a horror fan? I know you say your whole life, but like I was. I you hear you say something like since you were like three years old.
5: Yeah. Yeah. When I was I, I, maybe not three, but I know three or four. Um, I know I was watching TV late at night and um, uh, Carrie came on. Nice. Um, the original. Yeah. I mean, it was so great to start with one of the best. Uh, and that had me hooked. You know, up until then, I didn't know that movies could scare you um so yeah i right after that that was it i just wanted uh, all horror movies so that was that was you know and, and honestly i watched every kind of movie but but horror was what I, I gravitated toward sure we used to have this thing uh city tv and they would show movies so funny enough with carrie you know a complete tangent i i actually don't sleep very well i never have i've only gotten about when i was a kid i used to only sleep about three to four hours a night and then even as an adult i'm only about five hours and so i remember watching carrie but this cool thing about our uh tv thing that showed movies city tv is if you watched it at eight o'clock it was the censored version but if you were up super late at the 5 a.m version it was uncensored so i used to always watch the horror movie at eight and then i would wake up again to watch it again at five Uh, so yeah, it was crazy. So the amount of stuff I saw more of Carrie, you know, at the 5am version was, uh, was pretty great. Jason, that was another one. The first Friday, the 13th blew my mind with that.
1: Yeah. Growing up, what were your favorites? Were you, were you like more of a slasher guy? Were you a creature feature guy?
5: Obviously I think, you know, any horror fan goes through phases, right? And I mean, we all grew up, I think on slashers, you know, that was all the 80s. So those were, those were our go-tos for sure. I was as far as slashers go. I was I was always partial to the one-offs. I loved Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street and, and Halloween, but I loved Sleepaway Camp. Um, you know, I loved. Um, I'm trying to think of some other crazier ones. It, the Blob was a huge one for me. I oh, love the, the Blob, Bob, dude. The ADA yeah. Blob is one of my oh, favorite. movies.
1: I love that movie so much. Right. Oh my gosh.
5: I watch it all the time. It's dude, still good. It I is tell fantastic. People, it, it, it's really funny because you know people we'll say like, well, what makes a good movie? And I, I still believe at my core, you know, I'd love to say it's the writing, uh, but I, I genuinely believe it's the pacing yeah. and, um, I, the, the movies that stand up are paced so perfectly Goonies, Jaws, you know, even the ones that are slow burns, um, they still pace properly, you know, yes. so well. Yep. And the blob is such a great example, um, of just a really well paced movie.
1: It is fantastic. Um,
5: yeah. And so I'm trying to think. I mean, just everything, honestly, I don't think there was anything in the eighties that I didn't see.
1: Yeah. Growing up. Did you ever feel, I mean, we're cause you know, I, I you know, I don't want to speak for everyone here, but I always felt like I wasn't ostracized for my love of horror, but I do remember living with my mo- my dad and my grandmother and I had an entire wall. That was a collage of like cutout pictures from Fango. And, and I do believe the line that was uttered from my grandmother to my father was, I'm pretty sure he's going to be a serial killer. So, yeah, of course, <laughs> <laughs> so Definitely. I, I, I mean, uh, growing up with, uh, did you find that in, cause I mean, I'm just interested with the cultural difference. Like is, you know, in Canada, do you find that that was a similar issue that you had? Oh, no, Oh, for sure
5: everybody around me was terrified um yeah it was, it, it was yeah same thing because that's that's all i did too Fangoria was like the the one you know i was like let's let's go down and then it became rumor when that got when i got older and just things all these great you know magazines that's what we had, right we didn't have the internet so um yeah I, I i did the exact same thing i had all kinds of you know fangoria uh, cutouts um you know Uh, Either I'm like my my uh, binders and stuff for school as well. Um, And because I was a a little, you know, an art kid, I drew. Um, That's all I drew. Just the most horrific thing I had to be I I actually got sent down to the principal office three separate times where I had to see a psychologist uh, (laughs) three times in my public school. Oh. The first one being in kindergarten because I drew a dinosaur eating a whole bunch of people.
1: Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty uh, edgy. Well, it's, 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 it's yeah, it yeah, I've, yeah. Joked, I've joked with my kids. I got three boys and we homeschool and my wife and I used to be teachers. So we, we've just always homeschooled and, and, but I have joked about the fact that, oh my God, the stuff that they do artistically, we would have been, they would have called the cops like, oh yeah,
2: <laughs> so they did. yeah, yeah. Was there something that didn't make the movie that you had thought would be an amazing moment, and it just didn't fit in at the end?
5: Funny enough, about amazing moments, no. We got. I'm very grateful that they all made it in. Everything that I cool. was hoping made it in. Um, a couple of things had to be changed. Um, you know, I know one of the complaints that I have seen. You know, I mean, I read the comments and things about the movie. I wanna, I want, I like getting people's opinions on it um and i also get it too there's a lot of people that hate the ending and that's okay you know it's it's you know that's what i love about movies you know some people love it some people hate it that's fine but one of the big complaints was they they some people didn't like ian because they feel like he was just kind of jammed in and i was like well unfortunately we did have to cut two scenes um just for time um you know and they're just yeah they are ian scenes um, they're not—they're not crazy long, just a bit on the on the length stuff. So, I mean, hopefully, we can get a DVD release and. And, uh, you know, put them put them on there for people to see and yeah. get a bit more Ian. Yeah, um, I love Ian. Yeah, more Ian. I, I, I was the same. Yeah, I, I never understood that completely. Like, oh, he's so stereotypical. I was like, that's because that's the guys I grew up with. I'm terrified <laughs> right. of those guys. That's exactly what they did and what they looked like. I was like, what are you talking about?
1: That's interesting. They said he's stereotypical. I, don't, I kind of felt like he played against what the expectation was about him. I don't, yeah, for me I, I didn't
3: think it was that great either. Yeah, he's yeah, at least yeah. complex, you know. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I remember seeing one review um, from one of our listeners that also said something was kind of stereotypical in the film, and I was just kind of shocked because to me this is one of the most original movies I've ever seen. Like mm-hmm. it just felt everything felt the opposite of what I would normally expect in a movie like this. It's almost so, like it's almost like,
1: like art is subjective.
3: Yeah. No, I I mean, on that note, uh, maybe you can deflate your own ego a little bit and my own expectations for it. What, what were some of the, uh, were there any cinematic influences for this film that really kind of got your, your uh, gears turning that kind of got your mind working on this?
5: um i mean impossible to say that there's no influences right i mean i'm sure, sure the blob influence.
3: Sure, but i couldn't really think of another movie to say it's like that
5: <laughs> you know? no yeah yeah we we certainly weren't trying to emulate anything or or you know uh try to do our version of that um this was just a story that we we came up with and you know it's only actually said they're like you know if you've heard this plot it's because it's ghostbusters too. And I was like, "Is it?" I was like, "I, I don't even remember." <laughs> it. I was like, "Oh wow! The oh
1: the my painting god. in the baby—like, was that the idea? Was that he was going to put the painting in the baby?" <laughs> I guess that—that that is bizarre. I, I, I never remember. thought about that. Oh my <laughs> god, <laughs>
5: that's hilarious! Oh my god, that's you you know, a stretch. That's, just the, and that's that's the age we live in now, right? Is oh, sure. everybody wants to wants to try and find something they can pick apart, and that's okay. Like you know, do it. It's a discussion. So I'm I'd, I'd be doing the same thing. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's funny. So things like that, uh, you know, are, are always, it, it's interesting, but, uh, yeah, influences. I don't know if it even shows that much in this movie. Obviously my influences are, are as far as writers go are, um, Jesus. So tough. Guillermo del Toro is a huge one for me. Isa Lopez is a huge influence. I I'd probably just seen tigers are not afraid before that. And I was like, Ooh, like I just, I, I liked that new influence of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that you could, it doesn't have to just be like she, I, I feel like she did such a good job of mixing real life with ghosts and things like that, which I loved. So for me, that was probably that. And then, you know, the Coen brothers are obviously a huge influence on Justin and I, as far as writers, like, you know, Todd Solins is a huge, uh, influence of yeah. mine. Wow.
3: Yeah.
5: Um, Bobcat Goldthwait. I love Bobcat Goldthwait movies. Um, I don't Ooh. know if you've seen those, but, yeah. um, yes. yeah, yeah. So, you know, those are, those are my influences. Um as far as like you know writing goes we need to talk about Kevin you know those kind of movies those are the kind of things that I gravitate towards yeah. I like I like characters and I like um relationships that's that's really big for me and to as a writer
1: and, and most importantly you like the blob 88
5: <laughs> That's right <laughs> best characters ever <laughs> uh you know really in depth Yes you know that sheriff's just trying to get a date with the diner girl there That's and, right
3: I don't know if your IMDb is accurate, but it says that you're writing and directing your next film. Is that the case?
5: Uh, I will see. Um, that one I had, uh, about a year and a half ago and it ended up being with, um, Lionsgate at one point. Um, so that was really exciting. And as you know, there's a, this tiny little thing. Um, I don't know if you guys got it there. It was, uh, called the pandemic. Not, no, not in
1: Florida, actually in Florida. Okay. I right. <laughs> <laughs> just seem to
5: ignore it. So that was I've heard, I've heard of things. Morning Warren in, in, in Florida. Yeah, well,
1: what it was is they were, they were actually doing a bunch of headlines about the, the don't molest the alligators.
5: So we really, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Um, yeah, so we'll see. That was that was the plan at the time. Obviously, anything I'm grateful that anything Jack, for Jackson has done so well because you know we've had a lot more doors open to us now and a lot more meetings. Uh, the only thing I can comfortably say is there are no more Christmas movies coming. Um, I think I'm, <laughs> about i am enough horror?
2: of those. Wow. Uh, not
5: against Christmas horror. I love Christmas horror movies. So yeah.
2: And if you can see if you can get them on the Hallmark channel because I would love to see it mix <laughs> up a little bit. <laughs>
5: <laughs> if you liked keith cooper and justin dykes you know uh, i don't know what's i don't even know what they're called anymore christmas wedding planner <laughs> you're gonna love
3: Slaughter right. christmas well keith thank you so much for joining us it's been a pleasure oh, to pleasure. talk to you you're welcome back anytime we Absolutely. would love to speak with you more and promote anything you're doing and fantastic huge fans you. of your work so tell people where they can find you online please so that uh, they can follow
5: your work sure i am truly horrible with social media so uh just keith is a jerk on twitter is the easiest way <laughs> <laughs> is, is that really your handle
2: on twitter yeah. that's awesome all right man thank you so much hey no problem yes, thank, you thank you guys Yeah, yes thank you it was awesome yes thank, thank you so very much, much.
1: Thank you so much to Keith for that fantastic interview. We're sure you guys all enjoyed that. Uh, We know we loved talking to him and being all of us being fans of anything for Jackson. It was a real honor. So we really appreciate that. And before we go, we have
3: one other thing we would like to address. Yeah, we want to invite or welcome, I should say, a new member to the HMP team um long time hmp listener joe brunette is going to be helping us out with editing some episodes here occasionally i don't know to what extent yet this is his first episode and it's a bear so yeah this uh, might be
2: his first and last yeah uh. i know so
3: thank you though to joel for doing (laughs) it and and um at least for this episode we'll say (laughs) but i did want to tell our listeners about joe if they aren't aware of him first of all he's just been a long time supporter of the show bought t-shirts his brother sean is also a listener i saw on twitter that sean bought joe an hmp mug so he's all outfitted for the job already he's got the gear and uh one thing i love about joe is he's one of these guys who travels to horror movie locations, and he would always send us his photos of him at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre locations or the birds locations, and oftentimes wearing his horror movie podcast t shirt. So we love to see that representation. We just love that passion for horror films and cinema in general. And um, Joe actually created an app called On Set. Now I've got that on my phone. I don't know if you guys have downloaded it yet, but that's something. You should do today um it's a cool app that helps you find movie locations oh that's amazing yeah that's great and it's it's the tagline for the app is cinema can be experienced on more than just a screen so yeah it's a really cool app for film fans and people who like to do the film tourism thing like i know we do we all enjoy that to some degree i'll
1: drag my kids to the exorcist stairs in georgetown
3: For sure. Well, and I'm living in that area now, technically, soon, I'll be in that area, so I'll have to meet you there. Absolutely. But But I know when you were in Utah, you went to the Halloween 4 locations. And
1: played the Halloween theme song from my phone as I walked down the street in front of those houses, which my family loved, by the way.
3: So we're all nerds, just like <laughs> just like Joe. But check out Onset it is currently available at the Apple App Store, and you can follow them on Instagram at onset underscore app. We just we really appreciate Joe as a listener. We have for years, and so we really appreciate him. He's a professional editor. He went to film school for it, and he's a full time editor. We really appreciate his help. It's going to help more episodes come out and it's going to help them come out more frequently and more regularly and all those things. Should he stay on after this episode?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Trial by fire.
3: Yeah. So anyway, thanks to Joe. He's also at Brunette.com. That's J-O-E-B-R-U-N-E-T-T.com. Well, that's it for this
1: episode. We hope you'll get involved in the Horror Movie Podcast community. You can leave a comment in the show notes for this episode at horror horrormoviepodcast.com. Dot com. That's where you can find this and all of our past episodes. Be sure to follow horror movie podcast on Twitter and Instagram at horror movie cast. You could also follow Wolfman on Twitter, Instagram, letterboxd, and Facebook at Icarus arts. You can check out Dr. Shock's amazing movie reviews at DVDinfatuation.com and follow him on Twitter at DVD infatuation. You can also connect with him on Facebook, or letterboxed. Doc also appears on Land of the Creeps Horror Podcast. And be sure to check out Dave's YouTube channel. And you can find me, Gilman Joel, at RetroMovieGeek.com where we cover movies that are 20 years old or older. You can also follow Retro Movie Geek on Twitter, at Retro Movie Geek. You can also join the Retro Movie Geek Facebook group at Retro Movie Geek. And you can also join me on Terror on the Tube, where we cover horror TV movies from the 70s and 80s. You can find all of these links at horrormoviepodcast.com. Please subscribe and leave a review for Horror Movie Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to us on Stitcher and Spotify. And don't forget to get your listener-designed HMP t-shirts at horrormoviepodcast.com forward slash store. We'd like to thank composer Kagan Breitenbach for creating our horror movie podcast theme song. You can find more of Kagan's work at kaganbreitenbach.com. We'd also like to thank editor Joe Brunette for his work on this episode. Follow Joe on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Brunette and check out his app Onset, currently available on the Apple App Store. You also can find Onset on Twitter and Instagram at Onset underscore app. Thanks for joining us. We hope you'll be back for our next episode at Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. In Canada, did you guys have horror movie hosts like we did here in the States? Back like through the 60s, well, the 50s, 60s,
5: 70s, and into the 80s? yeah not not as far as i not really i don't none that i knew of not where i lived anyway i know you guys had like elvira and you guys had up all night and things like that because uh, i remember if we would you know go on vacation to the states it blew my mind that you had these things and yeah. you know who doesn't remember uh, elvira she's fantastic so and you just so said Ralph we didn't have a deal <laughs> sorry say that again
3: i uh, said so they just had Ralph Zavadil. <laughs>
5: okay yeah. See, i don't even know who that is we, oh, okay
3: <laughs> so he's from a documentary beauty day he's like kind of like a pre-jackass kind of guy that
5: okay that's cool <laughs> sorry sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a, I, I like learning um all
3: right so then
1: we've got the bad sea from 1963 which according to the notes here is a turkish remake <laughs> of the no. 56 film which i didn't know existed so there you go i did not eat uh the Devil rides out from 1968
3: I wasn't sure. I haven't seen that in a very long time. I know Dave reviewed it more recently on the show. I was wondering, do you remember, is there a, isn't,
2: is that the type of thing where there's a satanic cult and they're trying to impregnate a woman or are they just killing her? I don't know. I don't know. I know that there is a sacrifice. Let me take a look. You know what I, cause I reviewed it on the blog. It's actually, I love the movie. It's one of my, I remember uh, putting at the time, it's one of my favorite hammer films. Okay. Um, i don't know i'm just th- i'm thinking it might have been more of, of a sacrifice like yeah. a black mass you know i don't um, remember if
3: anyone remembers the devil's rides out if it has uh an impregnation portion let us know <laughs> right i'm gonna save everybody the time i'm just gonna cancel myself yep. <laughs> there we go done Are you
1: good we're good i've canceled myself don't bother
3: I I do want to talk about one more um, technical term here that someone I know had. There was only one person I've ever known that suffered from this, but it was crazy. And this is just a technical term. It's called postpartum psychosis. It's a rare illness compared to the rates of postpartum depression or anxiety. It occurs in approximately 1 to 2 out of every 1,000 deliveries. So that's approximately 0.1 to 0.2% of births. The onset is usually sudden, most often within the first two weeks of postpartum. Symptoms of postpartum psychosis can include... Illusions or strange beliefs, hallucinations, seeing or hearing things that aren't there, feeling very irritated, hyperactivity, decreased need for for or inability to sleep, paranoia and suspiciousness, rapid mood swings, difficulty communicating. The most significant risk factors for postpartum psychosis are personal or family history of bipolar disorder or a previous psychotic episode. Of the women who develop a postpartum psychosis, research has suggested there is approximately a 5% suicide rate and a 4% infant side rate associated with the illness. This is because the woman experiencing the psychosis is experiencing a break from reality in her psychotic state. The delusions and beliefs make sense to her. They feel very real to her and are often religious. Immediate treatment for a woman going through psychosis is imperative. So this I thought was interesting because it, to me, could explain 90% of the movies we're going to talk about today. Right? Like if the women in these movies are suffering from postpartum psychosis or tokophobia that may relate to, it was all a dream. Like it was all in their head because that's a, that's a real thing that can happen. I thought, I don't know. I thought that was kind of an interesting real life horror concept, but it did happen to a woman that I know. She, she had this and it was scary. Wow. Wow. It's really scary. Um, Sorry, that was that too much. <laughs> no, no,
1: no. no I just all. don't. I don't have anything not to contribute because I don't know anybody <laughs> I don't
2: either. I don't. I don't have. Yeah, that's something. It's that's really amazing. All right, I'll put, I'll cut that out and put it at the.
3: end. Or oh, Joe's gonna have to. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>